Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Thorpe, and this is going to be episode 131 with friend and director, Saman Kesh, who returns to talk about his new short film, Hit TV, which premiered this past week and has already been selected as Vimeo staff pick, making it Saman's 15th. Throughout this episode, we discuss our directorial processes, how they differ, and why it doesn't matter as long as you're passionate about your process and making the films in which you love. We discuss our nostalgic roots, who inspires us, and what we miss about their early works. This is a long one, everyone, so grab your favorite chair and some popcorn. This episode is sponsored by LearnSquared, where you can find introductory and advanced courses led by industry-leading artists and friends of the podcast, such as Maciej Kuchada, Jinya Zhang, and Jama Jirabayev. You can see how these artists work and learn from each other at LearnSquared.com. So here we go, everybody. Episode 131 with Saman Kesh. Let's roll. Do you look back on certain things? Do you cringe? Do you do you do you grow? Do you do you dismiss your past work? Do you how do you deal with your present and past work? Um, you know, I, I have like an area of effect. Um, basically, what happens is when I when I am uh, finished with something, there's an area of about twelve months as as if I'm like a if I'm like a, on a timeline, right? And I'm hmm. I'm scanning through. After about 12 months, I can objectively look back at something like I just recently watched uh, for I think it was like a talk or something. I watched Basement Jacks mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I kind of like this. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it sort of it doesn't it's not yours anymore yeah. after about 12 months or at least in your head. It's fresh and you don't remember all the fuck ups and you start to, you know, like with with this piece, I already have things I'm hung up on and I'll bring up to people and they're like, what the hell are you talking about? That's like all in your head. And I'm like, Oh, maybe you're right. Um, (laughs) it's just kind of, it's just how it is, but I don't dismiss anything. I mean, I think carnage, I'm, I'm like upset by it a little bit, but like it's, it's, uh, I'm sure it'll be get over it. You know, um, (laughs) I'm sure I'll find that middle ground of, of being, you know, more realistic about how I feel about it because I get sort of an emotional kind of rut or, or emotional sort of just like, you know, sometimes I feel to survive, I have to just stay away. I have to kind of like kind of tell myself I don't like it so that I can like move on from it. You know, Hmm. um, it's, um, it's, it's a weird process, but I definitely am not like, I don't watch my work ever. It's my rule. You know what I mean? Like some people are like that and weird like that, but I'm, I'm not like that, but I don't ever really want to watch what I made. So that's, you know, works out, but I will, I will tell you this though. Sometimes I will revisit old, older, older, like over three or four years old stuff and kind of say like, what happened to that, Simon? What happened to this? You know, <laughs> yeah. um, and then and then miss it. But it's dangerous. Nine times out of 10, when I want to revisit something, it's not genuine. It's mm. not real. You know, you yeah. just have to go with how you feel. And so th- where are you at personally right now in your career? Like where, where, where are you at and where do you want to be? Oh, interesting. Um, well, I've been, you know, something, I guess, along the lines of like the way Spielberg sort of always says, like, you know, that was, that's how I felt in that era. I would never do that even two years later. What Like when he made E.T., he was a completely different man than when he made Close Encounters, and that's only three years apart, or four years apart. Hmm. Um, actually, I have no clue. I think it's about four years apart. Um, <laughs> I think for, for me, you know, I'm in like a, it's kind of weird because like I'm developing movies that are emotionally in different places than where I'm at now. I think Hit TV required me to get into like a really dark place, even though the film, the feature film story actually ends up really sweet and romantic. 
the short I needed to be kind of scary, you know? I needed to feel really threatening in a short amount of time. And it, it required really like, um, because I, I wanted the sense of danger. I didn't want it to feel campy because I think the 80s can easily, 80s, while I was researching the 80s and just like seeing how people thought of the 80s, they were always kind of like, ha you know, and I was like, what is that? Why are you laughing? And it's like, that's just kind of, unfortunately, that's like Kung Fury, all those things. Hmm. That's kind of how see people see the 80s a little bit. So Yeah, it's almost like it, a, some sort of weird avatar or something. Yeah. Yeah, well, because the 80s is kind of cheese. It's just a lot of schlock with it. So anything that's serious, that's why when you watch like Thief or any of like really serious 80s movies. Like Manhunter. It's kind of, or Manhunter, another Michael yeah. Mann movie. Yeah, like you, that, that was something I wanted to channel more of where you're like, it feels nostalgic but like you kind of shut up after a little while, you know what I mean? Um, sure. and, and unfortunately I feel like I've done a good job at it, but I, I think to the expense where some people are emotionally like hurt or alienated. <laughs> um, and, and you know, that's okay because I, I think it's fake. I think if people watch it again, they won't feel that anymore. I think it's just cause they're expecting like camp deluxe. You know what I mean? Sure. There's a weird thing that is happening because of the Kung Fury kind of stuff as well, right? It's like mm-hmm. people kind of expect you to go super campy with it. And then when you don't, it's like, well, what is this? And you're like, well, it's not campiness. And I guess mm-hmm. it kind of fits in that realm where like Michael Mann's Manhunter would have gone. But Manhunter is an incredibly great film. And I think it's also kind of misunderstood and, and not kind of forgotten in a weird in a weird way, too. Um, but yeah, there's definitely that kind of feel that's quite interesting too, you know? So I agree with the Manhunter. No, I think that I actually, just so you know, when I first saw it in 2007, which is pretty late, I really didn't like it. I think I got hung up on it's, it's pastiche oldness and and some of the bad stuff in it, like aesthetically some cheesy decisions and, you know, like the news reporter, you know, and he slams (laughs) them on the car hood. You're just like, what? You know, like, um, but then I watched it. Yeah. I watched it recently for, um, actually, uh, our feature that I'm working with the feature for this. Uh, I was like, damn, this is really good. Like there's some magical shit in there. Like, like when he has the premonitions of, of the woman dead and they, yeah. the, the, her eyes are cut out. I'm like, Oh, this is so good. You yeah. know, yeah. uh, there's so much iconography, like, you know, uh, that he invented and that he did. And there's so many detail like the, the, you know, I think the villain is especially detailed and, and, and I wish Michael Mann was interested in, in murder a lot more. He's definitely not, but like, he's good at it. He makes a ta- really tangible villain, uh, for what would otherwise be really silly you know, or like way over the top, you know, yeah, he kind of respected the subject matter in, a, in an interesting lens, you know, it's kind of similar to say like silence of the lambs, basically to mm-hmm. like getting you to see through different perspectives and stuff. Where on the spectrum do you think your film falls? Um, you know, it's, it's because it's got some, you know, I would say it's like, I would say it's like, what if, you know, what if Michael Mann, you know, what, what if, what if a concept was written by Cronenberg. Tarantino wrote the script, and then and then Michael Mann directed it. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's about like, right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's pretty close. Like yeah. like you know, like the Cronenberg one wouldn't have made really any sense for most people, but like the concept of the TV show, and then and then uh, you know Tarantino like kind of wrote the script, and then Michael Mann probably jettisoned half of the dialogue and yeah. the conversations, and then made something kind of you know sort of minimalist. You know, and that was something. Uh, you know, I, uh, it's, it's weird. I, I definitely knew, I knew it was going to be, you know, it was going to feel kind of brooding. Uh, and then I, I, I didn't realize 
how affected some people would be and how in, a, in the original versions there was more camp. I mean, the original last line of the sh- of the sh- of the short before he cocks the shotgun was originally I'm going to be a good daddy. <laughs> and everyone everyone just kind of laughed like they just laughed too much and I didn't like it. I, I didn't really like like the camp that I found funny. I actually realized I don't like this. That's sure. just not it's not me even though I'm a funny person. I don't think I want to make that. And and it made everyone else I think also shorts this is probably the first short where I realized, ah, this is why people don't make or like shorts because it's really hard to satisfy. Like with Controller, I told the end of a story. So, but even though people didn't really get 50% of that story, like they felt the ending. Where this, they get it. It's everyone's intrigued by its sort of start, but it doesn't really have an ending really because you're like, oh, this is the person that I care about now. And then it's already over, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so sometimes people, you know, just don't get it. Sometimes people are stoked on it. Some people get stoked on excitement. Some people are more stoked with resolution, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you just can't, you can't win them both. You can't. And you gotta, I mean, who, who, when you're making these, are you pleasing yourself number one and then everything else comes secondary or like who, who makes controller the was definitely pleasing myself and being hard on myself while also knowing like, I want to entertain, but mm-hmm. I also think it was a it was a target market for that because it did start as a product for somebody and then it just died halfway and I just kept going with it. Mm-hmm. Where this, I knew it was a selling product. I knew I had to sell it, so I needed to sell a universe. And that's kind of it's interesting because I used to be hard on myself for like two months during during the edit. I tried to force some things in there, and then I just realized, dude, like kind of talking to myself in the shower sometimes i'm like come on there's <laughs> nine minutes without this main character and then he shows up for three you know like it's just mm. that's just what's going to happen because it's not like a movie it's not like a tarantino movie where you can start 20 minutes without the, the character and then kill all your the characters that you just met for 20 minutes because you got 70 more minutes of the movie or 100 more minutes of the movie sure like that's and i, I realize that's okay you know so i got to do my best job with this character and 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 hope that you're on board with this journey uh and you want more of that stuff uh and then you know i don't end up giving it to you and i have you're left with like you know kind of the music and the vibe and the rest of you know what you think this character's journey is about um but you know it's uh it definitely was not necessarily satisfying for me i think it was more like how do i make this product that has all the little nuggets that are going to sort of like if it's a zip file you know and I unzip it for, you know, studios or investors later, what can this be potentially? Like, it needs to be kind of like an atom that can explode, you know? Sure. Uh, it needs to be, it needs to be something, because it's also going to be a TV show, you know? Like, we're going to start it as a film, and then no more films. I mean, if people want to make films, great. But the idea is to start it with a film, with this character, and then the TV show, and then have a TV show that has nothing to do with our main character. It's all the other, it's all like different hitmen and different characters wrapped up in the show. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah, that's interesting because I think it would be interesting to be an episodic thing. And I think that's also something that's to be considered now for artists and creatives like ourselves who are looking to make new forms of media, whereas like, you know, 
Netflix and Amazon Prime and all these different Hulu and all these things are all these new outlets for creatives to make an extension of their work rather not rather than doing like this one isolated moment of an hour and a half or two hours we now have this new form you know like Game of Thrones for example where you can really dig deep into understanding these this character in this world and all that kind of stuff um is that something that you're obviously looking towards and wanting to do is like in, in a dream situation, what would happen with this project and what is happening with this project? Um, I suppose, um, you know, I, I like TV a lot. I'm developing a TV show right now. Um, it's not my original idea. It's based off a graphic novel and, uh, you know, it's not bad because I'm on board as a producer and a director. So, you know, it's, it's, you're not sort of like, you know, succumbing cause it is a writer's format. It's a writer's and producer's format. It's not a director's format. Directors are a lot more for hire. And that's why when you watch like when you watch TV shows, if you look at the directors, you're like, who the hell's this guy? He's a TV guy, you know? Um, the jobs to come in and like know the show and and shoot it like the way the show's already established. Uh, like with Battlestar Galactica, it's Ronald Moore, and then you have uh, I forgot his name already. Uh, Australian guy who came in and designed the look and photography and kind of like, you know, one shoddy kind of steady cam vibe. And, uh, and then, you know, he left like, you know, like after a few episodes and only returned on key episodes. Mm -hmm. um, but you rarely sort of have a director that's part of the producing team. And so this was a kind of one of those opportunities that I had to kind of explore and see what it's like. It's very different. It's a very you you uh, you kind of come in and leave, come in and leave. And it's not like a film where, you know, you hang around most of the time and, you know, you could still get kicked off in either version. It's a lot more the director gets the fuck away after, like, pretty much shooting it, you hmm, know? That's interesting. Um, but, but, but I do think, it, you know, anything I'm going to make usually that I feel is TV, uh, you know, approachable, it's either I'm going to sort of bring the property, whether it's mine or not, and then develop. And so I think... With television, I think with Amazon, with Netflix, there's a lot more, I think, of a friendly situation in those scenarios. Mm -hmm. in, and they want to be more friendly because they want to, you know, they're trying, they're not only are they all fighting each other, which is great. It's a great way to just get in and fucking sell a show. And I mean, look like they, you know, re you know, Refn got his, his movie you know, out there because of Amazon when maybe in like five years they would never fucking pick up that movie, you know, but it's like right now they're like, we're going to grab a ton of shit because we're fighting Netflix and Hulu and all these other people, you know, did, did um, they got so which one uh, only God forgives. No, the demon, uh, Oh, he's doing a it? new one. He's doing a new neon one. demon. Yeah. Neon yeah. demon. Yeah. Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it in the trailer. Yeah. It looks pretty cool. Um, yeah. it's definitely rough and vibes where it's probably going to like kind of half not make sense, but like going to look cool. Sure. Um, but I think that it's definitely a viable option. And I, I'm glad you brought it up because it is something that I feel like a lot of people are scared of. And I also think it's hard because anybody that's kind of got some stature is tending to kind of take over that community. It's like it's like the 70s. In the 70s, all the big boys like Hitchcock and everyone were leaving to go to TV. Sure. And then the Scorsese and Friedkin and everybody came in for the kill for the movies. And so part of me is kind of like stick with the movies because hmm. all the big boys are leaving, you know? Yeah. That's actually a good point too. And also it's more or less like, um, what we're talking about here is forms of media. It's not that one's better than the other because you can make, you can make an amazing short film that would last five minutes. That would be just as impactful as 90% of the films that are out there. It's more or less the director and the visionary, the artists and the creatives and what they're after 
uh, I think at least that's my perception of it. Um, and then how you go about using that medium to help you support what it is that you're after. Like if you were to say, let's use the game of Thrones again, as an example, if I were to said, Hey, Simon, let's make this game of Thrones, this book, let's put it all into 15 minutes. It's just not possible. You just couldn't do it, but it would be, it's perfect for like this extension of this HBO thing called television shows and stuff. So, um, but sometimes it works and sometimes I don't think it does, you know, so it's like I agree. interesting. It's yeah. an interesting form. And I, I like that idea too, that if you think about if everybody is trending and, and running away from say film and, and stuff and they're going towards another thing, I think it's actually, um, quite good that like to think about like, okay, well then there's more room basically. But which leads me to my next thing I want to talk to you about too is, um, and you're getting close to the mic again too, just letting you know <laughs> oh, is I'm just, help, I'm going to help you out. Cause you're going to, you're going to be like, no, I know this, you're going to, mic is so like crisp and clear okay right there yeah right there is good so i'm just letting okay. you know because i know you're like me you get really excited and so we like you know we forget about stuff because we're, we're passion yeah. we're desire we're, we're putting forth the passion um so no. one of the things i was going to ask you about is where do you see film because obviously as a director you're looking at these things right are you concerned with the trends or are you looking towards them are you looking away from them um are you concerning them i mean i know some directors who just don't care some people do um, where are you at with it? Um, looking- go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, like, are you looking at like altered forms like VR, AR, and t- incorporating that? I know you're a big gamer. Is that part of like your, you know, your future goals? Um, I think I- I'm super excited by VR. Um, I think augmented reality is interesting. I don't think it knows what it is just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely am excited for what's to come with VR. Um, I've been debating whether to sort of like kind of figure out like where it's at and if it's in a place, like I think there's a very limited VR that you could just probably go and do, which would be like kind of having a you know, a bunch of like four cameras and then kind of stitching them together in the end. But I think it's probably more likely to like kind of go and make a really cool VR short and then, you know, to sort of display it, though, what's really tough is just getting people like the masses to sort of view something. You have you have to have the money behind it to sort of take it around in a booth or whatever. I mean, the, the way you could probably get away with doing it like on a like super student level is if you if you kind of, you know, you kind of have an algorithm and, and that where you can kind of create, OK, I've done a test. Basically, if I shoot four of these kind of cameras, I kind of point them around I use a little, these few lenses so that the, you know, when, when I blur the sort of lines between the frames, um, they, the images, they won't feel sort of like cinemascope where there's clearly like a blurred edge. Right. And then what you, and then you sort of design, okay, this is how I'm going to shoot it, blah, blah, blah. And then when you're done cutting it, editing it, you know, doing all post, you can pretty much just run around with your laptop and your Oculus headset or, you know, HTC or whoever the fuck you're supporting. Right. Hmm. And and then show studio execs and investors, this is what I want to do. The problem is, is that the platform is so new that no one would really end up buying it. They wouldn't know what to do with it. So I think honestly, where it's at right now is anybody that's like, I'm doing this with pretty much anything I'm developing is I'm pretty hard. I'm pitching hard the idea of doing promo material for the film with VR, like doing only VR stuff or shooting a segment of it in VR. Yeah. And then when people go watch it, they don't see it in VR, but maybe at Comic-Con 
when controller comes out, guess what? I've got like a whole action sequence through the guy's helmet. But then when you watch the movie, you're like, oh shit, like I was in the dude's helmet when I saw this fucking at Comic-Con, you know what I mean? Um, But it's like not in the helmet. Maybe there's a couple of cutaways, but I think that's the way to show it's kind of working because no one's seen it yet. So unless someone does it and there's a platform to show it off, it's not really going to work. Same with augmented, you know, and even 3D because it's kind of janky with how everyone's 3D is, which we all kind of knew was half gimmick anyways. So I think, you know, it's tough, but I definitely think it's explorable. I just think it can also become too techy. It's kind of like Hardcore Henry, right? I love that director. I love that guy's uh, music videos, but it's very much a novelty film. And unless people are on board with the novelty, it doesn't really fly, you know, because it's very novelty first, story second, you know? And I tend to find that I have to focus my energy. And for me, it's still, we're not where I would want to be to sort of distract my, you know, it's not worth me distracting my time from the creative process and creating a kind of unique sort of stuff. Cause I'm a world builder. I really like creating worlds and I really like, you know, merging different, uh, ge- geographical sort of understandings of what film is and putting it in one. Like, you know, I, I like a lot of Asian inspired stuff. I like a lot of European inspired stuff and I like injecting it into sort of what would be otherwise a Western film. And I think that I don't have any other room to sort of like fuck around with like limiting myself to shoot VR unless I'm doing something specifically for VR. And in that case, I'd much rather attach it on to like cubed, you know, and I'm talking with Lionsgate about having all like promo in the cubed universe and having it pure VR, you know? Mm, Yeah. Um, Well, it's a completely different space and it's not even, I think there's a weird misconception that it's, it's like film. It's like, no, it's not like film. It's not like film at all. It's a completely immersive, different experience, but yeah. it doesn't mean that it's better. It just means that it's different. And you're yeah. right. I think it's um, it's an untapped territory, really. I don't think anybody's really claimed it properly yet. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who's the George Lucas of the VR world or who's the Scorsese or the like uh, Coppola or whoever, you know, of that space just to kind of claim it for their own. Um, and also set a benchmark as to like, this is how you do it, you know? Um, but there's also quite an interesting thing with what it does to the, the physicalities of a human body and how it throws off the equilibrium. And I remember reading somewhere that like 15 to 20% of the world population can't even use it because they get complete nauseous. So, um, which is interesting. And I don't know if you've tried it long enough. It's kind of like 3d where like they say what, like 10 or I think it's increased now. Now that there's a lot of 3D in China, yeah. about 12% of the populace can't see it, so they just get headaches. Hmm. Yeah, I don't really like watching films in 3D personally. I, I find it to be distracting and quite gimmicky, but that's just more or less my own. There's only a few movies, I would agree. I'd say there's only, I would say like Avatar. Avatar, I thought yeah. Gravity was really great in Gravity, 3D. Gravity, yeah, that's true, yeah. Um, but very, yeah, very few. I would 100% agree it's totally, it's totally a gimmick because none of the filmmakers really want to even, that's why I think Nolan is smart to kind of, give everybody IMAX so that they shut up about 3D. You know what I mean? <laughs> Good, yeah. I'll give you IMAX, motherfuckers. You know, leave me alone with 3D. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of those directors that's quite interesting. He's one of those rare breeds of this day where he can kind of make those interesting demands. Um, quite a power player, you know, which is interesting, like the way that it affects his work. Um, how did this project for Hit TV, how did it come about? I mean, you, like Isaac was saying, this has been in the works for about a year and a half now. How long has this been in your head? 
and then, um, then like it's been a while i had a probably actually um the last podcast we did which is probably i think about a year and a half ago mm-hmm. um damn it's been a long time it's, time flies um, dude uh yeah that uh that'd be about a year and a half ago that, that i have probably had the i had the script done actually then um it wasn't fully done but i definitely had an iteration of it a couple of months before that call but it was definitely not anywhere near production ready i think i was planning to shoot it you know that at the end of that year if that was like what around september or something and then it just stalled i had other things happen beginning of the year controller and cube moved really fast and we had a lot we had hired writers and it was moving really quick and so I just couldn't really deal with it. And then eventually we found, because uh, I had to find an investor still. Eventually we found uh, an investor, this guy Stefano Fossi. How do you go who, about uh, doing yeah. that? I mean, that's quite an interesting thing too. Like, I know that's a question that I get asked quite a bit about the process of making things too, is connecting the business with the art. How did you go about connecting that and finding an investor? Is it somebody that you just, you know about or somebody that's ta- told you about or you take your, your producers find that for you? Um, yeah, well, no, it's uh, usually, I think a lot of times in the feature world, there's a lot more of a, there's a lot more of a like, um, business model to follow. And it, it's sometimes wrong. I mean, Terrence Malick for fucking, you know, um, for Badlands just went and all, to all the dentists in fucking Texas because apparently in, the dentists were super rich and didn't have anything to do with their tax money. <laughs> so, so he just went and bugged a bunch of dentists until he got enough money, you know? Huh. And, uh, but, but that the day and age has changed so much and the way people sort of benefit from spending money and, and, and also the lack of money to be made now in films, especially make shorts way less. Like, I mean, when, you know, I, we made this for about 60 K you tell most people that 60K, they go, what the fuck? Because they're more like, who would spend 60K? Because you're not going to really make the money back. Well, you kind of can because you're going to – that's why I don't really make shorts unless it's something I can sell, you know, because I'm not interested in just shorts because they just disappear. They do unless disappear, you're yeah. trying to prove yourself as a filmmaker or just see if you really like it, there's no reason to do a short unless it's like, you know, Hotel Chevalier where it's like an opening act to – a film or sort of a character little vignette for a film. Yeah. And uh, I think for me, I like the short format to sell. And eventually I'll be doing it in a way where the studios hopefully or investors will pay me to do the short. No one will ever see it. It won't go on Vimeo, won't be staff picked, won't be featured. And it's whether it'll either die or it'll be a greenlit film because the studio will own it or the studio will own part of it because they paid for it. And then suddenly on the Blu-ray, you get to see the short I made for it. You know what I mean? Like, but it's a process I believe in to show the studio kind of personalities or, Hey, I'm not going to fucking play thriller music. I'm going to play. I want to know what love is while someone's head explodes from a shotgun, you know, (laughs) like, (laughs) like, you know, like that, that, that's kind of, it's hard to just tell somebody that they have to feel it and go, okay, great. I see the drama in this. Or some people will go fuck off and you know who you don't want to even get a business with. But as far as getting a producer, on board or an investor it was a mutual friend connected uh us together and um my friend renee connected me to stefan who is a close friend i met him a few times not a close friend to me close friend to her and then uh, you know he he was interested in it um he comes from the music side of things um you know he's had a lot of hands in really cool bands that we all like and i think he's been wanting to venture into more production stuff and so we kind of both you know realized we'd benefit from the project. So he has been very supportive and um, kind of, you know, we actually kind of went over budget a little bit and he, you know, understood. And 
That's we, cool. uh, you know, we move forward, but it's definitely, it's kind of like you just get kind of lucky and find someone that's willing to fucking <laughs> it's good, help yeah, you out. It's, you quite, know? it's quite a unique um, experience yeah. to have somebody just say, all right, I trust you with this. And then, um, here's money, you know, which is quite, it's quite a, um, it's quite a unique process, you know? Um, and yeah, it's like, you got to give a little bit to get, you know, it's like, it's just, it's interesting. You know, the business side of it is something that I feel like a lot of people miss. Um, but it's really important to not miss that, you know, because it's part of it. That's, you know, without the budget, you couldn't have made it obviously, you know? Um, mm-hmm. but it's, and it's also, like I said, it's something that's interesting because it's the same for myself, just trying to find that or either doing it myself. Um, would you ever self fund yourself? Like if you had, um, let's say you had enough money, just enough to pay, pay for your own films. I mean, I know, I know you've done it quite a few times, but, um, a significant amount. Cause I remember listening to an interview. I think it was Tim Ferriss when he was interviewing Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and he was asking him if he would ever self fund his film. And he laughed and said, never, because he just doesn't like, he doesn't, he doesn't believe in it as much, but I guess that's the point of view of an actor. And he didn't say that necessarily, but that's the point of view of an actor. But a director is a completely different. And a point uh, of view of a Republican. <laughs> yeah, which is a different way of, you know, using his resources and all that kind of stuff, too, which is interesting. So, um, but yeah, I just I just thought that was quite interesting, you know, like that. And then also the business side of it, which is really important, too, because like we talked about, like you can't you couldn't have made this without a budget. Like you could have, but it would have been a completely different experience and different outcome, you know? So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, I I think, I think the way to to sort of think about it is like, you know, since the last time we've talked, it's like, you know, I've sort of has seen kind of what, uh, and how scared studios are by the process of, of, of making stuff. And really it's like, man, like, as much as I sort of am hating on the sort of Marvel trend of and kind of going with these random directors who like make one thing, you know, which I'm a friends with some of those people. It's a good business decision in the sense that it's like it's kind of a jump. It's a way to sort of go, all right, I'm going to sort of like pay my dues. I'm going to get raped up the ass, not make the movie I want. If it does well, I'm going to get a ton of credit. Uh, and, you know, even if it does moderately well, if it makes money, I'm going to have enough power and play. And you hopefully, potentially, you have enough, you know, actors that you suddenly are homies with, right? That yeah. you can go make other things. And it, it kind of, it, it makes sense why, because it's, it's really so hard to yeah. get, yeah, to get a movie made, especially with studios. It's like, why would a studio, like with Controller, it's, you know, it's kind of blows my mind that someone like Fox would be interested because at the end of the day, which, you know, there's always a chance things don't work out. But at the end of the day, it's like, why, you know, why don't they spend more money on their Marvel stuff? Now that Deadpool's doing well, there's so many other reasons that and so many reason, ways that a project can die at a studio where I feel like with a private investor, it's like for them to commit to it, they have to be committing to it, you know, and it's not it's not really like, a, you know, it, you know, the way a studio has millions and millions and millions of dollars to develop and kill projects. Yeah. It's not a problem. Like a pro- they can kill a project in a month and not feel guilty about it. I feel like because the, it's all a process, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I feel like the Marvel thing to bring that up as a trend, I feel like it's very transparent. At least to me it is. And it's like, let's bring on these directors who obviously have talent, but we can, they're not big enough where they can throw their weight around where we can actually as producers and the money holders can, push our weight around basically and be like, yeah, we need to have X amount of this in this film so we can sell X so we can re- make a return on our investment. And the problem as an artist and a, and a, and a lover of art and the lover of 
creativity and originality is it's a lot of safe bets. Therefore, the product at the end is just kind of like, ugh, like there's no heart and soul behind it beyond trying to sell me like some sort of plastic toy or something that's very insincere. And for me, I guess, I mean, I'm, I'm, I understand the business side of it and it totally makes sense and I see why, but it's just like, damn, you know, it's a part of it. Yeah, though, it's, so. it's, it's totally sad. I mean, it's fun, kind of funny because if you, um, it's kind of funny. It's funny because if you actually <laughs> watch like Alien 3, the extras, you see Fincher get fucked and it's interesting because he hates then, that, yeah. that was a that was a movie where they they tricked him yeah into they sort of, because they, they were going to do that probably from the beginning and yeah. he's because he's also so much more difficult and at that time he was probably cocky as shit yeah you know um you know like he probably that movie probably humbled him times 10 but also probably made him way fucking gnarlier too yeah, in other ways true. but yeah. i think that you know they tricked him where now it's like hey we're going to boss you around. Are you okay? All right. When we leave the store, smile for the cameras. And then that's it. You know? Yeah. And it's like, I've had, I won't say who, but I have like, you know, a few friends that are working on really big movies that are coming out right now, like giant IPs, like a couple hundred million dollar films. And it's like, you hear them like sick, breathing, fucking hard, anxious, you know, man, this isn't the kind of business we want to be in. Like, this isn't what we did movies for, is it? And I'm like, dude, shut up. You know what you signed up for. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you went from blank to this. It's like, you know why you did it, man. Yeah. You know, would you do you it? Kind of, huh? if, would you do it? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I would do like, I feel like there are IPs I would actually be really good at. I don't think I'd be good at like, you don't think you know, I'd probably be good at a Star Wars movie. I'd be really excited to do a Star Wars movie. They wouldn't let like, you. They wouldn't let you run with that, though. That's like. You know, no, you never you could never run with it. No, no. You, like you'd, you'd have to just be excited by it. But there's the Star Wars universe, like the dark Jedi system of Star Wars is where I would explore. Like basically yeah, my me too. ideal Star Wars movie would be basically probably Jedi Outcast or, or, or Jedi Knight, like, you know, Dark Forces 2. Like it would definitely be like. I talked to one of my friends where it's like, I really want to make the departed of Star Wars. Like, have a, have, no, I'm serious. <laughs> like, good, have a yeah. light side Jedi like hang out with dark Jedi to like get like the big boss. I'm like, that'd be so sick. It'd be like, I basically be like Disney, just like give me a third of the budget and I'll make it work. I promise. I know that sounds scary, you know, but like they have once I think the like they make two or three that they're like, really like this thing is a cash cow. They'll, they'll probably like, I think these like side star Wars films, yeah. I think if it does well, I think you'll kind of see, uh, a little bit more, not chances taken, but you'll see them leave the family story because the problem is the Star Wars is limited to a family saga. Ooh, it's a not family saga. It's yeah. No, it's a family it, it, saga. Yeah, that's you basically know? what it is. It's a story arc of a family who rolls the universe. And but every- this new Star Wars will be the first that it's not that. And yeah. I think that if they, if that does well, and I well, think you know, and it's for a price. I think it's half the budget of the previous Star Wars, yeah, um, of the one that just came out. Anybody I would throw that, themselves at it, that film to make work on it, though, because it's just what it is, you know. So, yeah, yeah, and that's that's what it helps the budgets as well, too. Well, let's let's get a little bit nerdy, nerdy with Star Wars because I have a couple things I'd like to talk about with Star Wars because I sat there and I watched the the recent one, and um, like. Yeah, I think you had mixed feelings like I did. We we kind of texted to each other. We did, and it was cool. It was interesting. Whether it's funny because I've met friends and people that are like, I loved it. I had so much fun, and then I look at them and, and I go, okay, like it's cool. Like I love that you did, and I'm not going to ruin your experience by imposing my own on you. You know, and <laughs> then I had, you didn't like it. 
Yeah, well then I then I uh, then I watched um well I think I think um there's a lot of things that I think are happening is like there's nostalgia which is blinding so I try to uh, I try to really es- um eradicate the nostalgia um and but the beginning of the film I was like hell yeah this is sick like Star Wars is back this is awesome and this feels very good um and then it just it slowly became something completely different and the analogy that i'm having with uh, my friends and i um this is this is a a grotesque analogy this is the one i came up with but i felt like it was um and i'm sorry if i'm offending people but i felt like it was like somebody took one of my best friends and then they stuffed their hand up his ass and they're playing him like a puppet. It's still my friend, but it's not really him. Someone and, else yeah, up his ass. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? And, and it just, it's, 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 they're there, but they're not there. And I feel like I'm getting cheated out of this authentic experience in which I um, once loved, you know? And I have a couple things I would have done to it. I'm just going to rant really quickly and then I'm going to want to hear your side of it too because I'm quite interested. Sure. There's a couple things that I would have changed. Obviously, I would never would have revealed um, Kylo's identity. Spoiler alert too for those of you that haven't seen this film, which would be quite odd by now. Everybody should have seen yeah, this film. Yeah, that person should just like die or something <laughs> if they had watched it. Yeah, you have yeah, no business. Like, well, like, I'll, I will personally send you a dvd to watch it but um yeah. so, so never reveal kylo um that one gold like chrome stormtrooper that was a waste of a character i would have that whole scene with that crazy blob and, uh, and and han solo was a waste what i would have done this is the story i want to tell or i would have tell, told is that luke skywalker never really became a jedi yoda was right the whole time he eventually went to the dark side in this and gap between the stories that we left off with and the story that we're um got in with this film is uh he went off start he went off and trained kylo killed kylo took his identity and then he killed his sister to you know to get stronger basically and then towards the end there all this stuff is happening it's basically luke covered up in the identity of what we they we think is kylo we wouldn't reveal that it's been luke the whole time within two films and to just get super gnarly and you just get heavier and heavier as you go into it. But it's, again, it's just too, it's too heavy. I think it wouldn't work, but I think that's a really good saga. And at the end of this, I would have, I would have made it so that Luke would have to go, therefore take his own life. And he realizes that he has to because like it's, there's a, a significant unbalance that's happening in this, in this world. So uh, I don't know. It's just, th- there's more to it. And I would have re- rewritten many scenes, especially like that freaking, uh, that scene with the like Han Solo and that ship and all that stuff. That was just, <laughs> I was like, dude, get out of here. Like, I would have deleted that whole section. I would have created another Boba Fett out of that chrome stormtrooper. I would have had her with like a, a troop of like bounty hunters that she was leading, like droid like bounty hunters. And they would have had a sick face off with like another alien race that were trying to get to Han to find out this, this, all this information. And that would have had this awesome situation happening where there was this vengeance story that was going to happen. So, but it never, yeah, it just was like, there was so many, I felt like, like I was watching my favorite batter going up to bat and I know he could hit like home runs every time. And he was just like, just just striking out i was like damn dude like i don't know but I, overall though like i'm super thankful that it's back i'm i'm happy about it yeah. but at the same time i'm just like damn it could have been what it what it could have been you know so yeah it was really, it also interesting listening to uh george's interviews have you listened to them he called yeah. disney the white slavers <laughs> i was like oh man 
<laughs> yeah, it's funny. I think when the, when the embargo was up, he really went to town on how he actually felt. Yeah, it's um, great. Probably felt uh, you great. Know, I, think it, I mean, it's weird. It's like, look, well, sorry, you, you probably aren't done. My no, 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 I'm done. I'm sorry that I've taken up so much of this with that. But I'm, No, 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 yeah. no, it's cool. I kind of am like, I, I, I actually, I'm like, I hit record because then maybe when I go into Disney, I can be like, hey, here's this guy. He believes he can make the first one better. Uh, <laughs> check out Nash. You know, they'll be like, uh, yeah, well, he can't make money, so get him out of here. Yeah. So yeah <laughs> we no, just no. want to be making money. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I mean, look, a lot of those execs, I mean, I, I'll say this sort of quick and because I don't want to really like pay attention to the situation, but it's like, uh, I, I, uh, I think execs really want to try to make a good movie, but they're all scared. The re- if they weren't scared, they would be filmmakers, uh, like us, but because they're scared, they're doing exec jobs. And I think it's tough for that. And not all of them are like that. A lot of people really know what the job of being an exec is and they yeah. support you and they're there to help. And, and even if the, if they can't get something going, they're not a piece of shit for it. But no. most of them, unfortunately are tools. So a lot of them are, are also like Harvard Yale grads where they're not really film people. They got no business in film other than, you know, they, they enjoyed Terminator two and then everything else, you know, and they have half bad taste. But I think with star Wars, First of all, being a, a hardcore Trekkie, and I have no sort of distaste for Star Wars at all. I love Star Wars as a universe. I've loved Star Wars since I was a kid. And I think that what I learned about Star Wars is is it's such a universe that's exciting. It's kind of like the Hobbit movies. People didn't hate Hobbit, but if you actually broke down what they thought of the stories of the movie Hobbit, they're not the, the Hobbit movies are not very good, but because so many people love the universe, mm-hmm. they kind of want it to be exciting. And when I was in the theater, I saw I saw Star Wars twice. I watched it once because I was like I had an ins- insanely intense re- combination of reactions that were that <laughs> went from like, oh, my God, this is terrible. And I know that I'm like hanging out with friends and I got a girl with me, but I'm about to fucking go nuts and pull out my lightsaber and cut everyone's heads off. You, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm a true I am a dark Jedi right now. And I'm going to fucking kill everybody. Uh, but 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 uh, th- then there were moments where I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait to make a Star Wars maybe in 10 years if I'm alive and I don't get hit by a car. And then I go back into, oh, my God, I want to cut everyone's heads off. Um, and I remember I would like usually pick these like ha ha's you know those people in the theater that just kind of go ha ha they, they're like the, the like the canada cartoons and fucking Star- south park you know <laughs> and you're just like what the fuck and you just watch these people and you just and then after a while you go this guy just wants to laugh he so wants to laugh right now he so wants to be happy yeah. Star Wars is that outlet, and that's amazing. That a universe doesn't have to be though. That, that, yeah, it doesn't have to be. No, but no, no, no. no. Ask I'm everybody that loves Star Wars. Put, they'll say yeah, I love not, Empire. They'll say that I, Empire is the one, and that's the of darkest course, Empire's one. The jam, and yeah. you know, rest in peace, Kirshner. You know, he he was the, he made it really a drama, fucking a dramatic experience. But anyways, what I mean though is, it's like, damn, if the universe is that fucking awesome, then imagine what actually a great film would be. And look. Yeah. I have two. I will start with positives just because I want to sort of, uh, you know, just, you know, it's not, incredible. You know, guy I, don't, made. I, don't want, yeah. I don't want to be a hater. But no. what I want to say is that the positive is that I do respect JJ's sort of baseline execution because he knows other people are going to come in. And I think that like Ryan Johnson is a good shot at making a pretty fucking dope film. Even if I have disagreements with Ryan Johnson as a filmmaker, he's really fucking good, though. And I know that he's 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 doing what he does and he's bold of the filmmaker, hmm. even if I don't disagree with taste. I also know, though, that what Star Wars does, and I think I'd be guilty of it if I made it, is 
you really want to please people when you when you when you touch that universe. You really do. Like it's it's impossible for you to like. That's why I think Jurassic Four. You know, and even Jurassic Three, they, you know, those are the non Spielberg versions. So they want to really please fans. And number three just was bad, and I, you know, I just it's terrible. Number four, I don't think is actually very good either. I actually, actually, I, I really dislike n- number four uh, to a lot. I think it's offensive to me. But what it, what it proves is that the universe of Jurassic Park is so exciting, yeah. and it's such escapism to be in it. You can fucking just jizz on it, and people think we made a great film. No, it's bullshit. <laughs> You it know, made a but, lot but of think, money too. It's crazy. I think Star Wars was a less offensive because I was like, "All right, one, per, uh, the baseline film has been made, and it can only be better from here. It can't be worse. It really sure. can't." The second thing is, is I think they reinvigorated people's excitement to sort of go, "Okay, I can kind of see, I can see that this this universe." isn't you know doomed and i think that the third thing it's all business stuff it's not like what i liked about the film if you want to know what i actually like my favorite part is adam driver punching his fucking wound to like amp himself up but that's like purely an actor thing and i bet you nobody told him to do that other than that the, other than that the movie i, sort I never of, watched like, it yeah. i had pretty an issue with every single frame of that film but it's okay <laughs> and i also i also didn't i also kind of saw the forced feminism and the forced sort of like you know let's have you know like different shades of 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 of, uh, of human beings in our film yeah. but like whatever I, I see through that crap because i'm like whatever dude half people make this movie a racist but whatever and it's probably sexist but it's okay i'll buy it and i'll pretend every i'll pretend i'm like everyone else <laughs> um, but but it was um i do Brilliant. think there's a lot um there's a lot of uh, room to make something good. And honestly, like I love all the LucasArts video games that came out like back in when LucasArts was rad. And I think that there's a chance to do it again. I think, and I think that I would totally be more than happy, even if it, like I have to make a ton of sacrifices because I would love to be like, Oh, I'm going to be the dark Jedi movie. Great. And you know what I mean? Like, however sort of crazy restricted, however sort of like a third of the budget I'd have to make the movie for or whatever. I'd be okay with it because that universe is so much fun. But I don't think I'd be good at a lot of other universe. I don't think I'd be good at most Marvel because I'm not a Marvel guy. Like, I'm not – not that I don't like Marvel. I just I, – I wouldn't be good at it. I'd be I think, good I think at you probably, just have to take like, the subject matter yeah. seriously. I think yeah, like Boba Fett. I'd, be, I'd, make, I'd probably make a dope Boba Fett. Everybody wants a piece I, of that I, guy. I, yeah. I, yeah, but the problem is is I believe, I believe he's heavily involved in Rogue One. So – uh, when I when I sort of you know is, uh, yeah. spoke with a, a so and so person about making uh, a Star Wars, I do remember my my boat was cr- like my boat sank within five minutes of talking to this individual about my idea of Star Wars because I realized the next Star Wars movie has a bunch of Boba Fett in it, and it means that oh, like that means original material has been made up about Boba Fett, and it affects my film. So I said, you know what, forget. I'm going to do an undercover Jedi film. And I had that back pocket idea and it's, it was crazy how interested everybody was because I don't think anyone realized you can actually probably make the sort of dark night of Star Wars because of the Jedi. Everyone would watch it. I mean, you'd make a lot of kids kind of cry, but it's PG 13, you know, (laughs) I think you can get away with it. I just, I think that Disney needs to make recoup all its billions of dollars. It already did, but now it needs to actually go make billions of dollars with this next movie and probably Ryan Johnson's. And if Trevorrow survives fucking Hollywood, uh, you know, <laughs> his movie, but like, you know, in 10 years or, you know, eight years or whatever, like you'd be I would able to totally make be it your own actually by then. I, um, you'd probably be able to make with a team of friends. You could probably make a decent, 
rendition. I imagine with the t- how fast the technology is going now, like just your ability to get access to these things is going to be so much yeah. faster. I mean, rapidly. I probably that's actually a fun point. I probably would make like a short just to show them, like, hey, what I've do you think about it. this? And 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 then be like, is here's a five minute like cool fucking dialogue between a light Jedi pretending he's a dark Jedi and a dark Jedi fucking honing him down. You know what I mean? Like that's fucking scary, dude. You know what I mean? Like they like execute somebody and then the good Jedi goes, no. And everyone just looks at him. All the mean Jedi look at him like all fucked up and you're just like, Oh my God, this is going to be scary. You know, like that's fucking, that's dope, dude. But I think the problem is, is that, you know, most of the dark Jedi stuff was expanded in the games, the comic books, the novels, not in the original George Lucas film. Films and not even in his prequels because that's that's really wasn't his jam. Like he he's also like a sweetheart, so it's like yeah. he doesn't want to explore well, he did that THX. darkness. He did make, make yeah. THX, which is quite yeah. dark, you know, super was, dark. He got it out of his system. I think yeah, after that. he did. Yeah. But I think that you know, Star Wars is a culmination of American Graffiti, THX 1138, and then Joseph Campbell. You know, it's like oh. all three of those combined, you get the Star Wars feel, you know, and and it's yeah. it's got to be really quite interesting to make such a powerful IP. I mean, someday I hope to meet George, but I, at the same time, I could probably never want to talk to him about such a weird ass thing that he had to deal with, too. And that's got to be the, the shittiest thing to no, be played with. So. I, I mean, yeah, I don't know what wife he divorced now that he had to do that. Poor but guy. he might have also just yeah. he might his, his he might have been uh, crippled by the by the by the he might have had to let go. Even though I know money was probably good for him. I mean, the guy has always been a businessman. I mean, even if you like watch, listen to his commentaries, he never talks about his movies like he's a writer or even like a super director. Like he kind of talks about him like he just loves them a lot yeah. and it has a hard time letting them go. And But even in number two and number three, he didn't want to direct them. He really he kind of just didn't. He realized he just wanted to focus on on the world building he wanted to sort of you know chime in with the 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 scripts and you know i think yeah and it's just i think he was he was actually a lot more pragmatic at that time and then i think something happened when he got older he probably just got really insecure and said no i'm making a three you know um and 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 then he and then he you know he blew you know they're shot on disgusting fucking sony cameras and they just (laughs) they look terrible and they're super soft they have some amazing george lucas is incredibly amazing when he wants to be dark like it's really good like spielberg's the same way even zemeckis like those guys you know they have such a I'm getting close to the mic. I can tell. Uh, <laughs> they, 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 uh, they have the incredible abil- ability to get dark because they've sort of repressed it so much. Sure. You know, like even like when you watch Lincoln, there's like a scene where like yeah. limbs come out of a wheelbarrow, and you're like, oh my god! And you're like, Spielberg, come back, please! And then it goes back to made for TV bullshit. But I think uh, you know that that th- there's a way to do that. It's just not yet. But as far as any other IP, like. You know, like I've recently sort of explored doing like a Christine remake, like smaller Mm. stuff, because I'm just I'm not anywhere to be like if you look at like Trevorrow, one feature beforehand and then suddenly he jumps in. I mean, look, to be honest, like Jurassic Four, everyone knew that was like a babysitting job. You know, I think if you look at even and now that Jurassic Five is announced with that other guy, he's probably like, hey, me too. My second film sucked. You want to make my third film? Um, You know, and they're like, okay, we'll tell you what to do. Okay, fine. You know, paycheck. Um, Yeah, it's more like contractors rather than passionate artists. that's, That's kind of fine. Like what I hope to accomplish in like is like if if I can it, I find what I do so important and after I worked on this like Super Bowl job for Taco Bell like in <laughs> January I realized like 
you know, it's not half bad to sort of like use another person's sort of like super intense desire and kind of just as long as you're realistic about you're making kind of like a two year long commercial like you. I think you can actually get away, get a lot done. It's essentially inviting you into a club of really powerful people and you're going to meet really powerful actors and you're going to be able to go away immediately and make something else and then and then come back but then guess what when you come back you can come back to a more attractive ip you can come back to you know other stuff and i just think our generation of filmmakers you know we're either going to be super 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 fucking you know uh, upstream color like i'm gonna make my own movie go away and don't ever come back and even he's kind of selling out with a studio movie yeah uh, Shane or, doing a studio movie yeah, I think it's a studio film. Yeah, I believe so. I forgot what it is, but I think that guy's like, shit, man, I need to make money. Um, but I think <laughs> I, I do think that it, the only way to survive really is it, and to make your own stuff is kind of go back and forth. Because even our forefathers like Spike Jones and all those guys, dude, it's it's fucking incredibly hard for them to make movies. Yeah. So it's not it's not actually very easy. I think the hardest part, too, is that those guys were treated a different way. So for them to come down, it's much harder. I think we've always been sort of like, we have to fucking, you know, it's hard you know, for everybody, sweat, blood, yeah. but, uh, yeah. you know, but I do think it's, it's, it's hard for all of us, but I think it's incredibly sort of hard for them to come down to sort of like poor level because it's like all their friends, you know, and all the crew that they've worked with and developed can just go and work on a studio film. So I think that I, to be honest, as much as I'm a hater on most of this shit right now, I just think <laughs> if it's really about picking the IPs. And just engaging who you're on, like as soon as you go into a meeting with a certain uh, executive or a producer, yeah. you you have to know them. You have to size them up. You have to know their track record. You also have to know the business of what? the particular studio. The thing about Universal that's good right now, and once again, it'll be tainted because when anything is good, everyone attacks it, and then it becomes <laughs> shitty. You know, yeah. like Fox was the jam for like three years or so, yeah. and then it, and then now it's migrating to Universal, especially now that Comcast and entertainment entity. Uh, you know, purely and mostly entertainment, uh, that's a good sign because everything they make is going to be for the focus of entertainment. There's less of a like, hey, we also make fucking cleaner shit, you know? (laughs) Um, And so like Omnicom crap, you know? So I think that, you know, you can expect uh, a kind of, if you're willing, some people are like, fuck that. But it's like, look, to be honest, if you want to make another movie after that, that's a $30 million and you can kind of like make a hard R fucked up film, you probably have to be like doing this back and forth every other thing. Otherwise you're just like people start to some kind of like, go, okay, well what, what other than Oscar bait, what the fuck are good? Are you to us? Sure. And it's also yeah. like, it's, it's, it's a money machine too. We've talked about this film before and it's quite interesting too. And you kind of, you, you gave me some good perspective about it. It's a film that I would n- never voluntarily watch and I would probably wouldn't watch it. it was, remember you're telling me, I think you're texting me, I'm going to go watch uh, Fast 7 or whatever, like Fast, <laughs> Fast and Furious. I'm like, I'm like, dude, why would you do that to yourself? And you're like, no, I like to watch it because I like to get the spectrum. And, and, I, and I really appreciate that. Anthony's quite the same. I don't think he'd watch that, but he uh, watches all kinds of movies. He gets really inspired by watching films that he doesn't like too. And for me, I'm, I think I'm just so sensitive. Either I'm not emotionally um, mature enough or I don't know what the deal is. But. <laughs> no, no. I remember you, I do remember you getting so pissed about John Wick though. You were so hurt. You like wanted to talk. Remember you were like, hey man, you want to talk? Like you really wanted to talk to, about that movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny is I've met a couple of people that, that recently, love it. By the way. People, I've, no, I've met people that love it and I just have to go really quiet internally. And I'm like, uh, 
who is this person? Well, I, gotta, I gotta get I, away I would from say this I'm person. in between you and everyone else. I, I don't want to talk about that movie because I have issues with it, and it's it's kind of. I had to watch it. I watched it for research. Let's talk about movies TV. we love too. After this, because yeah. I feel like people are going to think we're, yeah, just we're hating dicks. on them. Yeah, yeah, we're not. Look, I'm going to end this like big movie talk in, in a simple way of saying it's not so bad. There's always room for change. Yeah, there's always there's great room. films being made too, and 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 there's great movies being made. I just think. You have to do what you want to do. And, and, and what I find exciting about IPs is that you can, you, can, you, can, you can revitalize. If you have a little bit of power, you have a little bit of momentum, you can revitalize really cool IPs. But in my case, I'm always trying to create them. And if you can make a lot of money for people, then all you got to do is just promise them those sequels or making them money with your IPs. And then you can just go make the other films. Yeah. But until then, most of these guys... Are for hire. They're contractors, and they're only, yeah. And they're only, and yeah, and the studios are only wanting to make the same fucking five IPs. And, you know, and I think that there's something exciting to be had with like, hey, you really want me to come and, you know, make your really giant film? And I know my good friends that are all doing their sort of, you know, they're paying their dues. They're having a miserable time. But at the same time, they do get to sort of be like, oh, wow, like this is a fucking big legit film and i'm not friends with all these big legit people and if this goes decent at least just decent i have guaranteed another shot to do whatever i want you know so it it does feel good to do that stuff but I, i agree with you that it could be better and i agree with you that until the studio sees more original stuff being successful they're not going to want to do it. That's you know? the state of the business right now, at least from what I see too. I, I concur mm-hmm. and I totally agree with you. And I think that's definitely where we're at, but let's like go into some films that are really awesome. There, there's this film. I'm not sure if you, I meant to tech, talk to you about it, but it's a film that I've seen recently. Um, it's, I've considered it to be damn brilliant in many ways. It's crazy. Uh, it's called Snowtown murders. Have you seen that yet? Yeah. yeah. I remember we talked about it. Yeah. Did we talk about it? Yeah, you 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 were saying you loved it, and I told I was saying that I ha- I have it on Blu-ray. Ah, that's right. Okay, sorry. I think it was one of those really late night text messages. Yeah, but there, there's a lot of things. If you, and I'm sure a lot of people that are listening probably haven't seen it. It's a little bit more obscure. Um, it's an Australian film. Go see it. I won't talk much about it, other than the fact that I think there's a lot of really unique original. It's hard to, I think, for me as a as a as a film lover, and also like quite um, quite into this stuff. Um, when I see things that are a little bit uncharted, and I think I don't seek out these kind of films personally. I'm not. I have a hard time with them sometimes because it's it's heavy. This is a very heavy film. Um, it's a it's a it's a based on true events that uh, that circle around the one of the most um, massive serial killers in Australia's history. And it's just, it's heavy. So, you know, in that, but I, the, the approach to it is quite unique. And I, and, and it was interesting, um, just like getting into that, the, the way that Justin approached, um, the subject matter, um, the use of food. That's one thing I just, I noticed a lot, the use of food and mm-hmm. the normalcy of things. I just, there's things like that as a director, when you make those kind of decisions, they're intentional. And I, and I was sitting back as a viewer going like, that's fucking brilliant. Like that's really brilliant. That's, uh, for the most part, you would think they would go really heavy on one side or not the other. It's just, it's like taking something that is very 
alien to most people like myself, you know, um, a 33 year old father who lives in the suburbs and loves art, basically, you know, like, um, this is completely alien to my world and who drives it, an NSX. Yeah, that's true. Let's make you a little rock star. Come on, a little rock star. <laughs> and You're I do, I do train, like, I do train and, jujitsu. And, and you fucking can kill somebody with jujitsu. So jujitsu, <laughs> NSX driver, and then all the other boring shit. Great. <laughs> no, I mean, my life is, is, is I work a lot, but it's, um, taking the the brutality of that and then turning it into certain normalcies of my own life it, man it was just there's some that's that's a genius thing that's like brilliant so if you haven't yeah, seen it it was I, a very powerful i remember it, well I, I first watched it on my laptop on netflix mm, with my yeah. headphones and i remember just going i like screenshotted like every every like you know 10, 20 frames of that movie i actually have an entire catalog of screenshots from that film adam um, is his name right the dop is yeah there? amazing and um it's um, it, it's it's just it's phenomenal when you can watch a really heavy movie and sort of just like I, I was immediately like, OK, this guy, he's kind of like I don't know if you're a fan of Ben Wheatley, um, his right stuff. Um, he's did he did a, this movie that just came out. I don't know if it's out here yet, but it's out. I think it came out in England. Uh, High Rise. And um, he did a bunch of other crazy films like Kill List. And, and um, he's somebody like like Justin, I think, is just very confident and isn't really affected by other stuff. I mean, like yeah. Assassin's Creed, that's that's his sort of paycheck power stuff. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard <laughs> to fucking make Assassin's Creed like a hundred percent fucking cool. And the game already suffers from problems, so I think it'll be <laughs> what it can be. Yeah. But I think in general, like he knows what he's the kind of filmmaker that's like he's he knows what that is. Yeah. And that's where I'm sort of talking so, about like so does David. that kind of filmmaker. Yeah can go and make whatever he wants after that now yeah, and, even, wait, and even yeah. with even more budget you know yeah um and i think that that's something that i find that those these these kind of these filmmakers were like they're they're super talented but like they're kind of under the radar for like you know everyday people unless you're really obsessed with film no one's going to know that guy's you know name other than like oh i've heard of that movie or someone told me about that film and and i think that that's unfortunately the world we live in where the kind of quality of films like that you know the only way for those people to get noticed sometimes is i think to go and make bigger stuff as well but i don't think it's really about being noticed as much as it is about like continuing to survive the industry where like people just don't pay to see movies anymore people yeah it's just a really tough and that's why as much as i hate on netflix and amazon because i do think they pour out their market so badly that people aren't they don't you know they don't even show who watches their shows like they they don't show the view count or anything because i bet you so many shows are being absolutely unwatched because there's just way too much content but what's amazing about what they're doing though is they're really trying to support you know and besides obviously making money and selling subscriptions like amazon prime is like dude we just want to sell prime accounts like they're green lighting the shit out of stuff yeah you know what i mean and it's it's giving opportunities yeah Yeah, and it's giving i know what's cool at amazon prime is amazon prime has way more power to get movies actually released theatrically they got crazy capital they got crazy capital yeah it's it's funny when you look at the capital difference between the film industry the game industry and then you go to Amazon, you know, it's like <laughs> these Amazon are different strategies. Like, what if Google? It's yeah. like what if Google made IP? What yeah. if Google? Yeah, made made oh, IP could... and made business and like started film. But I think that if you can, if, if like you can make a deal with Amazon, like if I can make a deal with Amazon saying, "Hey, I want to make this movie. It's going to be dope. 
I only need like a limited release. And it's like, okay, this is the limited release. We have, we actually own these theater companies. Well, you can only release them in regals, but all over the fucking nation. I'll be like, fun, done, taken. <laughs> yeah. You know I mean? That's what the, that's what the Coens did with uh, Inside Lewin Davis. If you notice, that was a very strange release because yeah. it wasn't in all the theaters, but it wasn't, that's not limited. Limited means usually certain cities. It was in every city, just in very specific theater brands. Sure. And I was like, that's an interesting way to sort of save money, but have it spread throughout the nation, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, dude, like, I would, I would, I would kill for those opportunities. It's just the problem is, is that also those companies, are oversaturating so, and they also kind of don't know how to sell. Yeah, really they don't. Just, yeah. Yeah. It's, they it's, don't know it's, how to yeah, sell. They're bloating market, fast. You know? Yeah. They're bloating fast and they're not like that's the funny thing. Like it's like Amazon can go like, Oh, you want to make star Wars? That's cute. You know, like they really could. Cause it's like, Oh, you want to do, it's not that much money to something as big as that. That entity is, is enormous. It's so it's not necessarily about the money because that's obviously important, but it's more or less about finding the talent to fill the seats to give the right properties. And like, you know, you get things like when I, the thing I really adore about like say AMC, especially when they were first starting out, when they were like taking, taking a risk on, on, on writers and creators. And they did say like breaking bad, for example, like they took a risk. And there was also, I read this really interesting interview from the writer and the creator of, um, uh, man, why am I drawing a blank? I haven't watched the show yet. That's probably why I'm, it's the one with the, 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 um, the guy who does all the broadcasting, not the broadcasting, but like, it's a huge show. Why am I drawing such a blank on it? It's a massive AMC show. It's like the, it's, there's Breaking Bad and the other show. You know which one I'm talking about? No. It's on Netflix too. I'm not, I'm not helping at all either. So, uh, he's like, a, he's like, um, he's like a George Lois basically, which is like, um, like a marketing guy. People are listening to this are screaming the name. I know. What the heck? Yeah, we're both we're both like, uh, <laughs> why? I watch a lot of TV, so you can't hate on me, dude. Okay, um, the Watchmen? No, it's not that. This is so bad. I have such bad memory right Whatever. now. Whatever. Anyways, what about it? Anyways, he was saying that when, like, he he was basically talking about how freaking difficult it was and how it took him like almost seven years, I think, from the process of writing it to pitching it to selling it to actually having the first episode out on AMC. But he was saying like how ironic it was by the time like um, the during the time that he had gotten like AMC was like, OK, let's do this. I want it. We want to be a part of what you're making here. The, he was like, dude, I'm so excited. He was sharing the news with everybody and everybody's like, oh, you know, that's sad because like AMC sucks, you know, like they're not good. And it like that was before AMC became like the hot chick, you know, like which they are now basically um, because they have these interesting IPs that they're exploring new things and taking risks. Um, I'll remember the name eventually. It's driving me freaking nuts. I can't believe I can't remember it. It's like a huge show. I'm just going to Netflix while I'm doing it. But um, yeah, so what he was saying is that there's an irony basically to it and you never know what it is. I think think the the moral of the story out of all the stuff that I've studied is that you just got to follow your heart and you got to do the best that you can, you know, and you got to do what you're interested in because, you know, at the end of the day, it's like you you can press, you can't please everybody. And we all know that when you try to please everybody, it ruins the art, you know, wouldn't you say? No, totally. I mean, I would say my thing is, uh, I'm not even saying this isn't like an opinion. It's just like, it's how I felt. And if there's any trend in my body of work that I sort of, when I feel like I've succeeded at something, regardless of whether it's done well or not, that, that doesn't matter. It's it's what did I did I 
express a genuine feeling? Was I genuine about what I felt? Not, you know, was it, you know, was it happy? Was it not happy? Was it sweet? Was it endearing? No, that, that doesn't matter. It's just it, how, uh, how uh, um, you know, uh, genuine was that feeling for you? Like, was it a genuine feeling? Did you feel like you had to do this? You should do this? You could do this? Or was mm. it, I want to do this? Yeah. And do I genuinely feel it? Because, and that's why sometimes people will give you that advice in like film school or whatever, like, you know, write about what you know. And it's like, well, you can go, I mean, like Kubrick, uh, Kubrick didn't know shit. And every time he had to research it, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? But then he, and he, he knew se- it. Seven though. Years. And, he wrote yeah, what he knew he, from research. And then he knew it. He was yeah, super well, heavy into research though. I have a lot of his yeah. books and he's just like a research man. It, the show is called Mad Men. Sue, sorry. You know, I'm oh my God, about. of course, yeah, Mad Men. I, I didn't say Mad Men because I'm like, you're stupid. It's, it's uh, advertising, yeah. Oh my God, that's uh, terrible. Okay, you are we, ridiculous. <laughs> I was just hey, thinking you it was like another Hey, you didn't say it either. You didn't say it either. But Mad Men, come on. Yeah, um, I never yeah, watched Mad Men that, ran, so no. ran too, a little too long as well, but... Um, same with Lost that was one of the, and a lot of those shows. Yeah, too. I mean, a lot of shows. That's my. That's another problem with TV is that I think that they get bastardized eventually. So what starts out amazing is dead after four fucking seasons, and yeah. then no one really cares about Three. the show. Three. And I think that that's like Lost. Like even yeah. though that's kind of a, like classic now, as far as how long, how old it's you know how, since the last season came out, mm-hmm. like no one really cares about it because they ruined it. Yeah. It's like it when a so movie good, lasts though. too Man, long, so good. when a movie has like a million endings, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's over. And so that's why like, I don't think I have the stomach to, I rather make a movie that like people don't think about. And then maybe later on it, it becomes a classic, which by the way, that's a lot r- more rare now too, because there's like a million movies that come out and it gets lost in the shuffle. But I think that really to me, it's like having an original voice making kind of doing this combination of like, I'm going to make, I'm going to be a four hire and kick ass for people. Even if it means like Ryan Johnson opportunities where you get to write the material for them, even though they're going to control the shit out of your script, it's still going to have your voice in it wherever you are. And if you're good at politics, then, you know, you can kind of have your way as much as you possibly can in that situation. Yeah. And then you go and do whatever the fuck you want. One movies, two movies, whatever the fuck it is you want to do in between. Some people just don't like Soderbergh. Like he's over that now. You know, like he's, I think <laughs> yeah, he's, he's in so different space, done. Though. Yeah. yeah. And even when you watch the Nick, it's like, here is a pretty like aggressively not happy dude right now. But he, but what's funny is it's so genuine yeah. of an emotion. That's why the Nick is fucking awesome. Yeah. But it's like, I haven't it is seen a very, everything, so. yeah, it's amazing, but it's like a very like negative kind of like it just feels like this is an angry person right now but guess what it's not he's not angry to be angry it's like this is genuinely what he's fucking feeling you know it's a frustration (laughs) and i think that you know that's something that you know it's different when someone's bored like haywire is a bored movie it's not like a passion movie you know but then when you watch like contagion that's like a super fucking like i'm gonna fucking do this i'm gonna fucking split open gwyneth paltrow's head and have blood splat over the fucking doctor who's annoyed that blood splat over him and it's like the most defensive moment in the movie because <laughs> you just took a star and just ripped her face open you know <laughs> um and she dies like 10 minutes in the movie sorry if i spoil the movie yeah but, uh, spoiler alerts <laughs> uh, but uh <laughs> but you know like that that that's something where it's like you know and i know that you know you're you're a filmmaker as well and you make you make stuff and it's so i love talking to you because you know, I love I love that you're just as emotive as I am. I think you're also a lot more like chill about shit. I'm like, I'll pick fights and punch somebody. But like, <laughs> I do think like I pre- like when you were mad about John Wick, like while I was watching it, I was laughing because I was like, <laughs> I know what I don't like about it 
as well. I, not only do I think it's like super like racist and silly and I hate the universe, <laughs> uh, other than the gunplay of the film, there's Ugh. really nothing I like about the movie. But it's like I just have a problem with when something is all right, man. It's like everyone thinks when something is all right, it gets praised. And I'm like, no, man, no, all right yeah, is no, like no. just like, oh, come no, on. That's like, that's why get Star, Wars is, yeah. Star Wars is all right. But it's, it's weird. like that's it's people the problem. Love it, man. It's, it's, yeah. And people love it, but it's it's OK. And the problem is everyone. Everything is so bad in the studio system. When things are OK <laughs> now, people are thinking it's great. Uh, and critics are so fucking stupid and like and, and dumb and like safe that like. They're telling everybody it's all right. And Rotten Tomatoes has kind of ruined, you know, I think the way oh, the critics, because if you look at Rotten Tomatoes, people assume a 97% means the movie's a 97%. No, it means it's an <laughs> aggregate. It means 97% of people didn't think it was shit. If you actually look at what the actual review number is, it'll say 6.7 out of 10. That's a fucking 6.7. Do you know what Ebert, that Ebert star is? That's 2.5 stars out of four stars that's mm. not good you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. that's not good that's a movie that needs improvement so i think that that's the problem with what we think well, the threshold's is real different yeah. versus yeah worse versus what you know all the critics are actually talking about it's a fucking percentage and 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 rotten tomatoes has you know kind of capitalized on like positive reinforcement but it's like you're telling people not the truth you know what i mean oh yeah no, it's, uh, it's, and, it all felt like very plastic and transparent again i was looking right through it going like really wow like okay well i mean especially after that whole incident i'm like i'll never gonna look at an imdb score or rotten tomatoes and care if it's relevant because it's just so wrong even to go back into um i just saw it briefly as i was researching more on Snowtown murders and people were scoring it really low and I was like okay so the thing I actually appreciated about that because I had low expectations going in so I wasn't ready for what was going to hit me so when it did hit me I was like this is great and that's the problem I think with the rating system is there should be no rating system at all I get why it exists because people like to have like you know uneducated people on something want to have you mean review you mean reviews not ratings as in like ratings I think ratings and reviews I don't really care for either of them um, and if you're listening to this podcast <clears throat> and you, you don't have to listen to ours either because it's you have you should you know, take a little bit of um, inspiration from Timothy Leary. Think for yourself and question authority. Like, really think for yourself. Have your own opinions. You might love John Wick for all the reasons in the universe. <laughs> and you and I could have a long conversation about, like, you know, the reasons why. But there's something about your childhood or life that will say that this makes a lot of sense to me because I need this in my life. And it was like I was going through a bad breakup and it made me laugh or whatever. And it, and it made you happy. You know, like there's so many reasons why to love things and why to not love things. But to go back to the review system, I think it's just it's it's so bad. Like, it's just not good for many reasons, whether a film gets rated high or low or in the middle. It doesn't matter to me because it, it, it let's say for the for the reason why it's like if I go and watch a movie with a high rating, I go, OK, like if I know the rating prior, I'm going to go and pay the money. I'm going to sit there and I'm going to go. If this movie isn't that high, I'm going to really have problems with it. And I'm going to expect it to be that level. And that poor movie doesn't have a chance, you know? And if the movie is really low, most people won't go see it. 
And then that movie is pretty much just kind of washed away. Whereas like, like I think the Snowtown Murders personally was probably one of the best films I've seen in a while. And I really appreciate it for so many reasons. Although like I probably only watch it once a year because it's that tough for me. It's still like a brilliant piece of cinema. I thought like it kept me engaged. My new gauge for films now is like, does it keep me awake? Does it keep me interested? Am I engaged? If I'm not, yeah, then also, I realize also, it's bad. Also, yeah. Also, it's like, you know, we lost memorability because now we expect a new, like, it's like, it's sad because Nolan's Batman is probably going to like disappear with all the million Batman's going to be made. <laughs> it's like, I think, so, sorry, I'm talking close to the mic, I think again. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think, uh, uh, You're catching when yourself, I'm walking though. around, I'm walking around pacing. So like, I put it next to me, like I'm going like, <laughs> notes to self. That's kind of how I'm recording. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it's, uh, I think that memorability is one thing that I personally am really hard on myself about like everything mm. I like it with hit TV like I'm sure there's like five shots right now you can recount in your head or moments that you go oh I remember that it's, yeah. in, it's ingrained in my head and a lot of maybe maybe I'm wrong and you pick five things I didn't plan for but a lot like I'm betting that half or, or, or more than half of them are what I plan to do and that that's something Kubrick does that's something a lot of good filmmakers including I think Justin, he does the same thing in his films. And, and I, it, it's maybe less image and more like idea. And then it also becomes image. But yeah. I, I've done that since 2012. I felt like, where, like who, where, what are these things that people are going to gift so that people have to, they can't, they, they undeniably, like you almost have to cook in like a way where somebody on Tumblr posts it and misses it in the theaters or even not like with it follows. Like I remember seeing all these gifts like right away. And then I went and saw, and then I went and saw it with my homie, but I missed it out of the theaters. You know, I didn't see it, mm. but it's like, yeah, it's, not too late. It's, it's not, it's not too late even if you missed it in the theater. And so I do think like even Snowtown Murders, even if it's a small film, it's a bleak film. It's a very like objective. I mean, it's subjective kind of, but it's mostly an objective film. And to have that kind of discipline, yeah. it's really hard. And it's hard on the viewers as well, especially, you know, uh, I won't spoil it, but, you know, like the sort of suggested rape and shit. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's intense to do those kinds of things. And it's Super. and a lot of like half this world is so un, like not open to the fact of. Uh, uh, of gender bending so it's like that kind of shit is really fucking gnarly but what's amazing about a film is it's stuck in your head it's stuck in my head i know exactly which moments and even <laughs> camera moves like bathtub camera pull back you know like yeah. that kind of shit like that stuff to me the is great memorable. too and, and, and I think that, you know, it's funny because when I, when people talk about hit TV, the first top shot they talk about is the 360, which I expected like some, yeah. uh, by the way, uh, I didn't want to interrupt Isaac. That was influenced by a film called Blowout with John Travolta directed by Brian De Palma. It's a Criterion film. Okay. It's a remake, uh, an odd, it's a remake of Antonioni's, uh, uh, blow up. Uh, which is a, I believe, a late '60s um, a film, mm. and uh, it, the De Palma film is an audio version of that. Because "Blow Up" was about he blows up a photograph and sees a murder. In "Blow Out," which is pretty genius of a remake, he is an audio recorder and he works for schlocky horror films. And then one day he's recording owl sounds and he hears a murder. But mm. anyways, this the shot is a notorious shot from "Blow Out." Um, if anybody wants to know where uh, that's Jack that one. That's awesome. Um, it's a brilliant shot. Um, but anyways, like that's a shot where people talk about a lot and I go, you know, like it does kind of pay off to sort of do those things, but you just never know when something is inspired and people have a lot of feelings 
or, or somehow like just get a lot of information and they go, I'm never, I'm going to, I'm going to remember this like input in my brain. Uh, you know, like that's cool because maybe it's not actually the shot. Maybe it's what's in it and people think it's the shot, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter though. You sure. know, you should be honored that people remember anything from anything. Like the fact that you say you're going to watch Justin's movie once a year, I'm sure that would make him stoked. Cause I'm sure he, expects 99% of people to be like, Oh, I can never watch that again. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, and yeah. so that, that, but that's what I'm saying is that I do feel like you kind of, you have to, you know, you have to kind of give and take as a filmmaker. If you just want people to just watch, 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 and you expect them to like it, you're just taking, taking, taking. And especially yeah. in this generation, which we can sit here and go, fuck everybody else because, you know, I don't like this generation where everyone expects shit. You know, like, well, then you can just die because yeah. honestly, like, unfortunately, it's going to be like that. And, you know, it might change a little bit. It might get a little bit better because now that a lot a little of people bit more here, though, grip on it. But you just, you know, you won't survive. You won't make stuff. So I think you have to learn to go, OK, like my agent always says this and he's a very supportive guy, but he's also very level headed. So he'll say things like, dude, like you kind of just need to sort of figure out what is it you want to do within the sort of sandbox. And if the sandbox isn't big enough then do your best with what you have and then also do whatever you also love to do. And that's where I think doing an Assassin's Creed is really smart and then fucking going straight up and going back to like Macbeth or going back to, you yeah. know, Snowtown. Like, it's, it's it, like, that's the thing for me is like, I can't, I, I couldn't like just a year and a half, like on this previous podcast, when we talked, like, I don't think, I don't think I would have said any of what I'm saying now, no, which is like, yeah, it's, it's, different, it's, different. It's, 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 it's just, you it's know, that I've Taco Bell commercial, dude, it got to you, dude. It got that, <laughs> that, 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 that Taco <laughs> Bell money. Yeah, dude, when you're, when, you're, when you're like treated to like the thousands of dollars of food a day and you get fat. No, I think, and you, and you deal with celebrities and you feel important. No, no, no. It's definitely, I think what it, it I think what it does is one, I'm 29 and I have a lot to learn and you have, and there's a lot to learn on anything, on Always, any kind so. of film. Always. And I think that, I'm working on two features that are very small, very like, you know, you know, like kind of Sundance sized films. And it's like, I'm, I'm, you know, those are movies that I'm just like, I don't give a shit. I don't need anybody. I don't need permission from anybody. I'm going to go make him. And, and I think I can go get the money for him. But at the same time, it's like, I have these other films going and you just don't know what's going to pop. You just don't. That's yeah. I think the scariest part about the business is to, uh, it's much harder to be as monogamous as like, the P, like if PT tried to make it now, he would never make it. You see you the know? Radiohead video he did? Uh, yeah. I saw it, yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't want to give my opinions on it, one, because I don't think enough people have seen it, so I don't want to taint what they think. That's true. But, yeah. um, go watch it, people. Go watch it. Go watch uh, it, yeah. yeah, but, yeah. But, uh, I mean, I'm, know, I'm such a sucker for Radiohead, so I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm, so. I'm a sucker for Radiohead, <laughs> but not for the video. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I like the edit. I love the cuts. I love the way it was put together. So Yeah, yeah. it's definitely it's definitely inspired, but it's also a clearly a bored filmmaker. Um, <laughs> you know, I think he's just definitely tired of that shit. You know, I want him to go like paint or make music now or something. Um, but but I definitely, you know, what what's amazing <laughs> about even, like the PT, you know, circle is like I think the him uh, Tarantino and 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 the other Anderson West, I think are all sort of champions of like bringing back like we're going to break genre or we're going to sort of like merge genre like i think what's cool about all three of them is they all have comedy and i think especially the earlier parts like the earlier like i mean tarantino's still comedy or uh, you know like but like you know serious but it, it, his movies are kind of a comedies and that's why i think they're so entertaining even though they're fucking hardcore and then wes anderson 
still comedy. And then old PT was comedy, you know, like Boogie Nights, even though they were hard material, yeah. they found a way to like go real life or the life, I, the world I want to create for you has humor, but it's not genre comedy. It's, it's got, and that's why I think Wes Anderson, I absorb Wes Anderson not as comedy. I absorb it as like very personal to me because I do think I'm kind of a sap a little bit and I do feel like I'm very like, well, why doesn't she like me? You know, I, I, I'm like, I'm on board with all those, all those emo uh, ideas, but I do think like all three of those filmmakers bent genres and they also inspired a lot of us to kind of go, fuck this. We want to make what we want to make, but it's also like nearly impossible to do what they've done. I mean, you know, Wes like had a huge issue, I think after Life Aquatic, you know, when Disney was like, no more Buena Vista, no more, you know, <laughs> Miramax, no more any of this shit. You know, it's like, it, it was very hard for him, I think, to kind of figure out what he wanted to do, but he built enough of an auteurship that he had, you know, private investors. And, and since then, that's how he's been making his movies. And, and he's a lot of people fans. But I think for us to survive, I'm starting to feel like you're, there's really only a few ways and it's just keep working, keep yeah. making shit, but always keep opportunities going. You know, like it's like you always have to find what's an opportunity. Like I just got a pro, I won't say for what because I don't want to jinx it, but Taco I just got Bell, approached. baby. No, no. <laughs> you're, you're going to always give me shit, man. Come on. The spot was funny. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> the spot was funny you're and I got, never gonna $5 let that down. I got $5 million to like Simonify a project. Come on. That's cool. You know, it is, don't I hate, just, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> I, I just, uh, anyway, sorry, no, but I basically, with you. I know, I know. You make give me a hard time making me feel bad. Um, but it's definitely, um, no, no, it's okay. I love you still. Um, but, I fucking hate you. Um, what was I talking about? Uh, what was uh, I saying? Get yeah, me back you, on track. It's no, your fault. you got you got contacted by Burger King. I'm just messing. Burger King. <laughs> yeah, I got contacted by Burger. I got contacted to do a, a, um, an anthology uh, for um, with sci-fi, and you know, to do to do a short, and you know, obviously, it's like you know, I had to stop to pitch an idea, and I have to see if I'm inspired or whatever. But it's just like it's kind of an, a thing where you'd be like, "What an anthology? That's weird." But then you're like, "Oh, well." You know what? That would be really cool. And to be honest, like there's probably something really dope that's going to happen. And I've seen cool anthologies in the theater when they work and it's really exciting. And but normally I, like my gut reaction would be like, I want to do this an anthology. And then I was just like, no, but like, see, that's the wrong thinking. It's like just got to keep opening up opportunities until you feel like I, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And that's it. Like, really, man, this the business is so delicate and you're kind of constantly going through ups and downs that like you know unless you're fucking you know you and you're like zen master happy all the time um like it's definitely impossible to just be like i'm gonna do whatever the fuck it is i want to do bitches you know what i mean you kind of have to sort of go how do i give and take you know yeah yeah definitely i mean what you're bringing up and a lot of what we're talking about is you're sounding much more mature and so am I and I think we're we obviously are constantly going through life and learning not only the film side and the business side but we're also understanding the compromise side um it's one side to go like super hardcore like balls to walls super like you know rugged about things and having very strict views and I think that's totally fine but at the same time I think it's you're absolutely right and I think um about directing from my perspective is the my definition of directing and the way I look at it is unleashing the potential of not only yourself but those around you and developing something together which you couldn't create by yourself because that is essentially directing like that is what it is for me personally um 
whether it's your own intentional idea and you're just very, you know, like there's everybody has a different approach. You have the Shane Caruse that like are very much, I haven't met him. I haven't worked with him, but my understanding of this, the research I've done of his process is very, you know, internal and he works very tightly with a small group of people and he has a very tight budget, which he sticks and adheres to. And he makes the film that he wants to make. Whereas you go all the way flip side and go to like the JJ Abrams. And again, I haven't worked with JJ and I haven't done any of those projects. So I'm just basing it off opinions of things I've read, which are totally artificial. I imagine they're probably not completely true but it's a completely different dynamic you know so and either way it's like if if at the end of the day you feel fulfilled and happy and content inside it's the same thing as like the john wick fan it's like you know whatever like enjoy it like it's it's not everybody's gonna like that and one thing i found myself constantly doing when i start to get angry about what's happening and i just go you know what i'm just gonna go put a classic film in because i i own that film like and i and it's here with me forever and i can enjoy it and it doesn't mean that every new new film that comes out needs to be this good because it doesn't because I still have this film to reflect and enjoy, you know? And, um, I think that's something that's really important, you know, as we're being very critical about, about the art and contemporary form, it's still really important to go back and like, let me watch seven samurai. Yeah. You, you, need, know? you need to be, you need to be inspired by it. And that's why I always say like, I've, I've been on a huge kick watching old movies. And, I, and by the way, just to say, you know, to mention what you said earlier is yeah, I, I have a very similar definition for directing, I uh, the definitions I like to work with are definitions that make me improve myself because you're always going to have a weakness. You're always going to have these natural instincts. You're not a robot that that are 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 could be counterproductive to any particular situation, and it could also be beneficial. But I think if you have a ground rule, and for me, it's kind of like you're a guiding light for your team. I mean, if you look at the definite, like when when you see when when you read director in French, you know, like you know, like it's basically a totally different direct definition than what directing is like it's a lot more like in french it's like being a visionary and, and really envisioning the movie and you can tell because you look at gaspar noe you look at these french directors who like there's a lot more of a different personality I mean, there's way you no know, there's like no money in french cinema really anymore and it's it's still hard to find good movies but the way they look at a director is very different sure. than than the way we look at it. Where I think nowadays directors are managers, and and that's, a, that's contractors, a sort of yeah. technically that is true, but not really. The the passion, the sort of romance side of it is yeah. kind of is is what you're saying. It's this guiding light. It's this inspir. You need to for like hey for your DP this DP. I need to inspire this guy. Like yeah. wherever he's at emotionally or it's whatever, eyes, you need yeah. to on, on a whim go. I need to inspire this guy for her. I'm just going to let her do her thing because she's going to be great. And even if 10% I don't like 90% is going to be better. If I just don't say anything to her, you know what I mean? This person, <laughs> yeah. is, no, I'm serious. Like that's exactly it's, it's it. just, yeah. it's kind of this, you need to be a guiding light. You need, you need kind of as much as you really are like, Oh my God, bowing down to everybody in your team. You, you, they also need to kind of feel the same way about you yes. because yeah. otherwise it, people don't like, you know, I mean, that's you all do the really good talent want to please the director, but the director should want to please the talent. You know what I mean? And, 100%. And I yeah. think, you know, even if Kubrick has his personality that he doesn't give a shit or he doesn't like somebody, no, he does. It, you know, it, it's, it's, it's like half a facade. He's a father's day. He's a father. Yeah. That's, that's, that's sort of the image that some people sort of just like to keep mm, of him. But nah. I do think, I do think that, you know, it's in, it's kind of key. I wanted to ask you, how was, what was your experience on, uh, on, on your baby on Lost Boy? Uh, yeah, it was really quite intense. Um, I think, um, 
I mean, that's like a loaded question, but no, I, it I is. It, it is loaded question, thought. and yeah, it's tough because like we're in the middle of it still. So I'm still like, you know, it's a daily Got process. Yeah, it's intense emotions, you know. And I think, um, well, first and foremost, I mean, it's always a pleasure. Like I love working with Anthony. He's one of my best friends. He's a very close person to me. Um, and I really uh, have so much fun when I'm working with him. And it's, it's, it's like I was, I think one of the pure treasures of that experience was just being able to be there in that moment and seeing these characters basically in, in the flesh, you know, like um, for a creator of something to see it in a different dynamic is incredible. And, you know, when you're on set and you're working with people and you're trying to get everything out of them, um, like nothing beats being able to say like, okay, now like action or like, let's go, like do what we're all here to do and being able to have that control and that power, but at the same time working socially with everybody. Um, it did, definitely had its challenges, definitely, um, some shortcomings, but at the same time, um, we're just not compromising on it. I think it's going to be pretty special. So at least I'm happy with it. I'm very, very happy with it actually. And I'm very excited to get it out and it's not going to be done until the end of the year. Probably it's how long it's taking us. And it's crazy to think about how much work it takes to make a short film, you know, like, um, and just the amount of blood, sweat and tears and, 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 and stuff. And when you're making something new that nobody's really kind of seen before, or they've seen it, but they have these mixed connotations of what it is supposed to be, whether, uh, and when it's completely not. Cause I think when people look at this IP, when they look at lost boy, they see something that it, it's actually not that at all. And it's kind of a, it's a very uphill battle basically. So I'm trying to prove everything. So, um, but yeah, like long um, story, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, tough. That's interesting. It's tough. Yeah, that's interesting. Tough. Yeah. I mean, I think that I have similar, am I loud right now? Sorry, no, no, you're, 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 okay. you're better. Yeah. Um, I think, um, uh, something that I had, I mean, I, I've noticed is that when, when there's something that's got a familiarity to it, the danger of familiar is that if it's associated in any way, shape or form to something that they'll think of, you have to fight or battle <laughs> that notion. And, and I think that, like I said, that's what happened with my short. And it's, a, it's a similar process where you have to, you have to kind of fight with like, I had, I had a director friend of mine, I won't say who, email me after i sent him uh, a link actually uh, he was working with my my editor mandy on another project and um he was in the middle of a cut and so i said hey i'll make you a deal i'll give you notes if you give me notes <laughs> and of course my notes were harder because it was a 15 minute thing i was at 15 minutes at that time i cut it down three minutes but 15 minutes versus you know his two minute uh thing he was doing so uh, he gave me feedback and he, he had all this positive stuff. He's like, dude, this is a great, it's an amazing IP. I think it's like, pr it's the perfect balance between like, here's a short, but here's something like where people are going to go, I want fucking more, you know? But the last paragraph was dedicated to, I think it was the biggest mistake to make this eighties. I think it was the biggest mistake to make this eighties. I think it shouldn't be, I think it's jokey. I think what's could have been drama is now caricature and yada, yada, yada. And you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because <clears throat> You know, I wasn't like, fuck you. Ah. I mean, I, I was sad, you know, sure. but because I just like want everyone to be happy and always, you yeah, know, enjoy stuff. Yeah. But, 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 you know, the other part of me was like, you know, I knew that going in. It's, it, you know, it's you, what's you scary own that is that like, yeah, yeah you yeah. don't know how niche something is going to be. It's kind of like Tarantino <laughs> when he talked about, if you listen to his comment, he doesn't do a lot of commentaries, but if you listen to the commentary on True Romance, which most people don't want like that movie that much because they feel like it's a bastardization of Tarantino, but don't think of it like a Tarantino film. Think of it like the best Tony Scott film. But basically, if you read, listen to the commentary, he talks about 
how he uh, after he made um, you know uh, his first films, he was like, okay, if if this if these movies don't do well. Uh, I'm not going to die. I'm not going to kill myself. I'm not going to make bad movies. I'm going to be a niche director, and uh, and that's okay. You know, like I love my niche directors, and uh, and that's all right. Um, and you know, talk about it. It was funny because he like talked him. about this all. <laughs> yeah, I know it's kind of creepy. I just have to stop. Uh, but it's uh, it, 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 after like out. a couple of a couple of uh, like ten minutes of this hypothetical universe of he's a niche director. He gets out of it, but it was interesting to hear him sort of talk about how. You know, he knew he was new. He knew what he was doing was new, but he also knew that there's a similarity to what would be niche because it's tonally funky. Like if you watch, like for example, uh, until dusk, uh, from dusk till dawn, that's a that's a movie that's totally nichey to me. You know, like that doesn't. Robert Rodriguez is a lot more niche than I think Tarantino's. Tarantino somehow has this broader magic to him, where I think Rodriguez does not. Rodriguez is totally nichey and and kind of like you know a little bit a little bit more like horror-y. Like horror-y people, I think like him more. You know. Yeah. And uh, that's something that you just, you know, like, because like with Lost Boy, it's like, I, I don't know much about it, but it's like, you know, you don't know where it's going to reside, but it doesn't matter because you love it. And anyone else who loves it, awesome. And anyone who doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's, that's it's going to be like that, though. You don't want to be in the middle like we talked about. You want to be on either side. You, I, that's no, you want to be on either side. Yeah. You want to be on either side. And the yeah. middle is not, is, 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 no, is yeah, it's never going good. to be. Memorable, it's never going to be iconic, an, anything. Uh, yeah. And I think that that's the thing is like your character is, I've seen your character designs and it's like, that's already iconic. And that realized in the flesh is even going to be more iconic. And, and you know, to some people, maybe it's like weird. Maybe some people are like, Oh my God, like I have to see this, you know, like it, maybe it's like way more curiosity hits everyone 10 times more than you expected. But at the end of the day, it's like your job is though to prove what people's assumptions are yeah. to be wrong in the sense of like, if people are going to assume it's this one thing, then that's your job to sort of fight against it, but yeah. never compromise what you originally had. And like for me with hit TV, there are some compromises I made. There was a whole section. There's a whole two minutes because I had such intense reactions from certain friends who were like, they were really disturbed because like, you know, we didn't have like some of the, what was interesting in the original cuts, it was a lot more cold because there wasn't mute. Like the music actually, even though it's menacing music, yeah. it's actually a little bit like cool where before there was no music. It was just sound design and clicking and it was really slappy and production audio. And it was a lot colder. Like I was watching an older cut and I'm like, it's really evil because it's so doesn't give you a tone. Mm. So you're just like, fuck, you know, you feel kind of like raped a little bit because you're like, you, you totally don't understand what's happening. Sure. It doesn't sort of, I had to sort of cheat and jump into uh, my genre more. And I found that that made it a little bit more like hoorah. But at the same time, I'm like, no, I want to affect you. I want you to leave and kind of, I, I'm cool with you leaving for a week and being mad at me and then realizing you're not mad at me when somehow you revisit it again and you feel bad that you were that, you felt that way. Sure. You know, like the, there's so many, it's like Zodiac, 90% of people are like, what the fuck is this? And when you watch it and you're like, dude, this is like Fincher's best movie. Holy shit. Yeah. You know I what I mean? Zodiac. It's like, yeah. it's the most disciplined That's film. That's that scene, man. Whew. That, huh? scene, that stab scene is probably one of the oh, best. Oh yeah, stab totally. Scenes but that, Zodiac was a good reference for this as well. Like kind of like having this sort of like, mm. haha, is this guy funny? Oh no, he's not. You mm. know what I mean? Uh, like there's a lot of stuff that you just kind of have to like. There was a whole, like I said, there was a two minutes of a flashback scene where it was just it's him on a nine one one call, like audio playing, mm. while you just see flashback of him and his wife. And I really loved it. Like I, I literally loved it up until a month ago when I cut it out. And mm. all, the, the way I cut it out was that there kept being something wrong at the end. I just didn't know what it was, and I was attacking other things. And then I just sat with a couple 
you know, and they were about to have like a baby and they were really f- just good friends of mine. Um, and uh, I just made them dissect. I, every, I went through every scene. And then when I got to this section, they gave me a nugget of an idea where they were just like already on board. I was already on board. I didn't need this. I, it's not bad. I can hang out here more. I mean, for some people who aren't feeling enough like love. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, logged. And then immediately I just started showing people. And I said, what part? Like I would just kind of ask these questions and they'd always land on that section. Mm-hmm. You know, I do something where I'd say, hey, when you feel something kind of weird, like hit space bar and pause it. And it was always boop, right at those flashbacks. They'd be like, I know something's weird here. Like I kind of want to like, like, you know, like I want to like go somewhere or like they wouldn't be able to intellectualize it, you know, until I forced it out of them. <laughs> and I said, okay, this has got to go. And then as soon as I deleted it, the people who said they loved it, even the people who said they loved it, they're like, oh my God, this is so much better. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, holy shit. Like I have a, I'm getting a rush now. And it was hmm. sad. Cause I'm like, oh, that's my jam. I love my flashbacks. I love my sappy yeah. shit. You know, that's just what I'm about. But it's like, you know, you got to let Werner Herzog says, you got to let your baby be what your baby is. You can't tell your kid this is the job he needs to have. You know, mm-hmm. that's interesting. He says, how you hey, create, dad, um, I want, huh? That's interesting how you create, though, how you're uh, <laughs> sensing feedback and, and asking for it quite early on. I think the thing I love about making the film and this thing that I. I, I hate that at the same time I love the most about like say like Lost Boy for example is we're we've been working on it making it for such a long time but it's our movie um, nobody else owns it and has their opinion on it it's ours and once it's released it's gone it's like it's it's the day that I have it's to give world. it up yeah it's the world and yeah. that's and but I'm enjoying this moment that it's almost like I've brought my child home and, I, and I'm in the I'm in totally. the it's, I'm holding explore, it in my arms you should explore you know? with all your scenes all your footage all that stuff and then yeah. as you get solid like it's kind of like getting your kid ready like well there's some kids like hit tv i think i sent to boarding school hit tv misbehaved and so i hit tv's gone to boarding school controller wasn't controller was like super proud made me cry became a doctor you know um but like you know this 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 film is boarding school very punky motherfucking nihilistic kid but is gonna grow up to be a really sweet like fucking dad you know Hmm. sleeve tattoos for sure but he's gonna be a super proud dad you know (laughs) when he grows up but but i think that that's something where you you know when you let it go you have to graduate from all of your uh separation anxiety so like Hmm. that means deleting stuff that means it's just your own sort of process everyone has it some people are a lot less disciplined some people a lot more disciplined some people are really good at just going i don't give a fuck and I think that what happens, especially for me, because I don't think, you know, I'm the shit, I haven't made a feature length film yet, is that I'm still sort of figuring out, like, how far I can push certain things. And and you ha- and what's scary, though, is that we're all professionals, though. So, like, we can't fail. Like, you can't do what Scorsese or Nolan, all these dudes, they failed so many times and we just never saw them. So they yeah. were ripe by the time they made stuff. <laughs> we have to make, I have to professionally go and make carnage. And when that doesn't do that well, or this and that happens, doesn't mean I failed. It just means like, you just are, you're experimenting with jobs. And what it's I've learned risk, though, though. recently, yeah. yeah, what I've learned recently is if you look at anybody that's really important nowadays, nowadays, not like old school, like Scorsese half it's like I would say 40% of Scorsese's movies are shit but because he's so prolific and made such great films you yeah. just discount them even though Tarantino he's the kind of he's the kind of auteur where like because he makes so few like he's way more it's way more damaging when he has a dud like death proof sure. really kind of hurt him and then suddenly he came back like super fucking hardcore and kicked ass and even though now I think his last two movies are a little bit like he doesn't have anything else to say I do think man that guy knows how to like fucking 
own the crowd. You know, he knows how to own his audience. And I think that that's something that's really hard to do. Yeah. But I think over, over like we, you and I, and just our generation, we're like kind of learning and doing at the same time. You, yeah. Even I'm sure even in, in your, in your other work as well, like you're probably trying new things. You try trying new you styles and, you know, and, you and I see you when you post stuff, like I, I see that like, this is not me being hired to do concept or this kind of work. This is my, this is what I like doing, you know? Yeah. And I, and yeah. I love that, you know, you have a, not like a brand awareness, like a self awareness of that stuff, because I do think like that will come super, super, super in handy because I do think, you know, part of directing is having confidence. And part of the, the, the bad side is that sometimes your confidence will hurt you because you are, um, you're not making you're not making a piece of content for other people to watch. You're making just mm. content for yourself. So I like the way you're sort of, you know, it's, it's, I, I've never put it in the way you did, but I love the idea that it's like, it's yours for the time that we're working on it right now. It's mine, you it's know, and, us, baby, and, and that's great. And that's great. And you should it's always precious. explore that. And, and, and it'll allow you to, when you get into a room with somebody to be like, here's, here's this fucking super expansive IP, you're going to have a million questions already answered because you've had to explore it while you've been working on it. You yeah, know? I think so. And I think that's really an important part of creating something, especially now. And you brought up a really great point too about, um, failure and taking risks and trying different styles. And, and, and as you explained, like hit TV is your, is the, is the kid that you're sending to boarding school, but then you had the different effects with the controller and, and, and also all these things. So I think it's also very important, um, to take risks. You know, I watched this really great documentary. It's a short little one. Um, I posted it on my Facebook. Let me find it just so I can remember to tell people about it. Cause it was really great. And basically this, this guy, he did this analysis of, Van Gogh, that's how he said his name. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but uh, yeah, he did this really great analysis of him and just basically say, stated that like he was pretty much a failure his whole life. We only recognize him as being what he is because of like the acclaim that he found, but he was a failure his, almost his, uh, his whole life. And um, he did it for himself. That's the beauty of it. Like he did his work for himself. Like that was it. Like he didn't do it for anybody else. He wasn't doing concept art for George Lucas or JJ Abrams or whatever. He was doing it for himself. <laughs> and that in itself, there's, there's crazy beauty to that, like crazy beauty to that. Because I think what you're touching on with, with what I'm doing now, it's like, dude, for the, if I can spend my life just doing what I want to do, that's what Lost Boy is. It's just me being me having fun drawing again. Like I was this poor kid raised by a single mother, didn't have much of anything. And I was able to escape, escape reality through my imagination. That's why that's my art. That's what art came to me. And then it became this weird thing where I was being, a, becoming a yes man to everybody. Like, yeah, I can do that because I can work hard and I can make this happen. But then it became this kind of like weird thing that it was, it didn't really, didn't really equate to anything. So the, the thing, if you're interested in watching it for those of you out there, it's called the long game part one, two, and three, there's three of them. Make sure you watch all three of them. The third one's on Van Gogh. Part one is about uh, Leonardo da Vinci being a loser. And to go back to what we're talking about is there's a bunch of documentary. There's there's documents about it. There's this book called Mastery that I still need to read. But it basically states that like the way that humans work and how we program and get to be successful is the trends that he found like with Mozart and people like that or other prolific minds is that um, you have to have this either the setting and the situation and like to be kind of pushed in that direction, have that social support. Because I I know that you're close with your family. Uh, The other day I got kind of choked up at breakfast 
with my wife and I was just kind of talking about like how thankful I am, you know, like I started crying a little bit. It was awesome because I was just like blessed and thanked by the thankful for the moment that I'm able to live within and also like giving all this love out and then all the love that comes back, but then fulfilling my life and then seeing how proud my brother is or my, my dad and all the people that I really care about. Um, seeing how positive that's affecting them and how proud they are of me, it makes me so happy. You know, it makes me so fulfilled. But their positive support is therefore supporting that. But to go back to the mastery thing is, is that he was saying that it takes about like seven to ten years or so to 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 make yourself, you know, to that level basically where you're able to just kind of create and people just consider you a genius. And to support that as well as my friend Nate articulated it really well as I think is a brilliant way of articulating a genius is a genius is somebody that can take something very complex and simplify and explain it to others because it just goes to show like you are a master what it is because you've taken something very complex and explain it to others, whether that's through the form of communication, through film, whatever it might be. Um, yeah, it's pretty great. So I'm going off on a tangent here, but you should definitely watch the long game part one, two, and three. If you're kind of lost at, you know, like if you're feeling like I'm not successful right now, or I don't feel successful, I don't feel fulfilled, not you, Simon, people out there. If you are, then that's the, the feeling that, 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 that documentary will really kind of help put you in perspective that the greats, people that we all acknowledge as being masters, did fucking suck <laughs> you know they all had their hard days we all do and it's just it's it's a process you know it's it's never a destination it's a journey you know so there, just, there was a there was a short that i watched uh, and i don't even remember and it, it was very like low-key it was at like some festival and i think it was amidst like a bunch of like not really good stuff but i loved it it really affected me on a statement level where it was like two, like two and a half minutes of just people saying, what is a genius to you? And they asked like, I think a thousand people Mm. and like they only put in who had interesting answers. And there was all, it was, it was fascinating to hear what people said. And it was never like someone's really smart there. They can do whatever. It was like emotion. It was sometimes things that were just outrageously strange or sometimes super specific or whatever they man- mentioned were was like almost like a superhero power. You know, it was like really strange answers. But my favorite answer was literally uh, is, uh, a, a, you know, a genius. A genius is somebody that just, you know, basically will spend more time doing something than someone else would ever think imaginable mm, <laughs> and, yeah. and that to the point where people think they're a genius you know and it was kind of <laughs> funny because it was almost like uh, uh it was almost like that him making fun of the definition yeah. but th- it was like a 12 year old boy saying it and i was like wow it's interesting like maybe this kid's a genius you <laughs> yeah. know but but I, but I i i i tend to agree i think that, that like what a genius is unfortunately it's kind of like art it the term art like everyone wants we live in a day and age where instagram you know uh People who use Instagram, um, you know, I, I think and sh- use their phone as photography, all those people like to consider themselves artists, and many of them probably are. But mm. I think what's sad is that the definitions of things, as much mm. as we sort of all like to remove labels, labels did help sort of curate kind of like what it, the discipline you needed to learn something. Like you have spent, you know, you know how they say the 10,000 hours to master. What's really scary about directing is un- unlike any other form or art form, you know, you don't actually direct for 10,000 hours. <laughs> no. I don't care who, like even Spielberg has not directed no, for 10,000 yeah, hours. Maybe a thousand. So what, you have to, so what you have to do is, is be really ultra self-aware. Yeah. So I can tell you that there are certain things 
I can I can say probably on the edit side of things, I'll reach 10,000 hours pretty soon. Sure. I think that with um, well, dealing with actors, yeah. Yeah. probably not. When it comes <laughs> with shooting with a camera, eh, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm going to be halfway in like a year or two. But like there's certain things I know I'm going to be a lot more like, ah, fuck this. I got a good opinion on this. I know what I'm doing and I'll still stay open minded. And that's why I always surround myself you know, with really fucking good people that can challenge me. But then there's some stuff that I just don't really touch touch very much of and i'm like oh fuck like and that's i think when you watch like bridge of spies the first spielberg movie without john williams since duel right mm, like yeah. that is a mess when it comes to music i love <laughs> thomas newman but thomas newman was trying to fucking make john williams and mm. you really imme- immediately knew spielberg doesn't know shit about music <laughs> and i think that he needed williams and so without it it's the most confusing mess i've ever heard it's like it doesn't even know what the movie is it's so weird when you hear it it's true gonna, like, yeah it's eyebrows, interesting oh you've seen it already yeah like yeah. You're, you're just like your eyebrows are going all over the place because you're like what the fuck is this i watched it with my parents and i was like what it's like it doesn't know if it's the coen brothers original script it doesn't know if it's fucking sentimental bullshit it doesn't know if it's yeah. like a just straight comedy i couldn't fucking tell it was like, very scattered and the music didn't yeah help. where i think yeah. john williams has clearly got Mute audio person. He's got the Ennio Morricone, even though I think he's more diverse than Ennio, though I'm way more of an Ennio guy because Ennio's got balls. I think what's cool about Williams is that he was, he's, he was essentially is branding a movie with music. And even though Williams sounds like Williams, which is the unfortunate part about John Williams, because then everything <laughs> sounds kind of the same, yeah. I do think he was amazing at branding a movie like oh, Jaws. Yeah. He, oh, yeah. he developed, <laughs> that was something. I tried to do that with hit TV and it, there wasn't enough time because in a movie you have repetition for two hours yeah. in, in a 12 minute short, we found it limiting. So we ended up not doing that, but we actually originally at the end song, we had a xylophone sound and that didn't, uh, I don't know why I'm randomly talking about this, but just ran into no. it, but we had a, we had a xylophone sound that was actually the Julia's theme. And every time we saw her, there was the xylophone, but then it just kind of became weird because it was like, anytime we saw her, it was like not the right mood to go to a xylophone. <laughs> so like, it was just, it just, we were like, you know what, this is, it, 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 we're trying to do what a movie would do. So we had to get rid of it. Sure. But like that, it was a good lesson to sort of realize like, wow, like this is like, that's why you know, I think John Williams is so everything that he did is really iconic, though. I think a lot of what he did also can kind of sound like, oh, it's just a classic John Williams. It's almost distracting sometimes now. But I think that is missed. I don't see that in movies. There's this kind of really intense minimalism or just generic, like everything sounds like whatever the last summer blockbuster that got good reviews was. That's what it sounds like, like Inception, that fucking yeah. trumpet low bass. It's, so yeah, it's everywhere. You yeah. Know? And so, and so that's well, I mean, it's amazing when it came out because you're like, oh, this is great. And then yeah, it's like, okay. Yeah, that was super inspiring. And I mean, Nolan's always had like interesting instincts with music, even when he worked with David Julian, like on his earlier films, pre Batman. But mm. like, and I think he even did his last movie with him was Prestige, which had a great soundtrack as well yeah. but i think that but once again though i don't really other than the inception ah there's re- and, and, and dark knight of course like there's not even his movies suffer from like interstellar i couldn't tell you other than it being poorly mixed fucking music which he says is intentional but i think he must be deaf like that <laughs> that that music is not very memorable to me whereas when you watch hateful eight that's and you're coming back and that's super memorable but like i think we don't have that stuff anymore but no, those filmmakers yeah. are very aware 
of of what they're good at and what they're not like tarantino is not a visualist and you can tell he's at the mercy of whoever is shooting and the situations they run in through the shoot like same thing i think pt likes to sort of pretend he is i don't think he is though if you watch boogie like i screen grab because i do commercials and music videos and you're constantly pitching and making bibles and i never really screen grab a lot of movies unless they're really good and boogie nights has always been an example i always come back to a pt movie and other than i think there will be blood for a few shots because that's probably one of his best looking films yeah it's beautiful boogie nights actually doesn't really look good when you screen grab it it's just not he's not a he's great with like the moving camera but when it comes to like picture like photographic quality he's not like fincher where you can take a screen grab and it's like perfectly framed or even (laughs) even ridley scott ridley scott's really good at that shit too Well, well ridley i think ridley and david to give them a little bit more support though the reason why is because they come from that world though they totally. really comes from commercials he also comes from like that vis effects side where it's like also comes from drawing his whole drawing, family knows exactly how to draw really there's an artist well. and i think yeah. david is he comes from ilm and he's ilm yeah, yeah Matt so Payne. pta is uh, yeah he's a different he's a different beast which i'm glad i, I love the variety right you know like yeah but he but they all have to be self-aware and pt as he matured and his movies got better looking because he knew what he was good at and what he wasn't i mean because he was like he was like probably the, out of all three of them the anderson tarantino they were all i batched them together because they kind of blew up ish around the same time sure they also were very notorious for being very young even though Tarantino was in his late 20s they were still very young for how amazingly developed they were as as far as like auteurs and I think that all three of them like developed really differently in different ways and what they're good at like you like Wes Anderson talks about how he got schooled by Ray Fiennes in uh um in in grand budapest where like you know he literally just said this isn't how you direct people if you want your actor acting to be awesome you don't direct people like this. Can I go now, Wes? Okay, thank you. And then he would just like act. And then I think Wes Anderson was to- totally afraid of giving directions the rest of the fucking movie. And uh, <laughs> and that was a tidbit I got at the premiere at South by Southwest, actually. But, you know, it was... Uh, kind of true, though, too. It, 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 yeah, and yeah. I think where PT... Oh, man, that guy knows... He, he's fucking Lumet, like, up the ass when it, and Altman up the ass when it comes to talking to actors. He knows exactly what to do. He's a brilliant at it. And I think Tarantino is also... He's also the same as well. Like he's him and Ter- him and PT have a similar language, and they know what they're not good at. And as you get better and older, like if you look at my earlier stuff versus my later stuff, you can see kind of what I've improved on. But I could tell you what stuff I'm like. Oh, I don't know this. Like I have to really trust other people, yeah. and it, it's hard sometimes. I think it with, is with, with shorts. Yeah, and with I don't know with Lost Boy, but it's like sometimes you love your entire crew, but sometimes you're like. If I was in a different situation, would I have used this person? Mm, maybe not. And, you know, I think with Hit TV, it was one of those situations where I think pretty much everyone was ace. The problem was is you didn't have them all the time. Mm. So certain person that was ace would rock it, but then certain things you'd have to educate them on because they're not in your head. But what's really amazing is when you get schooled on certain things or when you get when you accidentally or don't have enough time to develop something, you see what they bring to the table and you go, damn. That person's original random ass idea is dope, and then you and then the next and then the next stuff you shoot with them, you go, "What do you think?" You know, 
Yeah, you need that randomness, though. You do. You need that randomness. It it helps. I think it helps, you know, and I think that that's where we get a lot of these, like, kind of funny, interesting, iconic things that happen and the things and the films and the stories and the stuff that we enjoy from our childhood. One thing I I really want to definitely touch on, too, before we end this is to talk about your you're very you're very aware of the branding and um, the essence of the touch and the pulse of your, of your work. And I remember, I think now that I look back at this, cause you were talking to me about like that eighties art, you were talking about to me about that quite a long time ago. You're asking if I could help with it. And I was just too swamped with all of my projects going on. And it's really cool. I, I, I think I, I'm, I'm the one that introduced you to Robert, right? Robert's an amazing no, you, artist. You introduced me to Robert and you introduced me to Brent. Oh, okay. Well, perfect then. That's awesome. And then, and then mutual friends is the territory guys, but you didn't introduce me to those guys. Yeah. We knew- da- David, do you know yeah. David? David? Uh, yeah. David, yeah. Uh, David's who I met at off. Remember? Ah, I perfect. I met him at off. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So David's awesome from territory. What's up, David? A little shout out. And then, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad that you got to work with, it's really cool for me on the sidelines, not being involved with it, sometimes it's great not being involved at all so I can just kind of enjoy it as a fan. And I'm obviously a fan of Brent's work. What's up, Brent? Brent's awesome. Um, he's, for those of you that don't know who Brent Ash is, he's, uh, he's like a really awesome designer. He's been working and doing stuff with Ashwood for a long time. Uh, who you all know I'm a huge fan of and then also working with Todd McFarlane he's done all kinds of really cool things but he's really great at branding and creating like awesome iconography and logos and stuff so he made a really cool piece for that and then that paired with one of my favorite artists too Robert who's just awesome and we did some really cool stuff with Lost Boy together but it's really cool like I said as a fan to be able to see this on the sidelines I'm like this is great you know like these are my buddies like all kind of working together on something that I'm not involved with and I can just enjoy as a fan. And it was, it was really cool. So let's kind of talk a little bit about you being kind of aware of that presence. Did you always have like that vision? Like, okay, I need to hire this artist. I need to hire this brand and I need to get this on point because as we talked about earlier, it's like, you know that you can't draw this stuff. So you got to have and trust somebody else to do it. Right. But then that's a part of the process, that trust Mm -hmm. and understanding your strengths and weaknesses. And that's, again, coming down to to great directing. Great directing, I believe, is people being aware of who they are, self-aware of their strengths and weaknesses and being able to pull their 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 weaknesses out of other people to to fix their strength or fix fix their weaknesses, basically, with their strengths, you know, so. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I have to say, you're like Uncle Ash, because I feel like all of us sort of somehow connect to you, everybody. <laughs> you <laughs> Uncle always, Ash, always a com- We always have a conference, like, randomly we'll be talking, and I'll be like, hey, look, Ash just posted this, and, I'll, and then I'll read what you said to, like, Brent or somebody, and they'll be like, oh, that totally sounds like Ash. <laughs> um, but it's just, <laughs> anyways, just, it's just kind of funny, thinking about it. Um, but, yeah, like, um, I think, I think that, I mean, well, yes, I, I concur, I think that, one thing with with Robert and with Brent uh, and even with with uh, with David and I have to shout out to Ryan Rafferty um, who works there as well and he pretty much was you know kind of the creative director art director on the project and awesome. David kind of just like peered over our shoulder and would just say like two words here and there but he was definitely the champ and like made sure territory made time to work on it and so all those guys were awesome but I think with like all three of them I was I had a huge boner on all of their work and it, <laughs> and it, and something you know what inspired me was I I not like I usually go through kicks of directors where I go like okay I'm in this director mode and lately I, I had a box set um, Jessica Switch who works at Lionsgate for my birthday gave me a um, a box set of Tarantino the Mondo one you know mm-hmm. and um, and I had all his movies and so I just I, I kind of slowly went through it but then at one point I just decided to just go through all of them right away. And something I kind of listened to with his commentaries and in general was 
I, I took away, I write notes from like when directors kind of have a thing that, or, or they have a quote that I really like, I, I write them down and I have like a, like it's, it's on my clouded notes on my phone everywhere. And I, and I highlight the ones that are more important to me or close to me now, cause I'm always evolving. And one thing that he always does, it's not something he says is he empowers the shit out of his actors and anybody he works with. Yeah. But the reason is, is cause he's, he's not lying. He's not manipulative. He's, genuinely a fan and i realize that you just you can't settle like even and now that i'm starting to have like a little bit of like you know robert being uh, you know like you know he doesn't know my stuff but then after watching a couple things he's like oh my god i've seen these before i love this or i really am into it he's really into you know he loves the 80s yeah he loves the 80s and commercially on a work level he doesn't do enough of that and so i think he was like super stoked to like explore that and he didn't you know take very much money at all he was just like totally down to do it and 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 you know same thing with brent brent's kind of got like a cool slick kind of minimalism and he wanted to kind of but he loves the 80s he was so he had all this reference stuff we would like we He's would like try and show off too. with with our reference i'd be like look at all these playboy magazines that i have well, look at all these fucking hustler magazines i have we got all this like weird ass like pervy shit we would like, show off and 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 we would geek out on that and what i learned is that when i'm like a huge fan of these people I, yeah. I, even if i'm like I'm literally the same kind of halfway asshole that I've been with other people. But the difference is, is I clearly am like, these people are fucking good. Yeah. You know, you, you need I'm to like, be around that. I'm like super possible. fucking lucky to have these people and how excited, like Brent was excited to the end. Robert yeah. was excited to the end, even though Robert's like, you know, he's Scandinavian. So like his emails would be like six words, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> he must be really unhappy. No, he's Scandinavian. They don't have a lot of sun. But, you know, he was always down. Every time I made a request, I'd be like, yo, dude, can you duplicate her in the other lens? He's like, oh, it looks like goggles. I'm like, can you just show me? You know, and then he would do it. And, and you know, and he wouldn't say, look, I'm like, what do you think? He's like, I think it's good. And I can't tell if he was lying or he just didn't want to have to go back and change it. But it didn't matter. It was awesome. <laughs> you know, and, and, and so and sometimes, you know, like and, and same thing with ter- territory was a lot more we were homies so like i didn't filter myself as much and you know maybe those guys got down a little bit because i'd be so like crazy and intense with my notes and be like hey let me show you more references of the fucking crt because i don't think this looks like a crt <laughs> you know? um, but, but like awesome. the difference was those they clearly knew i had such like i would geek you out need that, on them you and that's to. the thing is you should never let you should never, anybody says you can't really be, ha- like, that's one thing, if I were to, I, actually, I won't say it, because I don't want to sort of ruin any sort of magic, but there are some things in hit TV where I did settle with certain people, whether it's uh, cast, whether it's whatever, and, you know, uh, crew members, whether it's just anything, really, Last like, forever. even on the post side of things, mm-hmm. and you just kind of realize, like, I'm a little, like, slow, I'm a little insecure, so sometimes I feel like, oh, this is all I can get. And over time, you know, sometimes you take a couple steps back in security. Sometimes you take like a couple, like four steps forward. But I think for me, the only thing I can sort of like, because how intense I am, you just need, you need to, you need to like work with people that you're almost intimidated to work with. Yeah, you You have to. Yeah, you You should always be like that. (laughs) When I'm sitting with Anthony and I'm doing my thing with him, I'm sitting there going like, he doesn't need me here. And then I'm going... (laughs) That's great because that's what I want to be. Like, I want to be, I want to be learning and I want to be there with the best people that I know because that's how I'm going to learn. And I should feel like that. I should feel like, I should feel like I need to earn this right now. You know, I need to be here now, experience it and, and own it. 
Because if I don't, then I'm really, you know, I'm just pointless. Why? And there's a lot of people I think don't face that. And I, I, I think I could see sometimes just learning it though, you know, because I think a lot of people don't have the opportunities we have to work with people that are fucking really talented. You should always respect people. You just got to use email, man. Just email people. That's how Anthony got in touch with me. And that's how we've, we've, we're we're going to make films together. I always have you just introduce me because you're like, you know, your uncle, your uncle Ash. I'm telling you, we all call you uncle Ash. I always say that. So Even when you were like, when you got fucked. fed up, actually, when Tomer couldn't do it, which, by the way, I'm holding him accountable for when he says he, he's like, next project, I'm yours. I'm like, I'm holding <laughs> you accountable. But, but but then when I went to Rob, when you recommended Robert, you were like, I don't want to email him. Just say I said, what's up? And I was like, oh, no, it's not going to work now. And so I no, said, like, Glash, blah, blah, blah. And he didn't say a single thing other than like. This sounds very interesting. I'm vi- I- I'm visually very inspired. I will do it. You know what I mean? Uh, it was like Robert's five words. Awesome. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, but yeah, like I think, you know, not many people have the opportunities we have to work with people that are so, you know, uh, you just like, reach out, talented, but, yeah. but you have to, on your own, develop the skill. Uh, here's what's the thing about directing that people don't understand. And, and, and I'm making up arbitrary numbers, but 25% of being like uh, uh, it, uh, is actually directing the job of a director only 25% is actually directing and then there's 75% all this other shit sometimes it ranges between you know a bunch of hustling and 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 um, kind of the business awareness sometimes it's management which a lot of it is sometimes it's 50% of what you're doing depending on what what kind of like when you're making Jurassic 5 it's like 75% management but whatever <laughs> it's like you know it's some of its management but a lot of it is like you need to be able to size somebody up and like when I was reading like the Steve Jobs book, I have a, whenever I read like a bio or something really uh, inspiring, I call it the book of whatever I'm reading. So I call it the book of jobs. Uh, <laughs> and so like I have all these notes and I some of them are it, lessons yeah. from his problems mm. because I share, I, I, I that was a very an emotional read for me because Same. I find a lot of some of the bullshit that, you know, plagued him. I kind of am aware, like, you know, like a lot of what <laughs> I have a problem with is like, is it a mirror for you? I'm a good, I'm a good bullshit artist, you know? So it's like, what's really good is like, I can take a story that was kind of like half interesting or maybe not that interesting and then turn it into like the most entertaining story ever, you know? And it's like, if I tell you any story from my childhood, my mom, my mom will give you the boring version of it, you know? Hmm. Uh, Like how I thought she was going to leave me at Jurassic Park because I was like an evil child. And (laughs) I thought she would never like me because I'm such a troublemaker. But the story is actually more like, you know, she was gone for like two seconds and I cried and that was it. But (laughs) I, I, I think that that's, something that you just over time have to develop awareness of like oh shit i'm kind of not really good at like you know what's who's really good at this kubrick was not actually really good at knowing who was really good he actually was bad at it that's why he was notorious for calling people and saying what do you think of this person i heard you're doing a film would you recommend them and then it'd be like yeah would you like to meet him okay yeah well i don't leave my house can you come can you can you come fly to, i'll pay for him to fly to london you can get on this helicopter and fly to my fucking isolated motherfucking house you know <laughs> and he would meet with these actors or, or these technicians or whoever the fuck he was after Right. Mm. And uh, that that's something amazing. He was aware that he he you know, that he, he fired too many people all the time. And he was like, there's something wrong here. <laughs> I might need to trust other people. And, and I have learned that I'm actually not as good as I thought I was as a judgment because I was judging something else. And mm. then when we got to shooting, I'm like, oh, wow, I don't think this person 
you know, is up to snuff or I don't like this person's work ethic or you know what, this person and I just don't get along. I have a strong personality (laughs) and sometimes the Uh, best person in the business just isn't going to like you, you know? No, absolutely. a lot of what I'm learning is the best people in the business get along with everybody and that's why they're the best person in the business. Like Robert Ellswit, it's like that guy gets along with anybody and everybody. This, this DP that I worked with uh, for the Super Bowl spot, he, do, he shoots all of David O. Russell's film, shot Damien Chazelle, the guy who did Whiplash's recent movie, La La Land. Mm. Um, I, I've been working with him recently, and it's and he's like my, I call him my papa DP, when there's situations where politically I can't use Memo, who shot Basement Jacks and my Kygo uh, video, uh, or... Uh, or Isaac, who you, we spoke with earlier, mm-hmm. he's like my papa, papa DP. And I think it's fun when you work with the papas because it, <laughs> it lets you know what you can expect sure. as potential. And it lets you kind of purge, oh man, like this snuff isn't, this other stuff isn't nearly as good, you know? Yeah. And it's like, that's something that I find, you know, I'm sure on Lost Boy, you guys had some papa people as well, you know, sprinkled around and it lets you know, like, oh fuck, like this is the shit, you know what I mean? Like this is actually... <laughs> how I know this is what it's, you know, this is what it means to be good at this job. You know what I mean? Anthony and Um, I have, I think it's, I think that's interesting about doing it in a dual way where we both complement each other. Um, and again, as I said, like Anthony's much more accomplished. He's much more, he's put, he's dedicated way more hours and time to the act of directing and also all that stuff. But at the same time, there's certain things that I'm better at than him. And, and, and it's like this really interesting duality. And so I think, together like we we make a complete thing you know and i think um because i don't care with anthony i i share it all like because i consider him family and that's kind of how i look at it and it's weird that i do because there's a lot of trust there and i don't do that for everybody but there's a lot of like he's he's earned it through the years of showing me that he's not fucking around you know and that's part of like a really good commitment and that's like it's the same way that it works with my marriage too it's like i trust my wife a hundred percent because I have to, like, if I didn't, then I wouldn't do that. And I think together having those two things together, like I would say by myself, I'm pretty unique, but then with my wife, my wife is the opposite of me in certain ways, but together we're a powerhouse because we complement each other with our weaknesses basically, or with our strengths, sorry. And by powerhousing together, like we can make this thing that just never really would exist without a collaboration. And I think that's really important. And being able to, find your collaborators, I think is really important. And I think being able to see through the bullshit is very important as well. I think for me, I'm, I I think I might feel, I share similar things to you where I'm very optimistic with everybody. I try to give everybody like an honest first pass and, but I can definitely see the bullshit quickly, but I try to be like Anthony always uh, calls me out on it. Like there's been many times where I was like, Hey, let's give this person a try. And they've failed miserably and it's caused us like horrible stress, you know? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and he's like, dude, you fucking did it again. Like, and he gets mad, but it's, it's more of like a funny joke at this point now. Um, because I say, well, you know, like we've, we have found amazing talented people that we love to work with, you know, like our, like DOPs, Kevin and Rebecca Jolson, like I love them and they were amazing to work with. And like, he loves them too. And like, that's like out of like, you know, five strikes, we're hitting one home run at least, you know, so it is taking a risk, you you know? Yeah. It's totally like that. And I think that that's something where, you know, that's, that's these all, all these moments kind of come in handy. I think my thing has always been, 
I'm actually quite a slow learner in many ways. Some ways I'm really fast, but some ways I'm like really slow only because, uh, you know, I think too much. A lot of times I think too much as much as I'm actually quite a guttural person, my brain Mm. often can cancel me out. And so a lot of my work that I think is effective is, is it, it just, it's a lot more instinctual Mm. and it's a lot more, you know, um, it, it, it does a lot more damage in a quick amount of time and, and d- damages in like it fucking, you know, it kills whatever emotion I'm trying to go for. It just nails it, you know, and and I don't try a lot of times in the sense that I'm not thinking about a lot of things, you know, like mm. like, it, you know, there's a, there's a moment at the end of this short that I just people have like called me that were working on it because I just at that song at the end, I literally put together with with Matt, uh, our makeup and vanity set who did the soundtrack. Yeah, Matthew's he, great. He, yeah, he's amazing. He he loves you guys too. Um, you and and Anthony. Um, but he basically told me, um, you know, uh, oh man, I don't know if you're gonna like these lyrics that I had with Jasmine. And I'm like, no, don't fucking assume. Just send me this shit. I was like, send me the song and with her vocals. Send me just her vocals and send me the uh, instrumental of the song. And so I just kind of went in and I like loved her her fucking sound and I love how she kind of neutralized as much as like you know uh, you know it's kind of 80s to have a girl's voice on it. I love kind of her like. You know, it, it didn't feel sort of like processed 80s. It felt like this girl can actually actually has a nice voice. And so I wanted her to be this inviting kind of voice because we don't have a lot of like beautiful sentiment in hit TV. So I was like, I need this at the end. I need this at the end. And so like when he sent it to me, I just put it together. And what's funny is at the end with like the blood and 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 the lyric she says, it, it, she says, you know, listen, uh, listen, listen, you'll hear me. Um, yeah, you'll hear sing me it, like sing uh, it. Uh, fuck, don't fuck, don't put me on the side. I forget, I forget, I forget what the lyric is already. But but basically, like she's saying, like you'll you'll, you'll hear me come for you. But it's like kind of uh, or closing in. You'll hear me closing in, mm-hmm. and it's kind of funny because it's almost like a beautiful threat. You know, like I'm gonna come and fucking kill you. But it's like, uh, you know, what what's really interesting is with the lips, people sort of. Uh, interpreted a meaning that like I kind of felt but I didn't sort of go I'm going to put these lyrics with this these lips bleeding because it will imply this I just sort of did it and I think that's what a lot of like really good art is like if you ask David LaChapelle or any of these really cool artists the more they learned and become self-aware and have thought too much Hmm. they actually put damage into their work in my opinion well yeah your your thoughts can get in the way there's a there's a part in the process where you need to throw that in the back seat and then let the heart drive and it's like Mm -hmm. that's you know that's it's tough to do that how are you on set are you a nervous wreck are you are you are you emotional all over the place are you contained how how Mm. are you are you protected do you protect yourself are you do you sleep do you sleep before Protect, the, protected you know? as in like you know like, have an ad talk for me kind of thing yeah because i'm not like that i like to be there right in it like i'm i'm like i'm like doing everything that i can to help in any capacity and i love it like i'm in it to win it um whereas i've seen other directors that are like they don't even talk to anybody they just sit back and tell their ad to do stuff and it's like a well, weird power it, play yeah it's you, like, know, what you know what's hell? interesting well I don't think I oh, well okay look the first really retarded budget thing I did was this once again this Taco, Ta- Bell, Taco Bell Taco Ching. Bell I'm, I'm gonna, what, we're going to counter in this podcast for the Taco Bell thing, plug Taco Bell that's all we talk about on this spot yeah go make commercials and sell your skull um, but yeah basically at yeah, Taco Bell what I learned is when I sit down on set kind of like you were saying you're totally in it 
I always wondered, what am I going to be like when I actually have the proper amount of time, <laughs> proper amount of crew? What am I going to feel like in that situation? And what's interesting with the, with the spot is when you do a commercial, you've got a bunch of notes. You've got people, in, you know, you've got like 10 monitors. You try to separate yourself from the client and the, and the agency. And the agency kind of wants to separate themselves from the client too because the agency kind of wants to also be creative. And you're sort of in charge of their child. And then the client, they're also afraid of the client. And it, you, there's this push-pull process and it's different every spot. But when I realized sitting back, a lot of times it's just me think, like buying myself time. You, I had enough people to go do something. And I'd say, hey, and I'd have a shorthand with the AD where I'd go, blah, 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 blah. And if you have a really good AD that you like working with, you can sit back and trust them. But I find uh, what I usually do is I'm very hands-on, mostly because I'm doing too many things. I want to do too many things in my short, <laughs> and it's not possible in the amount of time. Yeah, I think I prefer to be able to just sit in a tent and like not have everyone, everyone around me. But what I've also what I've learned is that there are times where when I'm around, uh, there's an immediacy that yeah. I make. I fucking just like I you know I can own it on set. Then there's also me being on set where I actually can hurt things because some people are just good at what they do, and mm. you staying out of their way, even you just hanging out. Even making jokes can fuck with them. That's true. I think fin- yeah. Fincher's more. He says Fincher kind of said. Uh, I forget what movie he says. But I like my sets like libraries. You know what I mean? You get mm. kicked out if you fucking talk. You know. True. But he says that there are other directors that like it's like a party on set. You know. Yeah. I think for me, what's funny about Hit TV? It was the first sort of short where we had so much dialogue. It's funny is we ADR'd the shit out of this piece. <laughs> yeah, of it course. Kind of, and you know why though? It's because I'm literally yelling over everybody's line. <laughs> but 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 it's it a lot of it is just because of time, you know. But what I also learn is when there are moments where I just sit and I go, I want this and I want that. And a lot of times you learned it on spots because there's a lot of money and you realize, oh, wow, when I have the crew and everyone has the time and the prep, you can actually give like you can sit back and kind of like dis- you almost kind of half disconnect because you don't want to get too emotional. Yeah. Where people, Because look, to be honest, people sometimes are on set not to make something good. They don't know what's good. That's your job. Your yeah. job is to tell them what's good. They just want to look at you like a kid. And when and, and when you don't <laughs> smile, true. they go, oh, yeah, <laughs> and then. When you smile, they go, yeah, ah, you That's know, the Fincher like, set or the Kubrick set. Yeah. yeah like one time yeah. I had a friend just show me because I was hurting my crew's feelings one time because I was so hard on myself and it made them feel bad. He recorded, there was a moment where I looked at the screen and I went, that's so fucking cool. And he recorded everybody else watching me just watch my face, not even the screen, what, making that, <laughs> saying that. And they all just were like kids. They all smiled and like mm. some of them turned red. And, and I was like, wow, like they really are there to please you and i know that sounds kind of for anybody that's not kind of familiar with directing and running a big crew that might sort of seem like man these people are sad then and it's like no it's just it's not like the sort of uh that's kind of the the self-misery people put themselves through in film that's the art form is a lot of times as a director you have to appreciate that there are people who literally when they're on set their job is to please you because they're trusting you you make good stuff but you have to return that it's it, good it's to make a, good stuff yes you have to also <laughs> yeah. return that and make good stuff but you also have to trust them that they can make good stuff because you hired them and so yeah. it's it's this balance so when you ask me am i do i have my shit together am i crazy it's it's kind of been all over the place and i think i'll eventually <laughs> develop a routine but no i i am now you shouldn't develop a routine though you wouldn't want to right well, correct. Yeah. But I do think there's different days. If, if, for example, it's an actor day, I, I, I'm going to 
contain, I'm going to make sacrifices on other ends. I'm going to sort of say, I'm not going to, I'm not, look, Isaac, I'm fucking trusting you. Don't fuck shit up. Work hard on this. Listen to me. <laughs> Lock your fucking axes because I either want an X axis movement or a Y axis movement. There's no such thing as both. That's Hollywood camera bullshit. All right. And that's why you watch the camera angles and they're so precise because yeah. I wanted it to look like the spirit, the fucking evil cold spirit of hit TV is showing you stuff. And then only at the end we go handheld, you know, but yeah. that's kind of, but I'm trusting Isaac to go. That's the thing. Cool. Got it. Now I'm never going to talk you rested today because i got to talk to my actors sure you know sure and those are that's kind of that's when i become sit in the chair walk up to them whisper no one else talk to me i'll snap at you if you talk to me because i'm <laughs> in my actor mode and then there's the day where i'm just like I'm, I'm like you know beatboxing and people are just like having fun and i'm cracking jokes or i'm just crazy and people are entertained by me going crazy but um i think that that's something i'm sure you've experienced times where like you also it's exhausting and sometimes you're so <laughs> exhausted you almost kind of do this like half give up chill thing where you're like you kind of almost are like delusional and you make jokes and everything is going to hell but you're so past it you know like <laughs> that that actually helps you and believe it or not, yeah. a lot of good films like i think ridley scott's best movies are when he's kind of in a jam in a lot of the films like in yeah, alien, alien. they ran out of money and he just had to make shit up yeah. or in blade runner where everyone hated him and he fucking just had to deal with shit <laughs> and you know and he'll of course never admit it because he just would never do that but sure. all his best movies are when he's super like it, he's got like good like damagedness in his production and i think that the problem is is that he enjoys the process of filmmaking more than the end film now and that's what you see in his modern films and that's the problem with i think a lot of modern uh you know um uh ridley scott movies where people like ridley or soderbergh or at least old soderbergh and fincher it's not fun making the movie it's painful and it's you know like fincher described you ever heard his description of making films he says it's like imagine you have your arms have been cut off and you're trying to get a bunch of people to paint a fucking Mona Lisa uh, <laughs> and have to also walk and talk that uh, barely works. <laughs> that's it's pretty much, that's really accurate. And of course, leave it to David to articulate it so perfectly because he is, yeah. he's one of my favorite directors to listen to commentary. Usually before I get ready to shoot or do anything like that, I usually like to, to kind of obsess over just watching some of his and seeing his analysis of things is quite interesting. There was a little bit of time there where I was really quite obsessed with listening to commentary just because I was interested in getting into the director's mind. That's something that seems to be really affecting you as an, as a creative, as an artist, you brought up so many directors and names. You're very affluent with like, you know, the different directors, you're very well versed in that. Um, how important is that for you? Less at least being somewhat influenced. Is it, do you, it's almost like, like it's when we're talking about this, it reminds me of as a kid, like trading baseball cards, you know, like, you know, this is <laughs> Nolan Ryan, Super Bowl, you know, it's like, this is like all these That's interesting cool. things, you know, it's, but at the same time, being aware that there is these, there, that there are these people, does that tarnish the art? Does that make it worse? Are we, are we no, um, no. nostalgic? What, what's your viewpoint on that? Because all the best filmmakers are obsessed with every, if every filmmaker, even if they have pros and cons, like I've been like, for example, I uh, I try to channel a few filmmakers when I make something. Like even though I name drop like Cronenberg, I name drop you know like Tarantino and Michael Mann. I never thought about them while I was making stuff. I just would kind of come back to them somehow, whether it was a discussion with somebody. But like with Controller, it was a lot of like Wong Kar Wai, a lot of like old boy reference, but also a lot of just like anime. You know what I mean? Like 
that's kind of how it was with controller with 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 hit tv it was none of that it was a lot more you know minimalistic films with like bold decisions like i'm gonna make this fucking you know monkey wrench this guy with this monkey wrench and i'm gonna give him these weird like you know kind of quirky 1970s if you watch 70s films a lot of those films had these weird bold decisions with characters and especially with like brian de palma but i think all it does is it gives you some a new like i think the the more you end up directing stuff, the more you'll start to see that you always want to reinvent yourself. And the way to do it is however you plan to do it is however you plan to do it. For me, it's kind of channeling like uh, a certain director. And sometimes you you want to break what you're doing by injecting a director that would normally never touch what you're doing. And I think like, for example, my wild card director that I'm nothing like and I, I don't think I don't have the magic that he has when it comes to acting is um, is um, Sidney Lumet. Sidney Lumet is an amazing uh, actor's director. I mean, if you like, like he's notorious, even on his commentaries, he's notorious at telling you a shot that he said the director of photography made the shot look too cool. I said, that looks too cool. It's distracting from my scene. Don't make it look that cool. And the DP's never heard that before. Hmm. And so like, you know, he'd be like, don't make me go knock down one of your lights. And then he would be like, no, 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 no. And he would go and change the lighting (laughs) so that it looked less cool. And, and, you know, I think that's something that why, when you watch before the devil knows you're dead, or if you watch network, it's just like, man, this guy is so, I mean, I don't know if you've seen network recently, but haven't, motherfucking shit that's in my top 76 version yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Mm. um it's so ahead of its time it talks about reality tv before reality tv Mm. it talks about fucking frustration in the 70s was the perfect fucking generation for frustrated people that's why taxi driver fucking uh french connection uh network um what other movie um uh uh uh, what's the fucking uh death wish all these movies that are frustrated about frustrated people that had it fucking 70s films yeah. Yes, 70s films. And, and a lot of hit TV actually is inspired by 70s films, even if I'm using 80s iconography, because sure. the 80s didn't really have those balls. Like De Palma was still, you know, had some balls left, but even he was, you know, fading out a little bit and just kind of like, you know, jerking off in his films. But I think that <laughs> I I do find that and I like I love what you do because you you kind of go through all the art forms and you sort of and I see and I watch I, I, I troll your fucking Facebook all the time and watch like, you know, what you post and it goes everywhere. It's all over from films that came out five ten years ago to like artists that i've never known that you that i'm suddenly like okay log that guy and (laughs) and and i think that i tend to um uh have an encyclopedia that i can kind of refer to but a lot of it is less about just me it's also a lot about communicating to other people Mm -hmm. because if you work with other people that are an encyclopedia they sort of like especially when i worked with linus even on fucking something like taco bell when we talk about stuff it was like you could tell that he had a much more he had much like he was had a mastered fucking brain of just artists and he 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 hates modern fincher like that's something you and i would probably like get in a fight with him about but like (laughs) he hates it he hates i didn't like gone girl so oh i love gone girl but uh that's interesting uh, you love Gone Girl, really? Yeah, I watched it recently again, and I'm like, mm, I love this. Uh, really? There's so yeah. many like holes in it. It's like, well, wow. Well, what I love about it is how he he kind of plays you in the sense that you're you're watching this soap opera like on fucking like evil drugs, you know? Um, and and I just appreciate that sort of just like ballsiness to be like, here's happy. It's such it's so sociopathic. I actually use that a lot in my in my in the spirit of hit TV, where like you notice like 
you know, there are scenes where I have like, for example, the music of the show, it's kind of like slutty and light, but like that sluttiness kind of makes you go, oh, this isn't nice. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's like, this is kind of like, remember when you were texting me, you were like, I want to hate this, you know? Uh, but like, you know, like, and, and I didn't know how to take it, but when I, when I, I, I sort of was like, I, I was like, oh man, does he hate it? I can't tell. But I'm like, oh no, that's kind of the, that's sort of the, like what I like about what I did is like, I can, I, I sort of can affect some sort of feeling. And sometimes it's a lot more like mean to some people and some people like I've had people laugh, man, during it. And I'm like, that's weird. You're a weirdo. <laughs> but then when some people are super hurt, I'm like, what's wrong? How did I hurt you? You know, and some people are just like, I can't stand blood. You know, and I'm like, OK, well, there's nothing I can do. Sorry. Um, it's you interesting know, like, that you care. I, I really don't care. Though. That's I, I care because, you know, I'm, I, 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 you know, look, to be honest, man, something that you have that's so much going to benefit you 10 times more because I don't have that is that you are you are not only a great listener but you you are quite a humanitarian and i like humans as an idea but i don't like talking to people i really don't i rather my own shit i sound like i do but i because i love you and you're awesome but it's like i have a prince complex if people don't introduce me to people i won't go out of my way to talk to them unless i'm like on drugs or a drunk Uh, (laughs) i'd rather i'd rather uh just play witcher three you know um i'd much rather what i make is my communication to people so it's Mm. all i got to talk to people you know and and and, you know i've heard other people say it like this i think like you know i've heard i've heard scorsese kind of talk about how you know he he's kind of an alienating person because he talks so fast so much it just it it hurts people's heads and (laughs) Tarantino's the same way like you can tell he's not a social person the guy's never been married you know so it's definitely like he's got personal issues you know but what (laughs) what i think is awesome and why i love people like you is you guys are my teachers of like the humanitarian side you know you teach me patience you teach me i'm always inspired to like like i can't wait like remember i want you know i'm so interested in in helping this you know collective podcast out eventually and being able to sort of bring on you know people and having conversations with them and 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 maybe eventually like you know we were talking about really good films like uh snowtown murders that uh, you know, don't get seen. And I'm and I'm just like, you know, that's why I kind of like Brady Stanellis because he'll like straight up do a podcast, you know, of somebody that I never even heard of as a director, you know, and I'm like, it's my responsibility to go and grab the dude that made it follows and be like, yo, dude, let's fucking talk, you know, but, yeah. you know, I, I think I'm going to get there at some point, but you always inspire that because I'm like, this is so this is so, like, I'm sure you grab so much interesting information, but like, think of all the people that are listening to this that are just like already writing their movie because of us talking. You That's know what so I mean? cool. I, I, yeah, I don't really realize if the effect, and it's really interesting to hear that about you because I didn't really realize that I just, um, I guess because our, our conversations are so engaging. We haven't actually met in person yet physically, That's kind of which fun. is yeah, it's really that. messed up. Yeah, yeah. we've yeah, just been fans of one another for a very long time now. And yeah, you're it's interesting. An hour and a half away, which is sad. Yeah, it's very sad. I think we're just both very much engulfed in what it is that we're doing, and like we we have um, broached the subject of doing something together, and I know we both would love to because I think it would be quite an interesting um, piece of art to combine our both our minds together. It'd be very unique, um, but yeah, it's just like it's going to happen eventually. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, I'm super. I'm so I'm so excited to see Lost Boy too because I feel when people approach a medium when they come from another, 
I do find it to be very refreshing. I mean, the reason like David Lynch or all these people who you can tell have like painter brains or have come from another discipline or studied another discipline and then migrated over, um, they just come with such originality. And, and, and even though they sort of feel like they don't quite get it just yet, mm-hmm. no, 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 you don't get it. No, you don't want to quite, you don't want to get it. I want you to kind of stay with that other shit that you know because that's what made you awesome like that's why i think ridley scott excited me so much back in the day because i do think he came from another type of brain and then as he sort of like left that brain and stayed in and turned purely into a filmmaker i i I sort of liked him less you know and i think that you know there's a like a spirit of uh over specialization no i guess i just think you know you come from another discipline so I think that even if whatever, even if you always wanted to make movies, what, whatever you did as, as a lifestyle, as a job, as, a, as, a, as a, you know, the 10,000 hours of mastery, that'll never leave your brain. So what's interesting is that, you know, you'll ha- you'll be forced to challenge yourself, but it'll naturally in your work, you know, uh, when, especially when you do like solo stuff, like it'll naturally in your work show up and that you can't separate that. And so that's kind of why, I mean, I'm super stoked, like, you know, to see you know, your own stuff as much as I am stoked to, to work with you. And I think the stuff that I want to work with you on, like straight up, like co-direct would be shit where it's like, almost like, you know, neither you or I would touch something, but because you and I are both doing it, we're suddenly excited by it. You know, yeah, I mean? that's like, exactly that's, it. that's probably the best thing for us to touch. Like that doesn't mean like, you know, I would be more than happy to shoot second unit for your film where there's things where you're just like, I don't know if I could do this and I want to focus on post. Like I I need you to go shoot establishing shots in Asia. And I'd be like, sure. I love fucking locations. (laughs) I think that's like actually a quite the specialty of me to frame things for spaces, you know? Mm. Um, So like, I would love to do that. And because you're my friend, I'd want to impress you and nail it, you know? Uh, And and then (laughs) you'd be like, great. I get to sit here and look over everyone's shoulder fucking, you know, while they're finishing these shots that I actually, you know, you know, want to be around for to, to make sure it's great. But the same thing with like, fuck man, like I'm entering a studio position and I'm like, I want to sort of like have a concept guy that I trust that's in my boat. You know, what do you think? Is this interesting enough for you? Like, so, you know, and I was telling, it was funny cause I was telling my friend, I don't know if you've have, uh, have heard the director, Andrew Thomas Wang, but he did that. I'm sure you've seen his stuff. He did that. Uh, he did the Bjork video. Uh, uh, it's like crazy. It almost looks like kind of like weird mushroom, dr- mushroom dreamy kind of stuff. Oh, uh, uh, yes, he, yes. Beautiful he, he stuff. Did Bjork, yeah. He did the, um, um, the Rose video that was kind of like that, but his, he started with his short and uh, we had a chance to just recently meet, even though we'd been fans of each other for a while. Um, and he got to actually, uh, even though I think the movie wasn't very good, he got to do the, um, dream sequences for pan. And I just learned that with him hmm. and, uh, it was so inspiring to talk to him because he is not, he's not your brain or my brain. He is like on an, he's like, we would be a triangle, you know? Um, you know, I would be the furthest from the artists. He would be the other side of the artist. And you're, you're like right in between us where you could probably like swing both sides, you know, hmm. but like he, he, he was somebody where I just literally, was like man like like you know he's that's a kind of brain where i'm like if that person somehow like did like i'm working on a werewolf story and i kind of was like i don't know how to re-envision a werewolf i don't like werewolves i hate werewolves and i hate werewolves movies but my film's about a romance it's a relationship movie but it's got a werewolf component in it and i was like dude i want him to make my werewolf like he's the kind Mm. of person i'd have enough confidence to be like holy shit no one will have seen a werewolf like this no yeah he's yeah his ellipsis piece was great. He's kind of like, um, he reminds me of the eye and mind of um, Eiko, the costume designer that Coppola collaborated with. Um, 
very much in that same mindset. I think um, completely different and more abstract, more or less. Yeah. Yeah. And he, what's crazy too is he's definitely, he's, he, What's really interesting is he learned VFX to do his art. And so it's like he's not just like a VFX guy. You know, yeah, he's yeah. definitely uh, an artist. He's not like even when you say VFX artist, yeah, like there is an artistry to it. But it's like this guy is an artist, learn VFX. And, you know, surprisingly, he, you know, he he respects the craft enough where I'm surprised he's not sick of it. I mean, he's he's starting to do live action. I, I was very honored to watch. I got to uh, a chance to uh, watch his recent short that he worked with the Flex guys. Um, and uh, it was amazing. All live action. And it was just, it was cool to see his like 100% live action sort of debut, and um, you know he's amazing, and it's interesting because it's like when you watch his stuff, like you never think that I would like something like that, but it's like that's probably like that's kind of what I've learned to really appreciate as I've gotten older is that like you know I lo- love, and I think that's why I have such a like respect and attraction to your work because it's like there's still quite a separation from what you do and what I do, even though I think we both have like a a kind of like kind of a, a you know kind of a, an animated comic booky kind of like cyberpunky sort of like we kind of have boners of that stuff there's quite a separation with sort of like our uh, you know a lot of like kind of um, the the entities of what we make you know there's overlap but there's also not like we would probably be, be included in some of the same list of people's stuff but like our stuff's still very different you know and I think that that I've learned to appreciate that as much as I've learned to appreciate stuff that's just 100% not my stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. Like, just Friday's totally nice. Like, I've never, I've never seen that ever, you know? Um, and, it's and, really know, crazy to say. And that, because you, I've seen all your stuff you post and I'm like, this is so like, it's all so varied, you know? Yeah. I think it's important to be inspired by many different things though, personally, whether it's, you know, a documentary about cancer all the way to, damn daniel viral video you know like i was actually quite impressed with damn daniel (laughs) like as funny as it is like um people you know will clown on it but it's like for me if to talk about that damn daniel if you're not aware of it you you know what i'm talking about right no i don't i'm actually looking it up now should i watch it are you serious should i watch it yeah it's like 30 seconds just watch it okay let me watch it and pop in your damn daniel cherry this is great okay it's it's just the 30 seconds right yeah Oh, it's got 12 million views. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, I'm, uh, I shouldn't be making movies anymore. Damn, Daniel. <laughs> Damn, Daniel. Damn, Daniel. Damn, Daniel. Back at it again with the white man. Damn, Daniel. Damn, Daniel. Damn, Daniel. Damn, Daniel. Damn, Daniel, back at it again with the white vans. Dusty man, damn, Daniel. Jeez, you know what's funny? Is it reminds me of that Badger video. You remember? No, it's like, that. Oh, you haven't seen the Badger? Look up the bat. Uh, oh, I have seen that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Over the narrator's like, blah, 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 blah. it's like this like super <laughs> sassy narrator, but it's yeah. it's kind of like there's a. Uh, there's subtext when whenever you see something really good it's not unless it's a cat video that's just an instinctual yeah humor. that's it yeah but, but with, which is I, i'm sort of super addicted to them anyways but like <laughs> we all are subtext to me that has subtext because it's not only just funny I, i'm intellectualized i'm ruining it a little bit probably but 
to me, I found it funny because the guy that's saying it is sort of the subtext, you know, the yes. way he's saying it, the sort of like half awareness, like he knows what he's saying is funny, but it's he it's funny too. And he might not know that, but it doesn't matter. You he's know? trolling. Like, yeah, he's trolling. He's, but it's, yeah, he, he's, he's, he's trolling. And then but we're also trolling the troller, you know, yeah. um, that's super funny to me. But anything that's really good, dude, it has subtext. Yeah, like, it's interesting. And, and you can't think about it. You no. just naturally have to develop like the feeling of subtext where something like here's a good here's a good quote Ridley uh Ridley Scott has really good quotes even though fucking motherfucker doesn't follow them anymore but uh he <laughs> said uh he said it's not a, I'm not interested in what people uh what uh people say I'm interested in what people don't say because in reality and this is something um 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 uh fuck uh Jeff Nichols talks about the guy who did Midnight Special Shotgun Diaries the Shotgun Stories um Shotgun Diaries Shotgun Stories I'm not sure. Totally. I haven't seen that. See, I'm, oh. I'm, you're like Anthony to me too. Like you guys have seen like every film. I'm yeah, like, okay, well, here's your first movie to watch. T- watch Take Shelter. Watch that movie. But it's the same guy who made Mud. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I've seen uh, Mud. I enjoyed Mud. Yeah, it's really good, but it's definitely like watch Take Shelter. That's fucking cool. Uh, Michael Shannon, and I'm sure you love Michael Shannon. Um, but it's uh, he's kind of the same way where like he gave it. He gave he t- he talked about uh, when you write, um, you know, like. You talk about people and and people. There's difference between a person that's just met each other. Like how many times would you watch a movie when someone says a line? You go, dude, they've been doing this for eight years. They would never talk like this or talk about this. You know, uh. they're clearly talking to the viewer. That's exposition, right? Mm-hmm. So like, but once the, one thing that like I sort of have to like muscle in my own brain always is it's not you want to bury you want to bury what everyone's trying to say. That's that's what makes it good because if you're really good you'll feel what everyone's trying to say. You don't say it. Like in so many good movies that you watch, just watch when a moment happens. The actor is not saying what they say. You know, you can, if, if, it's, if an actor is really good and your subtext is really good, which you shouldn't have to think about, you just have to develop that skill over time. If the subtext is really good, the character can sort of ha- like not finish a sentence and choke up and you know everything that he wants to say yeah most of the time what they're not saying is what's filling the blank yeah which is really important and that's a good quote i wrote that down at least god has a lot of really good quotes like also is it's not science fiction it's science reality you know um (laughs) he says that as well even though he's totally far from reality because you know whatever he's kind of a hypocrite but i love him to death Um, yeah i think well i mean that's the thing about people that pass off advice ourselves included is we we, when we say these things we're, we're aiming for our best selves but we're unaware that we are constantly fighting against our best selves in a daily fashion that's why you have a quote because you the (laughs) reason he has a quote is because he has to tell himself that yeah of course you know what i mean yeah well self-therapy yeah the reason i have quotes the reason i talk about sydney lumet's because i'm so not sydney lumet and i have to keep reminding myself that's the part that's the director that i want to make sure that like when i make a when when i do when i do a feature i plan to do the feature as okay here's the concrete tone but i need to like inject you know, every little scene is shot kind of the way you do a, a, a short, like a short film where like, or like a, like when I did hit TV, there were different setups in the bathroom. If you notice, I only kind of shoot one ish direction. I cheat maybe a couple times, but it's only really a direction. That's a set, even though it's got a real outside and 
that that whole uh, motel is actually rest in peace demolished. It was actually where they shot Scarf, bunch of Scarface. But um, <laughs> it's uh, it, it was in Long Beach. We shot that. It was a totally. I hated when we shot it, but I actually learned to really love it now because I was like, man, that's like I shot that shit kind of like TV, you know. But it was like you know I tried to fuck it up so it wasn't TV, you know. It, was, it didn't just feel like coverage. Every shot kind of felt new, even though I was using. I would just literally be like, Isaac, lift up that tripod, move the camera right now. Don't fucking turn that camera off. Don't change that lens, you know. And mm-hmm. we'd be like, oh god, you know, and have to hold the camera so it didn't fall. <laughs> but that's the only way you can do that because if you try to sh- – if everyone – if you listen to how like a, a unit production manager tells you to shoot, you're going to shoot fucking TV. That's yeah, how you yeah, fucking yeah. shoot. And, if, but if you, if, and that's why people like Fincher, they fucking rock it but they're painful, man. Like they, they burn bridges because of how notorious they are to go 60 takes and abuse the actor to do an insert because <laughs> that's just what he is. And a lot of it is, 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 is not power hunger. A lot of it is him manipulating. A lot of it is he doesn't even need to do 60 takes. He just needs to remind people this is what happens when you mess up. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's it. That's his pull down your pants. I'm going to fucking slap you with this goddamn belt. Son of a bitch. <laughs> you, you, should, know I mean? you should look up how Justin um, did uh, Snowtown. I think you'd be stoked on it. It's pretty interesting. Oh, nice. did, he tell you, did he tell you when you talked to him? Uh, he No, I, I read it, though. When I, oh. so, But it was interesting though, because he was saying that, uh, like, I think there was only one main actor. Uh, it was actual an actor, though. Like, and it was he was from, like, a, a sub, the suburbs oh. where it, everybody else was kind of just locals and just normal people and i was just really the real actor is the villain right yes that's correct yeah yeah Yeah. and but everybody else was kind of like these people that were brought in i think maybe the 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 mom was as well an actress or you know like i recognized her yeah yeah but everybody else was were these people that were just kind of brought into the production who are normal people and and i always i always love that um, and especially in this, you can really feel it. I, th- I feel like the, the 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 villain, man. He is damn good, dude. Like damn good. He's, but- yeah, and he's and, and Justin's definitely like. I mean, look, dude. He did Macbeth, and he's sort of like yeah. impressed. He's impressed Fastbender to be like you know like yeah. you know like his, his you know. I'm sure he. I'm sure Fastbender finds him to be his muse as much as Fastbender's is his muse. But he's clearly clearly got his shit together when it comes to not only confidence of his material and confidence as a filmmaker. He's a very confident, like everything he touches is super confident but he's clearly one of those filmmakers where he's like the scene needs to be real and and even though his camera moves and all that stuff's really interesting it's all secondary to the material he's just so good at the secondary that yeah, it doesn't feel yeah. secondary it doesn't feel like hollywood cameraman bullshit you know yeah, yep, and, yep. and and i think it's amazing it's so int- i find it i kind of am in love with the fact that you you talk so highly of the cinema of that film because it's so understated. I oh, just love it. But I love that that understatement. Uh, and, you know, I, I guess it makes sense because you're also you have a boner for like modern Fincher, except, you know, obviously I know you don't like Gone Girl. But but I think that <laughs> that, that 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 that's he's also like if you were to ask any like I was on a date when I saw Gone Girl. If that bitch is listening to this, fuck you. But 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 you know, she was annoying. But uh, we saw that. <laughs> We saw that movie together. It's a terrible date movie, so I'm probably the asshole, but and I'll take that, everybody. But like, you <laughs> know, I remember, I remember watching that movie with her, and and she would, and we would talk, and there were a couple of things we both look at each other and be like, oh yeah, we can both agree that was the shit. And like, I loved hearing her reactions because like, and and we were in a couple heavily dominated couple 
theater, which I loved. Like, if you didn't see that movie with, like, a bunch of fucking married my wife, people, yeah. Yeah, it's perfect because, like, I mean, the problem also is, is I never read the book. So oh, I read the book. That was okay, a big, that, that was my that's problem. A, that's a big problem. I didn't know any of the twists that were coming, so I got played like a motherfucker. Okay. Yeah. One thing, I, so I couldn't prejudge what was happening. That explains it. And, mm-hmm. and, and I also know that people were disappointed by how kind of soft he, the, uh, the, the movie went on Ben Affleck's character, but it's not about being soft. The, mo- the movie, in my opinion, from what I've read, ret- I haven't read the entire book. I read a bunch of it, but I couldn't stomach it after a while because I just, I just, I, I don't know, when something is too extreme feminist, it bothers me because that's not feminism anymore. It's kind of getting back. It's, kind of, you know, to yeah, me. it's like reverse racism. It's like, exactly. weird. yeah. And, and Fincher is actually quite a feminist. I mean, dude, dragon tattoo. You kidding me? Yeah, like this guy yeah. loves fucking girls and he thinks they're fucking badasses. But I think what he did, that was I love also alien too, you know? So yeah, yeah totally, man. Yeah. He's, he's a, I just he's love pro him. Woman, I, yeah. people think he's like a bad person, but he's just, he just doesn't have to explain himself, which is what I love. But one thing about what that movie did is it's a horror movie for couples. It's about, it's a horror <laughs> movie about like, you know, relationships and once again i do like the opening scene oh yeah that's great yeah Yeah. i love the opening scene i love also the fact that the mpa gave him shit for that fucking ejaculating fucking throat slice if you guys haven't seen it sorry (laughs) but uh, when he's like coming and she slices his throat they had a huge problem with it really but love that they fucking owned it with those fade to blacks you know and i was like oh and i I just i'm like man you are so like what i love is that you can even when you're bored and i know you're bored fincher i know you're super bored and this movie's a total like boredom movie it's a money movie (laughs) it's a kind of like whatever if you're gonna let me masturbate here's what i'm gonna do but he still respects what he does he still respects the process he still respects the action Actors, and it's like, come on, dude, Tyler Perry, I'm sure you fucking hate that guy. And that guy fucking hates you once he found out who the fuck Fincher was. But, like, <laughs> it was so genius to cast him. He hates fucking Ben Affleck. He even talks about it in the commentary. He fucking thinks he's the most unprofessional piece of shit ever. But that's why he casted Ben Affleck. He's just... He's so, even though, like, if you tell in a studio exec, like, these things that you agree with, they're not going to want to work with you because I'm not David Fincher and neither are you, so we should never talk about that shit. (laughs) Like, that's something that I love about him because he is still for the filmmaker by the filmmaker. And I think that's true. As much as you can give him shit. I I can. I can give him shit. I've I've never been in his shoes. I don't know him. Um, He's accomplished way more than I even come close to. That's one thing I think is really interesting about people being relevant about what they're saying out in the social space. I think it's good to have an opinion, but you should be cautious of what you're putting out there because I hear, I see a lot of people going like, well, George Lucas sucks and stuff. And I think to myself like, like, or not even George Lucas, but just everybody. I just, I think to myself like, um, I, I, I could definitely say the same thing if I wanted to, which I'm not saying now, but I would say that be cautious of who you're judging because they are possibly light years ahead of you. And whether you're attacking them out of your own insecurity should show a sign of your own lack of, of emotional competence. You know, and I think that's very important, you know, when you're criticizing somebody because it's like people are so quick to judge. And we all are. And my himself, we both did it. We've done it in this whole thing, this conversation. But one thing I'm always trying to be relative with. And actually, I learned a lesson from you when you told me that lesson about your your uncle, I think he was saying about. And it was about the thing where you were saying, I think it was even when I was giving you shit about the Fast 7. I was like, I would never watch that. Why are you watching that? And then you were like, you, um, I forget. What did your uncle say? It was like the, it was a, the best line, though. I always forget what? it, but I remember. What did uncle say? No, he oh, said like, you know, like, um, so it's annoying when people, oh, yeah, you think yeah, you know yeah. everything. When, 
Yeah. 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 Uh, um, uh, shit. Let me let me think about it. It's it's the way you word it, but it's like uh, that's another thing. Hey, that's got subtext too. That's why that line works. But um, it's uh, it's um, those who think they know everything annoy those of us who actually do. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And you texted yeah. it to me, and I saved it. I was like, "This is great." <laughs> yeah. Well, because it, well, the thing is, and look, I, I guess I, I guess the most I haven't really talked shit about anybody except Ridley, but uh, and maybe a little bit of Nolan. But look, those guys, you have to realize, boss mode. Those guys have actually no, only one of them. Ridley has two films in my top twenty. So fuck anybody who thinks I'm making fun of him because he is one of the most influential filmmakers of our time. But I'm also just disappointed. He's like a dad that left me. That's kind of <laughs> how I feel about Ridley. Is because like, you know, and here's here's something Tarantino once said is that he stopped wanting to meet idols because what it did to him uh, is that it made him realize that it kind of affected what he imagined them to be. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so he doesn't let that ever affect him. He's created a bubble where he sort of allows whoever. And that's why we like dead people. That's why we yeah. love to talk about. I like talking about Lumet. I like talking about Bowie. Sure. Because he's dead, you know, and I'm not going to ever meet them and they can never tarnish. You it's know, romantic. Yeah. You know, but it's like yeah. when, you know, it's like I've had chances to meet some filmmakers. I've had like two words exchange with David Fincher. Luckily, that wasn't ruined. He was still fucking sharp and witty and He's slightly condescending. No, it wasn't a fuck you, but it was a very witty, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Okay, cool. Thanks. Bye. Um, But like, it was still like, a oh, man, he was so like, you know, it's like it reminds you like what you want to be a little bit and and how how sharp, how quick and how fast you need to be to survive and also make your art. It's all different, though, because you can definitely have guys, you know, like, um, ah, why am I drawing a blank right now? Um, Madman? No, just kidding. No, no fucking Madman. <laughs> no, freaking Tree of Life director. Oh, Terrence Malick. Malick. He goes on a different. He's on a different. That's one thing I've realized about directors too is that there's no there's no formula. There isn't really. It's what you want to do with what you want. Like you know, shit. Like Caruth basically compared to. Like we talked about earlier, it's, it's, it's more or less, I think the person, you know, cause like when I, when, cause I, I used to think the same thing when I would, what I would do is I'll self-reflect against my heroes and go like, Oh shit. Like I'm definitely not as charismatic as this guy. Like I better fucking sharpen my charismatic game or, Oh shit. Like I'm not good at understanding lenses. I better sharpen that. And of course that insecurity should fuel you to develop yourself to be better. But one thing I've realized is that you should pave your own path path because that's going to make you a legend. That's going to make you an icon. That's going to make you your own self. Even if you only have, you know, like one person likes your stuff, it is what it is, you know, but I think it's also very important. And to go back to your, your subject on like meeting your heroes, absolutely agree. Um, I've, I mean, I've been very blessed. I've met, met a people, a couple people that I really admire. I've got to work with Neil deGrasse Tyson and he was just as cool, if not cooler in person. And then I just recently met Maynard James Keenan. You know who that is? No, who's that? He's the singer of Tool. Oh, nice. And that's, <laughs> it was awesome. He's just as like sharp and witty and like just crisp and smashing as I would have imagined him to be. And he was, I wasn't really expecting much other than just meeting another human being. And it was really quite interesting. And he has a documentary I would recommend everybody watch. Um, and this is, um, 
it's called iron or, um, blood into wine. It's a documentary about him finding, um, his next love in life basically, which is, um, creating a vineyard in, 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 um, Arizona. And there's some things that he says in there that are absolutely like spot on and brilliant because he articulates all these people's opinions of him because he's had like a lot of difficulties because people think that he's like, you know, fucking around, not making tool albums. They want more tool albums and fans. All they want is to, for you to feed that need, you know? And he's like, fuck you. I'm a human being. I'm a creative. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a person that has a soul and I want to do this right now. And he articulated it so perfectly. And after watching that and after meeting him, I have a very high respect for him because for me in my perspective, in my eyes, he, that guy is a real true artist and I think the reason why I consider him to be a true artist is because he doesn't compromise his own self to do whatever anybody else wants to do. He follows his own passion. And I feel like for me, that's a very important thing that a lot of people miss. But it's interesting because our conversation has been about compromise. If you, if you notice that a lot of it's been about compromise and it's about where you are in your career and also figuring out your own path, you know, which is very interesting. And part of the compromise is part of the growth, you know, so it's like everybody has a different path. I think that's the general theme of it all, you know. So, and I think I think a lot of it is also like you know I don't know if you're a huge Bruce Lee fan. I am. Oh it's yeah, Bruce, dude. Bruce I talk Lee. about. I put him in my 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 when I do talks. I always put Bruce Lee in there because I love the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, totally. I mean, well, he's a great person. We what, what an example of him that I find is sometimes it's like what, okay, so like I don't. I, even though I, I study the hell out of directors, when I read books, I actually only read bios. I'm like a bio guy. Mm-hmm. I love biographies yeah. because I like people and I like people who are not in film because I, I want to get a kind of a general human like influence kind of takeaway because I think film tends to have a kind of, I also don't want to get sick of film. I want, I want to come back to it excited. So I like leaving it. Yeah. And so Bruce Lee has is philosophically. I actually believe it. Believe it or not, I have not read any bios on him. But I'm oh yeah, the read the one Warrior have, Within. It's a one yeah, of that's, books. One I, that's the one I got lined up. But beautiful. Uh, yeah. It's but one thing that I, I've watched a, like so many interviews. That guy is just you can get you can spend like 10, 10 days straight if you can get all these interviews and just get them unedited. And he talks. Like he actually talks very little and every time he does, every word is so fucking just like boom, 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 boom. Like like he could have said something with 20 words, but he said it in five and that's 10 times more meaningful because he said that. But it's like so the one thing I always say is you got to like you got to Bruce Lee fucking Aikido that shit. You have to kind <laughs> of almost find a way to use the, you know, he says flow like water. What that means is like he's restricted. So what, what he can do, though, is water is fucking, you know, it can fucking jump out of the it can fucking jump out of the cup. It can fucking move around and be fluid and though he might be talking about his style if you want to interpret it that way he's also talking about flexibility he's also talking about be you know kind of like you know water can come out of the fucking you know out of the jar you know it's not stuck you know and i think that that to me i uh when you think of compromise sometimes it sounds bad you know uh and i think sometimes people and and being rigid is also bad those are extremes i think the way to look at it is it's just you got to be realistic about situations as much as you can be romantic about them and i think that i have as much as i speak i'm like i'm more realistic i'm actually much more romantic and so when I speak, I'm careful about being overly romantic because I don't want to sort of like poison people 
to think that they can just do whatever the hell they want. But I also don't want to be negative. And you, it's kind of like it's fun. I think the reason I, I enjoy talking to you so much is because you inspire me a lot to sort of like – always be reminded of like why I'm excited by things. Cause sometimes you forget, man, like I, yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm in a business where, you know, it's my easy best, to forget. Yeah. 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 And I'm also in a business where you, you know, uh, I rarely meet other filmmakers that I genuinely have a really strong, like normal human connection with. A lot of them tend to be directors. I have like either nothing in common with, or I just am like super, super in love with their work. Sad. But it's, it's, it's hard because a lot of it is just, you know, I'm also in a medium videos, music videos that I've been in part of for a very long time where I, I'm not in creative agreement with a lot of those individuals because I, 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 I kind of am trying to make the format different than what it is. And that's kind of, you know, naturally always been like if you were to dock at least a point or two from my work as a music video create, you know, a critic or something, it's because I don't really make videos. And I've learned to sort of as I've as I've gone on, I've, I've become more confident and sort of have half cared where I'm just a lot more like. You know, with the way Fincher makes Gone Girl, I'm sort of learning with videos. I'm just kind of, you know, making like with Basement Jacks. You, you know, you said it best. Like I, I was having fun with the medium, and there's clearly takeaways. There's clearly stuff to dive into, but it's also like uh, twerking robot shit. Japanese are crazy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, and, and that's kind of that's kind of you know a couple of videos that I'm pitching on now. They're all really like one video I'm working on now. I, I won't say for what artist. It's literally a montage of people crying about dropping their phones, and it's just super <laughs> simple and stupid, but fucking funny. And it's just people going no, and like phone reaction. People like you know tormenting their family because they brought the broke their phone. Get away from me! You know. <laughs> like it's it's super it's funny when you show that to people like you know the artist is like a 20 year old like genius but he's just a fucking 20 year old so i'm like shit i don't have enough tits and ass they're not <laughs> and he just died laughing and i was like this is fun like i'm at a comfortable place where i've done enough stuff that i can make something kind of stupid like this and i'm gonna shoot it all serious and dramatic but that's what's gonna be funny about it you know <laughs> that's all it is it's it's bullshit you know it's a bullshit artist you well, know? this is like a fun thing for you too and i think that's again it's really important to have that variety and yes. when you play and i think it's important too one thing you i have, want to go ahead sorry you've, sorry you've done enough of this you know of of, of your uh, you know in, in your sort of like first line of work you've done enough of that where i'm sure you're excited to work on things where you're like eh, like I've done this, but I'm going to do it now this way. And you're less precious about it. You're less kind of, you know, you have less weird confinements that you might have had or sandbox situations than you had before. You know, like you're almost like more comfortable in your skin, even though you've always been. It's just this kind of like there's other things that you've been excited by that you've grown up to like or that you've grown to expand upon. So when you return to things you always do, you sometimes find yourself better in certain ways just because now you're like that's not all i do motherfucker so fine let's do it <laughs> yeah i think comfort's actually a bad thing um i think well i mean comfort's great when you're trying to do things like sleep um and and other physicalities but i think when you're actually making um unique work i think comfort is is disguised and it's and it, and it, and it, and it does bad things um and the reason why i think it does is because complacency breeds just poor driven decisions. I think when it comes to making, um, art that is there for like pushed, like it's pushing the, the boundaries or making you making something iconic. And one of the, 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 the interesting career things that happened to me personally, and my career is very new and a very, very, very 
I'm very um, green, basically. I haven't done much of the stuff that I'm planning to do. Um, but one of the things is I was getting very pigeonholed in my career. Like, oh, you're the UI guy. Like, let's have this guy do it. And I'm like, man, I did, I never really planned for this. This was the thing I just like, I, I just threw myself at it. And it turned out that by throwing myself at this, I could really figure out a ma- way of making a living out of it. So then Anthony and I were like, we got the opportunity to, to do the off thing like and I was like let's go and break all the rules and just go make a short film and we did and it was so um it was it was a weird shocking uh, awakening for me as I remember the disc like displeasure and the dis not disgust but like the the unrest that the audience had from watching that I think people for the most part, the, the consensus and the crowd that I gathered, it could have been my insecurities that are pushing onto it. But everybody was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I thought I was going to see like glitch dubstep, like UI porn everywhere. I think that's what they were expecting. And I gave them this really weird, abstract, personal journey um, that Anthony and I made. And it was, it was, Anthony said it perfectly after that, because I was kind of trying to process it all. I was like, whoa, this is really quite weird. Um because it was like a like a like a, a failure. Like, that's what I felt like a failure. Not to me. I internally, I was very happy and proud with it. And Anthony and I were very. I still love that thing. It's very special and, and dear to me because it was great memories. Um, and it's a very personal film. But I think the experience of being there on that stage and all that stuff. It was really quite shocking. He said, you know, when Bob Dylan was first started out, he got really quite popular from playing guitar and doing these folk songs, and then. Uh, he started introducing the like variety to his work and people booed him off the stage. He started bringing in drums and other things and other instruments and all right, this sucks, you know, get out of here. Um, then eventually life, you know, he evolved and, and the world evolved around him and they, they, they brought him under his wing and then he eventually carried on. Moral of the story is, is like, it was tough and, but taking the risk was worth it because, um, I was, again, I was getting pigeonholed and I didn't want to be pigeonholed, you know, and I want to try different things, you know, and I, I think when you're making work and you're challenged by the act of making it, then you're in a good place because you're going to find something unique and you never know what you're going to fall in love with next. You really don't. And I think it's important to do that. You know, I, again, I also quite acknowledge and appreciate people that are geniuses and they follow that one path like Jiro from Jiro Dreams of Sushi or, um, you know, Geiger, for example, like having that one style, I, I admire that. I just couldn't be that person. You know, I think you, we, like you said, we, we admire those that we can't be, but we appreciate, you know? So, yeah. I mean, I, I have, uh, that's something I, I mean, I, uh, I have like, there's a whole sort of like conversation of that, but I have, um, something that I find really tough and I get, uh, a little insecure about, I think to this day, I'm still sort of haven't really come to terms with it, even though I can tell myself I have, is that I've found quite a, um, I have quite found it quite hard. Uh, it's starting to pick up now. So I'm a lot more confident, but like when we were talking, I don't think I brought it up because I still think I was a little bit shy about it. But one thing that I think a lot of my peers do and this is something about Geiger and what you were saying where they do kind of one thing and it's not that they repeat themselves like I would never say that because I don't think Wes Anderson thinks he's repeating himself he's just so specific but if you I'm such a you know Wes a file that I see his upgrades in every film but most people who enjoy it on a broad level they don't see that and so it's just like yeah, he's the same fucking shit man and I'm like no it's not motherfucker I'll punch you you know and uh, and but I think for me 
I can't do that. It's not genuine. I, I, I have to be a gen- you. I have I can point the projects that I've made that are less genuine or or more like eh, I'm angry. Here we go. Uh, and then and it it shows versus a purely sort of like coming from a good place emotion, even if it's dark or not. Hit TV is very dark. It's very I, I I never intended it to be this dark. Um, and some people have called me grim. They've said grim or they text me saying brutal, and I'm like, what is all this shit, mom? <laughs> Mom, you know what I mean. He called me brutal. Uh, you know, it was me, I think. Yeah. No, <laughs> uh, you said uh, no. I still remember. I want. I hate it, and I love it. And I was like, I don't know what that means. Don't tell me what that means. I don't want you to say you hate it. But uh, basically, like, I think that um, I have never come to like uh, gotten okay or ever been okay with repeating myself. Yeah. Because I I don't believe in that. I think I'm cl- like I think the filmmakers that I agree with on on like a like. Uh, on a sort of like legacy level is and not I'm saying I'm like agree with is it I would say more like Fincher or you know Kubrick but more so even closer to maybe even Danny Boyle or Soderbergh where they are clearly trying to experiment I don't think I'd be as sort of like uh, optimistic as those two I mean one Soderbergh didn't give a fuck he just went and did it and I think half his movies suck because he doesn't he doesn't even care if they suck. But I think that Danny Boyle, you know, he fails in a lot of his interviews. He says, like, I'm, mm. I'm totally OK with it because all my good movies wouldn't exist if I hadn't had my failures. Yeah. So he's very humble. It, yeah, he's very humble. And I'm, and I'm a little I'm a little distro- like heartbroken about the Steve Jobs movie, even though I think it was a foolish movie to be made. Yeah, I think it shouldn't. It, it's, too, it's it happened too late. So no one gave a shit. And it's too early to like resurrect it. Yeah, so it was just bad totally timing. Useless. And yeah, and the soundtrack by Pemberton was amazing, who, by yeah, the way, also great. the soundtrack for, uh, you know, uh, Man from Uncle, which also has a pretty terrific soundtrack, even though I don't like that movie. Um, uh, but um, anyways, regardless, like Danny Boyle and then they don't repeat themselves. I think they have their isms. But what I've learned over time is that I've done so many of different things that I'm starting to have overlap. Like, for example, Hit TV tonally has overlap with Vitalik. They're kind of noiry, they're dark, they're twisted, and they've got a little sense of humor. But as I'm repeating certain layers, now people come to me sometimes wanting, hey, can you do uh, kind of sci-fi controller slash basement jacks, whatever, Asian shit? Or can you do more of this kind of dark, twisted, kind of fucked up? humor you know bright color shit you know and people are starting to recognize patterns which now i'm like it's picking up with commercials because now because commercials they want to go they want to say hey saman is on aisle seven row 14 between (laughs) and uh, and the and the the fucking off brand and i'm like but my but when they say where's saman oh he's on aisle eight 17 and four what the fuck Tell me which fucking aisle he's on. Well, he's four different products. Um, no, I don't want that. Next guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so now that I've mastered, no, not, and I've mastered, sorry. Uh, sorry, I take that back. I didn't master the wrong word. But now that I've sort of dabbled and have gotten a little bit more comfortable with different vibes, people can curate, like for Taco Bell. Uh, people curated my, like, you know, certain videos of mine that were kind of of certain, like, positivity because I have a lot of dark shit, you know? And, and, and I find that, uh, whenever I go on road trips or when I do something really inspirational and I go read a book that's so not me, I come back with a little bit of this like cosmic love, you know, and happiness. And I go and make something that's super happy, but then I get into this sort of like darkness mode and, and I can do something dark. And that could be controller, which is like kind of the more romantic, sad, weepy 
dark and then there's more like brooding in my own sort of cave kind of darkness you know yeah. um and 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 some and that's kind of it, it kind of i'm kind of going on a tangent with what you said but that's something very something that i'm i'm i'm, I'm doing this skillshare uh where i'm just kind of t- uh you know talking about how to do a treatment and making sure you kind of help develop your own voice but one thing that i sort of am talking about is kind of like kind of learning your own brand uh, your own identity and i think that because you're you say you say you're very green to this because you kind of even though that ui stuff isn't really what you consider yourself to be you had to do you have to learn a lot of things to be doing it and you've learned self-actualized yourself in many ways and you have very quick instincts where uh and you're mature you're of an age you know you're a father you're a husband so like there's a lot of like maturity in your soul that i think allows you to kind of just be like life's too short um where, that i don't have i actually in uh, there's a quote by fucking um uh, uh, uh einstein where he says you know uh, life's like riding a bicycle if you want to stay balanced you got to just keep moving you know mm-hmm. um and he doesn't even say just keep moving he says keep moving you know, and that's really what it is. Like you, like with a moment, you say, "Hey, where should I go?" You just fucking get out of your house, get in the fucking car, and drive. Then think about where you're gonna go. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, just go, just do it, just do, do, do. You know, just do, do, do. Just enable, and that's been my mantra this year: is on the business side to enable, to just go and enable, just enable. Even if I'm pissed by these fucking notes of these people who I think are way less intelligent than me, <laughs> don't enable this situation. Not let's fight them. How do I enable this situation? What sure. can I? to better the situation because you know one thing JJ does that we can all learn from is he's a motherfucking enabler. He's officially the guy that any project, even even Nolan can have projects die, which he does, which happens to him. Yeah. JJ will never have a project die because he is officially an enabler. Yeah. He enables situations. Now, the problem is is that you, you know enabling also is, is a sort of opposite spectrum to not compromising or holding your ground, but he doesn't that's not his jam. Like his jam is he actually cares about what everyone thinks and that's why he is probably one of the best living entertainers. I think why I miss Spielberg is because I sense a style with Spielberg and he was a director first, producer second. J.J. is clearly a producer, writer first, a filmmaker secondary. Hmm. And I think that he knows how to make it. I mean, I want, I'm curious. Like when I watched Star Wars, I was not offended by him as much as I was by the machine. I think yeah, he, of course. he was making, and I don't think he'll ever touch another Star Wars. And that's why I knew, okay, he's really setting a baseline because I know he knows other people. He needs to kind of go both ways. So like in the middle so that people can go the opposite, opposite fa- super family way. And then there's going to be the opposite darker way, you know, but I think he's got to set a baseline. So I respect that. My problem is, is I was more offended by people. And people and people not being hard on the movie and people yeah, just seeing it up because it's a fucking bonerific universe. Yeah. And I'm just like, I can't have it. I can't have it, man. It's like when people watch uh, Arrested Development, the reboot on Netflix. Dude, that thing sucks, man. That <laughs> thing sucks. And I don't care what people say. There's two really good episodes. And the, the good episodes are the ones where they have all the characters in, 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 in the same episode. But the show doesn't work. It's masturbatory. It's, it's, it's so like we're all really good and we know what we're doing because we, we, we thought we knew what we were doing before. But no, you guys weren't confident when you made the first three. You just kind of went and that was what was awesome about it. Now you're too confident and you're above your shit that you got this 
sucks now. We don't, I don't care anymore. It's not clean and you're like way too smart for your own good. But like that's an example of like my brother and a lot of people – I guess I'm talking shit about my brother. I love my brother to death and he, <laughs> by the way, is a huge – he's eight years older than me. He's responsible for like a lot of my tastes. So I love him. But I will talk shit about him right now, which is he loves that fucking show and he goes to town. He'll go to his grave saying that the fucking Netflix show is dope. you know. And I'm like, nope, it sucks. <laughs> I think you have to be hard on the material. Otherwise, those yeah. people – learn like critics like roger ebert which i learned later on in life and you know rest in peace i i really wish it was a dream of mine to have him review something of mine um but he was one he's one of the last living like critic legends he was a supporter of film and that guy would show up to editing rooms of directors that he thought that he learned was having trouble cutting a film like that's fucking awesome man he he went ate a fucking movie and literally wrote his own review and bashed his own movie yeah, and said it's fucking hard. I'm like, dude, I it is love fucking it. hard. Yeah, you, want to cry, you know, like that's fucking cool, dude. Well, critic it, is as an easy job, you know, like it's a easy, but it's an important job if it's done right with the yes. right context. Yeah. And you, have you seen his show that he did with Ebert, where they like review directors? Like, no. dude, like we need that back again. I know that you know that's where you come in. That's where uh, Brady Snellis's podcast comes in. The guy that did a uh, twenty uh, Cloverfield uh, ten Cloverfield Lane. That that's what he got. How he you know sort of got obsessed with sort of films is his little podcast thing he did. I never met the guy, but that's kind of what I read about him. I could be totally wrong. You know, probably call me and just be like, "You fucking wrong. You saying wrong <laughs> shit." But, but from what I learned from what my agent tells me and all these people is that he you know he sort of like reviews and critics films. You know, uh, directors like, you know, sort of like where they're at. And like, I literally go watch the Pulp Fiction extras, and there's a whole 20 minute segment about Tarantino. Sorry, it comes, it, it's, it's at, when Jackie Brown was about to come out. And they, ta- or no, no, it's Pulp Fiction. And they talk about, like, it's like six months or a few months after Pulp Fiction. I think when it came out on DVD and it, or rental tape, you know, and they talk, they review him. They say, what's he like now? And they would review the director and like, and they would look at the camera and say, Tarantino, if we were to say what I think you should focus on, like, I'm like, dude, even though that's like, fuck these guys for even doing that. It's also like, dude, I, I, when is like, what? I want this back right now. You know, like, like, this is so cool that these two dudes are here and they're like kind of objective meters. It's like two dudes. They half the time agree. Most of the time they don't. You know, you know, uh, Siskel was always kind of like uh, he's like Pat Peter Travers from like Rolling Stones, kind of soft and agreeable, you know, and a little bit like easy and then like hates really like he would probably hate Snowtown Murders. You know what I mean? How but dare like, he? Ebert, yeah, Ebert <laughs> would totally be like bonerific, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he might give it like a, a point, half a point off or something, but he would probably still give it. I, I think he'd probably actually give it four stars. But like. I just love that love. That doesn't yeah. exist anymore. And I think it's an now, interesting love. It's a constructive love if it's coming from the right place, you know. Yeah, and I yeah. think like I would hope I would demand or not demand, that's rude, but I would hope and expect that like, you know, in 2 years when we're both cutting our movies, we come into each other's editing rooms and like scream each other to cut out shit, you know, and just push each other really hard because we <laughs> care. It's not like I'm trying to hijack your movie and you're not trying to hijack my movie because we're totally different beasts, but we both love each other and are also have to trust each other, you know? Yeah. And that's something that I find like, and you feedback, know, it's interesting. When you hear about 
like the you, I don't know if you're a fan of Inuritu or Kiron or um, um, Del Toro, but all three of them fucking were hard on each other, man. In like the 2000 era, like Kiron and it would show up, you know, to Inuritu's house when he was cutting Amoris Peros, and Del Toro would show up, and Del Toro would just sit there and go, "I'm not leaving until you cut fucking hour out of your movie." He's like, "Fuck you, get out of my fucking house, bitch!" You know, and, and they would fucking just yell at each other, and then eventually, you know, they would leave, and then he would cut out an hour, you know, and he was suddenly good. And Inuritu's like he's like that man. I mean, if you watch Beautiful, it's another example of like the guy didn't really have any sort of control of himself, and so that's why I think Birdman or these other movies where there's a more of a responsibility of him to deliver, he does a better job. I think you know, or Beautiful, there was no response. It was a pure fuck you to the previous writer that they got into a huge fight. A palate cleanse movie. You know, I think his papa passed away. Someone passed away in his family. I think too. Uh, and you know it was a father son story you know it was just a very sort of just getting it out of my system film even though that movie's brilliant this has got a lot of like shit that you, you can you know learn I'm sure when I become a dad I'll probably enjoy that movie more but like I, and I'm talking I'm like kind of ranting a little bit much but mm-hmm. you inspire like just sort of your thought about looking at other people and like the sort of like people like you know you're talking about Geiger yeah man I do wish I was just like that I wish I was sort of that that kind of one stop genius brain like I have a friend A.G. Rojas who's a couple years younger than me and that motherfucker is awesome his shit's really good and anything he touches is awesome but he's very specific his shit is his shit it looks like like if he dies his whole body of work commercials or not would kind of feel like it's the same universe and he's very like intellectualized about it as well but he's one of the few people where he his intellectualism is always kept to himself and he, and he and he emotes a lot more versus intellectualizing. And I, I'm just I, I'm very impressed. As much as I think people want to hate on his stuff, like peers, like he, he's really fucking good. But he is like that Geiger brain where it's like you, it's clearly like that sort of genius one stop shop. Like he just got he's just got it. And I'm sure he's got his own ways of developing and getting better. But it's definitely not like the way you and I are going to just go make all different types of stuff. Yeah, I think it's important to have those things. Anthony and I talk about that a lot too. We'll go off and make our own films uh, eventually, and then, but then the films that we make together will probably be some of our favorites because of the variety in which we both bring to the table, and also understanding and complementing one another. Because like, I, there's like a I've been writing a film off and on for a while now. Um, I haven't come back to it, but it's definitely something that's in my own head, and it's re- really quite weird. Is it but just it's no, it's a different one. Yeah, it's like um, I, it's it's. I'd have to tell you about it off the podcast because okay. I want to I want to save it for it's like a gem. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's interesting, and then also like you know the dynamics of combining talent and, and abilities, and then feeding off one another too. It's weird though. Like I'm very interested. I guess it's it's interesting to hear your perspective on these things because I'm very much I, I kind of lock it in, and I have a lot of friends like show me the Lost Boy stuff, show me this stuff, and I don't. Because um, I love the first impact so much. I'm addicted to that first impact. I can never get that first impression ever again. It's fresh eyes. It's so important, you know. And I have a couple. I have a, a group of my really close friends I've known for a very long time. And they we come over. We have movie nights. And we cook. And we hang out. It's awesome. And, um, and I've been showing them the process just so they can see it. Because I think... It's so interesting from their eyes because they're not nearly as saturated in this ever and at all. And they go like their their takeaway from this is like, holy shit, like 
this stuff takes a lot of work. And I'm like, yeah, it takes a ton of work. So when you quickly bash or judge something, it's like, be cautious because of the amount of work it takes to make that not, not, not to value it based on work, but at least to be aware of it, cognizant of it, you know, that there is a lot that goes into why a film either works or doesn't. And a lot of times, even people like ourselves, complete fanatics and lovers of the medium, we still don't know because we are still trying to search for it ourselves. We might think we know, but when you're on set and you're dealing with everything in the world, throwing itself against you, you're really not aware of just how complex it actually is until you're actually doing it, which goes back to your talk about like, just go and do it. Like you just have to go and do it. You have to experience it. You have to throw yourself into risk, into fire because it's important and you have to, you know, if that's your destination, you need to do it. So, yeah. Yeah. No. And I think, and I think that that's something, you know, I think you're very, I I mean, that's not even a, that's not even, it's weird. We kind of, I love how we kind of are almost talking to each other, but it's sort of like this, like going into the ethos of like all, however many listeners are listening to this, but it's you, there's not a problem. Like that's, you don't even have, like you don't have a problem with that. It's very clear to me that you are able to just do and go and be inspired. I, 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 even, I don't even think you're human because I feel like you don't sleep or something, but I, <laughs> I you know, like that, that, that's something that like, I'm, I, I'm kind of like my mom. I'm very like, in, like as much as like w- my mom's very entertaining as well, but we're both like, you'll, you'll catch me like just sitting and staring at a wall. Like if you ever were to see me, like if you were a ghost, if you could be a ghost and just like come into my room besides like, you know, don't do that. Cause you might see me naked and that'd be weird. But like, <laughs> like if you were a ghost and you could come in cinematically and find the most interesting point, I'm probably just like looking at a wall or like looking at my ceiling and just like kind of wasting time for 30 minutes thinking too much. And so sometimes it helps because in that weirdness, I get a emotional like sometimes i'll like pop on my favorite c rose album and just like cry you know and i just like it i'm like i want this feeling now because i'm kind of cold right now i'm a little too cold like when hit tv when i was working on hit tv i i uh i had to channel so much like sociopathy and like psychopathy and shit you know that i i just uh i had to feel emotions sometimes because sure. i got we got really good at it. You, know? well, you have to go into that. When I was writing this film I was talking about, it was actually kind of detrimental to me socially because it was the subject matter is quite heavy. And when you write, at least for me, you have to live that experience in order to pull that out from the universe and to give it back to whatever it is that you're building. Right. And, um, I think it's really quite important to be like that. That's a, that's the system you have to, you have to have those moments. I think, you know, those moments of, staring at the ceiling or having those silent moments to yourself or wherever you get them from life, I think it's quite important, you know? Um, but yeah, definitely my life is quite different. It's weird. And like, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. So it's all the challenges though. And it's quite interesting, man. We, we better wrap this baby up. This is probably the world record right here. This one, we can how, go on for it. How, how long do you got? How we, long do you have? We, I think we've hit, Three and a half hours. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was actually looking at your other ones because I thought ours was long, which is two hours. Yeah. And yeah. there was one of yours that would tap almost four. That's crazy. That's yeah, crazy. I'm like, how do you have that? I mean, I'm, these but, poor people. But, <laughs> but, but you see how fast and how easy it is because I actually told myself all the new episodes have to be within an hour to an hour and a half because yeah, and listener it's too, fatigue. It's too, it's, too hard, it's too hard to chop any of this stuff out. No, you know? it isn't. And, this is too... <laughs> And also, it's just like, you don't have time. I know you don't have time to go through this and all the, edit all this stuff. You no, know? But, I mean, even but, Andrew wouldn't do it either. But, and at the same time, I think it's quite relevant. But, I mean, you can't blame us for doing this because we're having a lot of fun hanging out and talking. This is as if we are in a room. Like, this is, I think, the, the, the beauty. And, like, that's the complaint that people have about the podcast. They're too long or whatever. Like, 
then fuck off. Go listen to something else. Like, honestly, like, you, well, I think, I think honestly, like, well, look, I, I can't speak for anybody, but I think people that say that are either like, quick, give me some fast information so I can absorb. No, that's the problem with our fucking world right now. Shut up fast. Okay. <laughs> the fuckers. That's not, that's not how you're going to become artists. That's not how you're going to absorb. I think what's interesting about this is like, nope. Anyone that listens to us all the way through, whoa, troopers, okay? Tro- but yeah, troopers. I think yeah. The, yeah, I think the way people will probably absorb this is like very in like bite, like bite-sized chunks. But what's fun about it is they'll come back to friends. Like on hour three, which is their probably like sixth time turning on the podcast. <laughs> and uh, you know, actually, I'm curious. Can people outside of SoundCloud get this? Like, is it on iTunes and shit? Yeah, too? it's on. We have it on iTunes. Um, it's on our website and it's on SoundCloud. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, because that's that's. I think that's definitely the jam. That's because like when I listen to Radio Lab, like I can't sometimes listen to the whole hours. So I come no. and when I, but when I come back, I go, oh yeah, it's this. I'm excited. Yeah. You know, it's fun actually. So I don't really know what these other people are smoking, but <laughs> not everybody. Some people absolutely adore them, and they. And it's, it's it's a polar thing. Like one time, sometimes I'll be I'll do like a 45 minute or a 60 minute, and they're like, not enough, and sometimes i'll do like uh, and, and you know honestly i can't cut these off because i'm just having fun and i'm talking with my friend and we're having good times and that's really that's what i have to remind myself of this is it's 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 my show in which i bring my friends on or people i admire and i just talk sincerely with them and it's uh, there's there a moment where i kind of fell out of love with the podcast because i was i felt like i was doing it for other people um, audience members and stuff. And you know what? It's like, fuck you guys. <laughs> not, not, the, not the cool yeah. ones. You guys we rock. But the people that are, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, <laughs> it has to be a selfish endeavor. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be selfish with this, with this, you know, and you guys are going to be along with me on this selfish journey and we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, I'm a very busy person. I have plenty of things I could do, but I'm really enjoying and I have a lot of fun doing this. So it's like, I think, I think, I think, look, I think to be honest, like in, in the sort of like, crowd pleasing part of me, um, which I pretend to hide, but I like really enjoy it. Um, is people are, there are plenty of people for whatever, like one person out of 10 has issues with it, or maybe it's three out of 10. Fuck. I don't know. But I would say one out of 10, like people, like nine other people are, you know, enjoying it, you know, and five of the people are loving it. And so I think it's just, well, I would say, let's do this. Why don't we, what, so what was our theme? You thought our theme was compromise. I think so. Yeah. I think you're, I think it's been since our last call, like our last podcast, I would say. What was that last podcast about? The last podcast was more or less about our love of the things that we do. That's what I remember to be, but it could be completely different to you or a listener. That's a little crash coursey. I think this one has like a sort of like reality a reality half reality check kind of thing going on well it was, it was supposed to be about hit tv and then we went all crazy because we're add and we spazzy so oh um, man actually this is pretty terrible with hit, hit tv is there any really quick questions you want you want to ask for that i'll answer them in like two seconds um let's look at I, I when i usually make a little list here um i think i asked them all cleverly I- throughout the whole thing i've gotten a lot of my main questions out so now we're good unless you want to answer any of the or like i mean it's it's definitely uh well it's funny because i'm 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 also removed like i'm removing myself from it like i i have this i have this sad withdrawal process people are kind of weirded out some people find it like very normal some people are very weirded out i have like a slight nihilism towards my own work when it's done and it's it's bad i've gotten better at sort of like like because I, I'm not actually really good at presenting my material on social media because I, 
one, I'm sort of like, oh, I don't want to like brag. I hate when people talk too much about their shit. I get nervous and shy. But I've learned that there's people actually respect being proud of your work, and it's just really how you present it. So recently, like I've been like, I'm doing a thing where every time, every day, I put out a GIF. And I focus on a particular crew member, or pr- yeah, participant, that, that. and you know, and uh, I, I planned a lot of them, and like, and I was like, let me talk about Jordan because Jordan was like probably the MVP. I love everybody, but Jordan was the MVP because that this guy went back and forth so many times and redid effects because either I wasn't sort of satisfied or I was the still making. Smoke. I mean, yeah, dude. Actually, in that shot, I didn't go su- super far into it, but he actually removed the motherfucker's blinks. I made him remove his blinks because I didn't want him to be human. <laughs> I thought if he blinked, I suddenly felt he was human. Mm. And if he doesn't blink, he feels like a doll and fake and empty. And so I had him remove his blinks, and he was like, "Oh, okay." You know, he would just do it, you know? And I was like, how hard was that? He's like, it was kind of hard. I'm like, oh my God, I love you. Uh, you know, but he's such a trooper, you know? And I think he kind of, he like texted me a million times today. You can tell he just, it made him melt, you know? And that's that, made, that actually was like, oh great. Like I actually didn't sort of, it wasn't actually kind of written for him as much as it was a factoid, even though I want, I wanted to write to other people, look at this guy. But actually I think probably mattered more to him than maybe regular folks listening. But what I find it is, is it's kind of a good way to promote. It's a good way to sort of get people, you know, and also gifts are, such a cool, gifts are such a cool way to just get people to go, whoa, what the fuck? Because, you know, my, our thumbnails and illustration, as much as it's alluring and it's also black and white, which everyone is against to, to put it up because they're like, dude, black and white. No one likes black and white. I'm like, are you kidding me? It's like the like nothing else is black and white. That's why this will stand That's out. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Know? Yeah, but, exactly. But I also realized that uh, the reason people use a screenshot, I ha- like there were plenty of people, I sent them PR packets and they were like, dude, I want fucking more footage. And I was like, what? And I realized, oh, that's probably what people actually really want. So I made a bunch of gifts. And after I made the gifts, I said, oh, I was really like, oh man, look at Alex, Alex, our production designer. Look at his amazing, like, you know, I couldn't believe he brought this stuff to life. That process was crazy because Alex is dude he does shit for lady gaga he's a superstar he's actually a year younger than me and this guy is a rock star and everyone was like oh he's not gonna like you you guys aren't liking you like each other oh he's he can you know he can just sort of like disconnect from the director and and we i found nothing like that at all Hmm. i found always there i found him to be super fucking like he would he like i remember we were casting lips and he was like what about my girlfriend check out her lips and he'd record he'd wake up and record her lips saying the show you know and like <laughs> like he just you know like he was so proactive we were he awesome. was like, i love proactive people like he was yeah i mean he's a rock star and he like i call him the mexican mafia because he has this like, crew where they would just fucking show up and sometimes they'd be like i'm like hey dude i got a pickup I, I think you're working on a commercial are you sure you're gonna make it don't worry about it I said, don't worry about it. I'm like, okay. And then he, I would show up to set and he wasn't there. And it would be like 10 other random people. And they would, but I, they'd all be amazing. That's you know awesome. what I mean? And they were all like family immediately. They were just suddenly like, what's up, Simon? And I was like, this is kind of weird. He's like, what do you want? What do you want? You want a real porno mag? I, I don't know. Can you show porn? I'm like, no, man. He's all, I'm like, what about that magazine? He's all, that actually says Playboy. You think you get sued? Fuck that shit. Put that Playboy there. You're right. You got it, boss. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, just, it was awesome, you know? That's uh, awesome. And it was like that, that, like when I was going through the gifts, I'm like, you know, I, like I gotta, I gotta release this. So like daily, I'm gonna just maybe not on the weekend because I find people are fuckers on the weekend and they don't really absorb anything, you know. But uh, some people actually though, that's not true. I'm learning there's a whole culture of people who uh, are actually a lot more aware of what they absorb on the weekends because work actually distracts them. Yeah. So I've been told by Doug Klinger from Vimeo, believe it or not, 
you know how they say, I'm sure you've read, right? Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesday and Wednesdays. Week, yeah. Mm-hmm. And really, we released Thursday because Creators Project wanted to do that. But we're not, we actually didn't do any really hard PR push. Um, we're not doing that until Monday. Uh, and, and the reason is, is just because nobody really, A, Cinco de Mayo is like, everyone can't wait to go fucking get drunk or just go home. And Friday is just a terrible day because everyone really just wants to go home. Monday's a nice palate cleanse, but everyone's catching, everyone's catching up with just life and work. Tuesday's a good day. Wednesday's my fave because it's a good, like, it's slightly, everyone's a little too chill. So they'll absorb, even though you get like 15% less views. However, Doug Klinger from Vimeo has proven that when you get a staff pick on Saturday morning, you will get double the views of any day of the week. Hmm. Because Vimeo viewers are more purists, they're more cinephiles, and they're more tastemakers. So your first batch of views, and this is what's funny about staff picks, if you look at staff picks, the first, second, third, and fourth day, if it's going to be a viral, are actually the weakest days. Controller went up on a Thursday, it didn't blow up till Tuesday. You know, and and but what it does is it sits kind of at the top over the weekend, and all the tastemakers, all the people that are get that get boners or have RSS feed over all these artistic, really cool shit, and just even studio execs go on and just watch, like queue up all these shorts that everyone were talking about, yeah. And then Monday they have opinions. Same thing with journalists when you show shit on Kotaku or Gawker or any of those places. Well, a lot of times they just ignore, but a lot of times they're just queuing up and then they watch it over the weekend, and then you strike again, and then they're like, oh yeah, remember that thing? it's sad because you're at the mercy of these people but at the same time there's kind of a a beauty about like you know there's a positive thing to post on a thursday you're going to get some things you know if you want a view count you know jay-z and beyonce they're not going to post shit on a thursday or friday you know but they can do that because they can take over the web sure but i some some people that are kind of small they're actually better off doing the thursday or friday because no one would have the balls to release on those days yeah It's interesting. Uh-huh. And I think that that's something that I find kind of fascinating, but that's all new to me. The only reason I'm bringing it up is because I'm, I'm very bad at that stuff. I think you have a, such a good, like I was watching the way you communicate with, you know, your fan base and just people who admire you and are interested in what you say. Like, I'm just like, I can't even like fake being as engaging as you. <laughs> you know, like, what are your, some of your blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't fucking care. There's no way I'd ask that. You, know, you care. You want to hear what people say. And you're going to go, I can tell you go through your comments and say whatever people say and sometimes disregard. I don't even read that. And so I've been like, you know, you inspire me to go through and like my comments and re- reply like re- you know what i just did while we were talking i went on my vimeo because i was like channeling you and i'm like thank you for this comment you know like some person <laughs> was like this reminds me of the warriors and half of the like, I-, I hope that person's not listening but i kind of was like fuck you i didn't even see the warriors when i when i made this but that's fine thank I you said, man the warriors, warriors is awesome but <laughs> i said yeah, yeah yeah but but i said the warriors is awesome uh wink you know yeah i see uh, it and that's it, you know, because, but I'm not going to lie and say, yeah, I was heavily influenced, but I don't want to like dismiss it because he's right. Warriors is super influential, you know? Um, and you know, I don't know if that's, I'm, I'm it's kind of supposed to be a compliment to you, but you know, Thank you. I, that, that <laughs> you have an a, a amazing way of, uh, this podcast has just turned into you by the way, but, uh, uh, this, uh <laughs> yeah, thanks yeah, dude. I, I think uh, I think uh, you have an amazing way of empowering people, and you will realize that that asset, which is something that I have slowly been learning, but I don't think I'll ever be naturally as good at as you. Um, and that's huge. That's something JJ actually definitely has. You know, I think you have you have that, a great balance of being hard on things, but I never find you bitter or negative 
or, you know, I mean, sometimes you're intense, but I also think like you're very good at like who you show that intensity to, you know, yeah, that I I'm don't, sort of yeah, that I can't go out to, that. yeah, you can't do that. Like, yeah, I think that's important. I think screening your intensity is important too and sharing it with the right people. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. How was thank you, though. It's, I mean, I'm curious. How was it when you worked with like Rupert on like Ghost in the Shell? Like, whenever there were conversations where you didn't like what was being discussed, like, how did you deal with it? How did you sort of like just turn it off? Well, I don't know if people are are aware of that. So I don't know if I can even talk about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure. Well, let's um, talk about something else that people are aware of, and then maybe you can like half talk about that. Like, yeah. You know, like with people's projects, it's, it's their thing and whether they want like intensity. I know it's like, I respect my place, you know, um, it's not my place. Yeah. Don't like to have, don't half bullshit me. Like what, what's your like really quick 10 second, I'm going to freak out. And then you decide I'm not going to, what is that 10 second moment? And how do you switch that over? Cause you're not just genuinely like, I'm happy. No, I'm not. No, my wife has to see the, 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 you know, like the real me at times when I have to be myself and it's tough. What is that like? What is that 10 second moment where you don't let Rupert or these people see that for a second? (laughs) Nothing Rupert, but no, I mean, it's just, it's just like this fucking sucks and I don't like it. And it's, it's upsetting to me at my core and I don't appreciate it, you know? Um, and I'm not saying about anything in particular cause I can't make the details, but yeah, like when I was expressing my anger of a film to you and being like, why the fuck would this be made? And like, how the hell is it getting made? And why is it that people praise it? It just drives me nuts. So, um, and that's just more or less the film stuff. I imagine like if it's just film, but imagine like politics and stuff, which I don't get into because I just think it's a big giant joke and it makes me really, really quite scared of re- the reality in which we live. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's, uh, every day, you know, like um, not every day, I've been quite blessed and thankful for this amazing life that I have. And I, for the most part, I am very much sincerely happy and content. Um, but like training jujitsu, for example, like recently, um, I only able to go about once a week, which is a bummer because I don't grow as fast. You know, it's like, it's about the amount of time that you put in. That's how you get good at it. And what's happening is all the guys that I've trained with from the beginning, they're like going all the time and they're getting really good. And it's like, it's amazing to have those guys there because they're so freaking good and I have to stay super sharp. But it's really depressing to me because I'm not able to be that I'm not able to be at that same level. And it started getting me really quite depressed because I wasn't good at it. And I don't like not being good at things, you know, it it pisses me off. So, yeah, so I was just quite I was quite depressed about it, like not depressed, just like sad about it. Like I I was remorseful. And then it just, you know, it passes. And then like last night I had like amazing, amazing roles. I was actually like doing jujitsu. That's what I called it. Cause I was actually flowing and I was submitting and I was doing all my moves and I was playing everything right. And everything was just flowing together. And that was just like, that was a blissful moment. So, but I wouldn't appreciate that moment if I hadn't gone through all the shitty stuff. So yeah. That's amazing that you have. Um, but I think also like, you know, uh, uh, and I'm curious to sort of see, you know, you're like the, the, you're sort of like you are, you are, you are uncle Ash, uh, you have, you have, you know, only 33, but you, you got the family, you got the old, you got the old life, it, whatever. You're like <laughs> suburb. I'm in the suburbs. Blah, blah, blah. Driving X. You're totally like an old, you know? uh, anyways, man. but, uh, I definitely think that I'm curious though, how much of like that life, you know, I'm getting to the age. This is, we're talking superhuman now, but like, 
I'm getting to that age where like, I, you know, it's funny. It's like, I'm not, I don't think I'm like, oh, I want a girl or anything. I kind of am like, well, I want a kid more than a girl right now. <laughs> like, I'm, like, I'm almost like, yeah, I want a fucking like kid. Kids are cool. Like, I'm like starting to babysit friends' kids, which everyone sounds dangerous. Everyone's like, what the fuck, this guy? Uh, <laughs> but I'm actually like pretty entertaining. Kids really enjoy hanging out with me, and they miss me when I'm gone because I, I I'm full of very childlike energy. But something that I find uh, interesting though is like people who have kids I find actually for some reason are 10 times more productive than people who don't have kids and I don't know if it's a like survival thing like it is. it's amp you up but you also are learnt, used to such a discipline of oh fuck I have to do all this other stuff you can't fuck around I, I've all yeah I've also heard that like I, I I play a lot of games and when I hang out with friends that have kids that play games and how much like less time they have to play games and when they do have time they just binge the fuck out of Fallout 4 and just play for like 100 hours straight <laughs> they don't know when they're going to get time to play it again uh, <laughs> like they I, they tell me like oh dude like it unless you're like willing to be a bad person and like have this child like die and being neglected like which you never do you just have to do it like a kid just like boots it's like super boot camp discipline time management so it's like you suddenly master like a lot of our fam- favorite filmmakers before we know who they they are where who knew they, who knew they were or they knew who they were they were married and had kids you know what i mean like so many people had kids before they even like blew up you know what i mean like and yes. it's like, you know david lynch was married and had kids before he fucking you know like made a ton of his shit like you know i think it's just so interesting because i'm like oh man like i just feel of i feel like, like of it as, as like a hindrance you know i feel of it like oh i can't dedicate to that much time you know but it's like i'm curious to see how much of that perspective you've naturally had of being in other people's shoes. Cause I, I have to tell myself that a lot. I've had to learn, I've had my agent tell me like, there are other people than you. And I'm like, I'm not like, I'm like, Oh, it's like embarrassing to have to like be told that sometimes because I just get so caught up. But do you think like part of your current situation and your sort of like, you know, state of your life has taught you that? Or do you yeah, think a lot of that has always been kind of in your blood? You've always thought outside of yourself. Yeah, of course, you know, like we're all designed of the person we are in this current time and space. And my daughter and wife have definitely designed who I am today. And yeah, having kids and it's like if you're if you're a derelict asshole, soulless person, yeah, you're not going to really let the child or your wife or your spouse or husband or whatever develop you into be a better person. But for those of you out there that are like myself, I let them push me. Um, to be better and be more prolific, um, to set examples, to be, to be a person that they can be proud of, you know, like that's, that's the shit right there, you know, like that's important, you know, like my daughter is very proud of me and like, she's very, it's, it's really cool. Like I don't do it for her to be proud necessarily. I appreciate that. But at the same time, it's cool that she sees it and it's cool that she has an example of what she could possibly consider as being somewhat successful, you know? And I think that's really important to give your kids. And I think it's, it's a byproduct of everything else that consists of that. And yeah, definitely having children and having a family does ramp things up quite a bit because when you don't have this, you just aren't really aware. Um, and I think you're not aware of other things out there. And I would consider myself to be even on the parent scale, I'm still quite selfish because I work a lot and I work a lot in this. And, and it's like my mistress. That's what my friend Danny calls it. Like work is the mistress. It keeps you up late at night, keeps you away from the family. Um, and I, and I'm very much, I'm a workaholic and I, I work, my work is my personality as well as who I am. 
Um, but it also gets in the way of certain things. So, um, it's, 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 it's difficult. It's tough. I, I think I'm kind of spiraling into even becoming more of a beast every day. Um, and it's also like, how could I not take this stuff seriously or, um, push for the best of success when I have peers like yourself, like, you know, being so kind and, and giving me such an amazing compliments. And it's like, I, I have to be good, you know, I have to work hard. So it's, it's not only the family, but it's also the support group. You know, I think again, to go back to the earlier talk topic of support and, and being successful is you have to have that support group. It's very important to have that. Um, if you don't have that, I think it's, it's, it's very difficult. And I really, I bleed, I cry for the people that don't have that in this world. I, I was considering, um, joining some boys and girls clubs or some kind of social things for kids just to give them that in life. Cause my daughter has it obviously cause she's my daughter and she's with me all the time, but there's kids out there. There's young, there's younger people that don't have that. And that's just, that's a crime, you know, like they need you, everybody needs somebody to tell them like, Hey, like you're going to be good. Like everything is going to be fine. You're going to do well. Like life is going to get better. You are successful. Like you're a beautiful person. You're going to do great things. You know, if you don't have that, it's, I think it's, it's, it's really tough. It's tough to beat that. Um, resiliency yeah. is really difficult, man. What is, what, what's like, difficult? like resilience, like having resilience. that resilience yeah. is, it's, 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 um, it's, it's, it's a sink or swim thing and not everybody has it, you know, and it's, it's, and I think it really helps for me. My formula is definitely like having that support group, people telling me that I'm great. It's like, okay, well, I guess I'm great. You know, not like in an ego way. I just, people are telling me that. And when I wasn't feeling that I was great, I would think of it and go, I guess, well, think people think that. So in my darker hours, I can at least fall back on that, you know? Well, I think, yeah. And you are, you are what you put out. Yeah, that's true. So it's like a lot of times, like if my natural inclination is to freak out, you know, like I, I grew up my, 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 you know, I grew up with a very, in a very, like, you can do whatever you want family, which is super empowering, but it's also like you end up finding yourself, you know, kind of spoiled in certain ways. And you, and when you get the reality check and you get like, you know, harsh lessons in life, whether it's from relationships, whether it's from friends, whether it, it, it could just be a cold, hard, like, you know, slap to the face, metaphorically speaking, or if it real in reality, um, you, you sort of have to kind of check those things and kind of come to terms with like your, your weaknesses. Um, but you also have to sort of like, you know, never let your strengths get diminished. And I, and I think that that's always hard because sometimes you, you can actually not tell the difference between some, you know, like, because I'm sort of, I, I have been, uh, told by so many people, especially earlier in my like, you know, career that, uh, you know, I can be difficult, you know, and, and that's a bad word. There's diff- there's words that are like usually bad in every sort of medium. And it's like, especially in filmmaking, because you're supposed to be, people want to control you. And, and so a lot of people though, don't want to control you. And there's, and, but that term exists for both. So you're like, wait, how do I know which one you're talking about? Yeah, I'm difficult. If you want to control me? No, I'm not difficult. If you don't want to control me, you know, mm-hmm. but you meet people where they clearly are like, they don't talk to you like, this is what you should do. I'm going to tell you what to do because A, I either don't trust you or two, I wish I was a filmmaker and I want to tell you what to do to make myself feel better. But when you're working with really talented people, they don't do that. 
they know what they care about actually and they know what you're capable of and they know how to manipulate you. Like there's nothing better than someone who knows actually how to manipulate you. And that sounds terrible, but no, it's not. It means they know what they're doing. So it's like a director actually is good at being manipulated and they like it if it's obviously for the greater good, you know? Sure. What, what sucks about directors is 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 that – you know, when you feel like you're surrounded by idiots, but you don't have the power. Oh, that's, that's the worst thing. <laughs> that the is world. the worst. Yeah. It's like and a unless, mental prison. Yeah, totally. And I, I mean, unless you're like Trevorrow or these people who I think, you know, there's a specialty at what they do. I'm sure they're like great managers. I'm sure they know how to wrangle people. I'm sure they like have their, maybe they're fun on set. Maybe they're not, but there's probably an energy that the studio really likes about them. They take notes. Well, they're able to come in I mean, you know, I've heard other stories as well, but it's like there's a reason that that person is now on a Star Wars movie. Star, the Star Wars guys are trollers, man. You know, as soon as Josh Trank kind of biffed, you know, Fantastic Four, which I'm sure he had, there were uh, out reasons outside his influence. He kind of got shat on hardcore because he, I think he was a little immature about his like tweets and stuff. But that guy, you know, probably you know got manhandled on it on Fantastic Four, you know, which of course you know serves anybody right that thinks they can control any sort of large IP that's Marvel and fucking two hundred million dollars. You know, unless you're James Cameron, like that sort of situation was like, that's not a director that can be bossed around. And unfortunately, he also couldn't tell people what to do. And so he got fired. And so now everybody's the opposite of that. And now everyone's like, who's going to just let us tell him what to do? Yeah. You know, and just figure it out when we give him notes. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) What do you think? What do you think? Subtext, I don't really care. Shut up in about five seconds, please. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you know? yeah, the characters you meet i mean yeah you're like yeah there's you're you're characterizing people that i've met too it's like wow yeah it's hard man. It's <laughs> there's hard. actual people out there yeah, yeah like, there's yeah. actual people out there and you know the ones that really love you because like when oh, i yeah. soon as soon as i hit send on hit tv or uh you know and um when i hit like unprivate after i uploaded it within three hours i had like every single exec that i like in the studio system hit me up that really genuinely love me and really like me and respect my work and champion me, whether we're talking small execs to fucking vice presidents and presidents, you know, like straight up, just like they're looking out, they're watching you, you know, they're like these like half sort of over the shoulder creepers and guardian angels, you know, and some of them, you know, don't, have what it takes to sort of like champ you through, but you support them like they support you. You help them out when they sort of want to win a pitch, you know, like, I've had plenty of times where studios straight up said, we want to win this IP. We think you're the guy for it. Like some big IPs. I, you actually remember one of them because I told you about it. Yeah, we didn't spin, but dude, I was fighting against, you know, director of Star Wars on this IP, you know? Um, so it was like pretty dope that I had the opportunity to do that because they went gamer angle, you know? But that sometimes you just, that's that's the whole compromise thing. It's like, no, I don't really want to be your like sort of poster boy, but it's like, you know what? It kind of feels good to be attached to this IP. I'm not going to lie. You know, like that's probably the allure of Star Wars. But I do think like a lot of it is just coming to terms with yourself and who you are and being humble. I think honestly, like every filmmaker that I really like, as much as like you hear crazy shit, like, I don't know, man, if Kubrick can call, pick up and call, like I always talk about Kubrick because he's sort of the poster child of like, I do what I want, bitch. But it's like, not really, man. That guy was like, he called everybody. Like every single director had some phone call that was relevant, even if they were sort of like only good at like one thing, you know, and they weren't the great storytellers. He got, they got a call from Kubrick because he'd be like, I'd like to know you did a really good job on this. Um, would you have any advice for me how to do that? What would you recommend? You, you know, we'd ask very like polite, professional and quick questions. Hmm. Okay, 
thank you very much. Please call me anytime if you need anything. Goodbye. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's fucking cool, man. Yeah, That's hard. Fair. Like, I, I, I can't even do that with fellow directors. I've been starting to sort of like, you know, Should. Be really it's good for you. Supportive to other filmmakers. And I'm starting to watch like my peers and my friends because, you know, hey, they're your homies and they're there to support you and you're there to support them. And if you don't support them, you know, like it's it's just worse for you. You it, should. It's, it's like the resilience thing you were talking about. I think a lot of that. You know, I'm, it's actually funny. I just looked up the word resilience because I've heard it in so many like sentences from people. And I'll I'm like, send you a document to read. It's really great. It's amazing because it's literally like, I swear to God, this is a cheating word because it's like 10 different definitions. And it's amazing though because it's all in one little pair. It's like a paragraph definition. I'm not joking. You should read the definition. It doesn't make sense. And it makes sense because it's, it's like there needs to be a movie of the re- theme resilience because there's like 30 scenes. 40 scenes from this definition it's really <laughs> fascinating it's like if you when you read it you're just like damn dude that's like a fucking theme in a movie you could explore it's, it's, yeah. it's amazing it's it's kind of batman it's sort of like batman's themes it, you know it's kind of crazy man there's uh, there's one called uh how people learn to become resilient it's a new yorker uh article okay. everybody should read it i'm sending you the link right now we have to wrap this up I love talking with you, but I have to get to bed because I have to get up early. And this is about me getting on my shit, being responsible. Yeah, this is, I've just tormented you now. Now you got to go be, I got to wake up, be a dad, send the kids to school. No, it's not school day tomorrow. <laughs> no, uh, no, it's, it's weekend, but I got to give it, I got, I'm giving the weekend to my wife and I promised her to be present mentally, cognitively for her. Yeah, so. you have, and emotionally. Not even emotionally, just exactly, because she it's needs emotional. that. That's what sense. You can be there cognitively. If you're not there emotionally, they'll fucking catch you. They will. They're they're ninjas, dude. They're cognitive they're super, ninjas. They're like cats when it comes to that. They can be dogs, but they can be cats. They can be <laughs> too. It's you very know? true, man. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's it being married and, and working out and having a, a strong marriage because my wife and I actually work together what too. What does she do? She works with me. She helps produce and run all the, all the business side of things. Oh my god! That's yeah, and awesome. we live together and we work together and we make it all work together. It's awesome. I love the hell out of her. I need, I need to come be inspired. Come over to the house, man. Like I would love for you to come over here. We'll do dinner. We'll I'll, I'll cook you dinner. We'll watch movies, hang out. Like you're welcome anytime. So sounds yeah. good, man. Well, I have I have a million. I just bought like another fucking like a thousand dollar worth of Criterion. So let's fucking bring him over. Something random we both haven't seen. And we're not too far away. We're about an hour and a half away. So yeah, yeah. I love I love I love SD too. So anyways, well, I would just like to say thanks to everyone listening, and yeah. I don't feel bad if you turned us off like ten times to finish this, uh, <laughs> or just never came back, which you wouldn't be hearing this part. And but I also want to thank you um, for taking the time to. Uh, listen to me bullshit and um yeah it's an, it's inspiring to always talk to you homie thanks homie and, and 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 first and foremost to to close this out props to you for going out and making your film props to your whole entire crew big shout out to all my homies that worked on it and collaborated with you um it's awesome again as i said from afar to be a fan of everybody's work here it's really great um yeah dude Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And it's it's always great to get some time with you. We always talked about that. And we, we have a couple plans, hopefully in the future, to have you more involved with the show, which would be really fun. Um, so, yeah, dude, thank you. And props for everything. And thank you again for all the amazing compliments. It's, I really appreciate oh, it. So, much awesome, dude. Well, yeah, thanks for inspiring me. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so, for having me and, and give, uh, uh, say hello to the family, okay? 
And that concludes this week's episode. Big thank yous to Saman for coming on the show and sharing his time with us this week. You can find links to Saman's work in all of the show notes for this week's episode at thecollectivepodcast.com slash 131, along with links to our Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes podcast page. Have an amazing day, everybody. Be powerful. Be prolific. Peace out.